like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. Boom. Tomahawk, my little flute benders, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully. Happy 2018, everybody. 2018 is finally, finally, <laughs> finally coming to an end. The only downside is that 2019 is beginning. Oh, yeah. It's and on so, its way, it's, and it it's promises to be an even longer year. We'll make it work. Yeah. We'll make it work. We will. We're, we're doing our best to keep spirits up here. It's been a, a crazy year, but uh, we're ready to talk about. But it has been a great year for movies. It has. It's been a fantastic year for I, movies. I think it's been a really good year. I had a lot of trouble making my list this year. We are here to do our best movie movies of 2018. Top 10 list. Top 10 list. And we are joined by our very good friends who've been here many times before. We've got Andy Elijah. Say hello, Andy. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Yes. Thanks for being here. Writer for Cinema76.com and frontman of Baker Man, yeah. who has a brand new album uh, out yes, that, Andy, no. is very good. Oh, It's very, you. very good. Thank you very much. Uh, it reminds me a lot of like American football, uh, Kinsella Brothers type stuff, Midwest rock. It's really good. It's exactly like it a lot. what we were going for, so yeah. it's much appreciated. Yeah, we... We released it like last month. It's called Skeptics Observe. If you look yes. for it on Spotify and Apple Music, yeah, so I appreciate you always uh, retweeting and bumping us. <laughs> Absolutely, that was really nice of you. Absolutely, yeah. I really like your record. And we're also joined by Ryan Silberstein. Hello, 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 Steen Stein. I do this every time. I know. I don't care. I say Steen every time, don't I? Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I'm not bothered. I'll get it wrong within the next four hours at least it's two more times. It's been my whole life, so like, <laughs> I, I'm really over it. Fair. Uh, the uh, editor of Cinema76.com. Yeah, glad to be back. Yes. Our boss. Uh, and <laughs> Our boss. <laughs> You're our boss. Uh, and I also have to throw out a shout-out to uh, hosting my own podcast, yes. The Shame Files, which Please. I'm sure will come up at least once yeah. sometime on... Uh, Throughout this episode, so and speaking of, thank you to uh, Steven Steven Silver. Silver. Yes, yes. For uh, we all knew, we're all knew. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. Uh, for naming uh, the Shame Files, one of the best podcasts of 2018. Yeah, one of the Philly. best Philly podcast. Yes. Yeah, which is, uh, I mean, it just feels amazing, that's honestly, awesome. because the whole thing started as uh, Jill, uh, my wife, who co-edits Cinema 76 with me. Uh, it the podcast was an outpouring of us needing to watch older movies more often. Yes. And so it was like, well, we're committing to like one a week basically. Yep. And like doing the podcast was a way to keep ourselves accountable for actually watching the movies. Um, and it, it's been great and I'm glad that other people are enjoying it and that's yeah. all, you know, frosting on that cake. It's fantastic. Oh, Isn't it f- technically a lower Marion podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm forgetting. No, we're actually, we're, I mean, now that we've moved, I think we're actually closer to the city, technically. Are, are you, is it, is it Upper Darby or Lower Marion? Uh, we are <laughs> neither. Or is it Lower Darby or Upper Marion? It's Marianne? Medium Darbyan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. No, wait, what technical town do you uh, live uh, <laughs> It's so small, I actually don't want to Please say provide it. your address. Okay, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, but we're, we're, we're in the, uh, Lower Somewhere. Delaware County area. Delco. We're like 15 minutes from the airport. Okay, let's say Delco. <laughs> What's your social? You <laughs> yeah. Just want to get that out it's there. 285. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's actually a good segue. We were yes. going to kick off before we start talking about the best movies or our favorite movies that we've seen in 2018. Uh, we were going to go over a movie not from 2018, yes. something that could be a shame file that we knocked off of our shame list and uh, appreciated despite not being from funny Funny 18. Funny 2018. <laughs> I started drinking before the podcast. <laughs> so I had the day off today and I was hungover, so I just went with it. Um, That's fair. So yeah, uh, does anyone want to start? I have mine ready. I, I know exactly what mine is as well. Okay. Uh, I'll, 
I'll do it. I'll do it. Do so it. Um, this year for Cinema 76, in anticipation of the new Halloween movie, yeah. I went through the entire series of Halloween. Yes. And um, it wasn't a shame uh, viewing because I had seen it before, but I barely remembered Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Yeah, yeah. And I dismissed it because Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 is like, it's kind of clammy yeah. it just didn't work for me clammy but <laughs> clammy it just it's yeah. not well cooked i don't know it's not a good meal yeah but part two is sweaty. like super interesting and just very uh it's everything that i think a halloween remake should be yeah and it's a sequel to a middling halloween remake but i i really enjoyed it it broke so many rules that i felt were uh, it's sacred to the Halloween series and did it in a way that was completely acceptable, mm-hmm. uh, up to and including Michael Myers losing the mask and kind of speaking. And so yeah, he like growls as he yeah. stabs people and he's like, die! Weird. And it's very weird and I can't make it sound good, but they sold it on me. I yeah. was very pleased that I went through that and I was able to reassess a movie that I, I really didn't think I cared for. I'm definitely interested to see both of his uh, Halloween movies. It's, they're worth checking out. It's yeah. an interesting little project. Yeah, I'll and definitely we, back you up on that. I, I saw that for the first time this year as well in, in lead up to David Gordon Green's Halloween. And I was, I hate Rob Zombie's first Halloween, but I thought the sequel was it's actually like one of the probably three best in the whole series it's, i would agree it's brutal and i it, think it's and my like second you said, favorite it, it breaks a lot of the rules it's it's a really amazing movie honestly. that's cool yeah. i'm gonna check it out yeah. uh do either of you guys have one uh, sure. ready I, I think um i chose uh i saw the movie rat catcher for the first time oh this year. Uh, yes i've never seen yeah. that it's the first movie from lynn ramsey yeah. who released uh, you were never really here this mm-hmm. year so I, I kind of did like a catch up in anticipation of that movie. So I watched Ratcatcher and I watched uh, Morvern Kalar, uh, which were her two first movies. Both are incredible. Uh, both are really quite amazing. But I'd say Ratcatcher is kind of like it's kind of a stone cold masterpiece. Yeah. It's from 99. It has that kind of uh, bicycle thieves sort of like neo realist mm-hmm. vibe to it. It's just like about a, a you know a very poor child growing up in Glasgow. Scotland, and you have to like. I think there are subtitles on it because you just can't understand what they're saying. Yeah, but just so it's it's just like a you know kind of a child like the world from the point of view of a very poor child. But it's like there's lots of there's fantasy elements. It's just very it's like upbeat, but also well, it's actually not upbeat. But you know, you see the kid <laughs> still find some hope even in yeah. uh, desolation, and it's it's actually very reminding me a lot of the Florida Project. Oh, okay, in a lot of ways, cool. So. Lynn Ramsey's uh, awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad that she's like getting some love this year, and hopefully sure. it will not be a long delay until her next film. Absolutely, yeah. Ratcatcher, cool. What do you got, Ryan? Yeah, I, I have a bunch, uh, but okay. I'll only mention one yeah. uh, because just I mean, spell out the link to your show archive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, just spell it http libsyn. Uh, yeah, it's it, uh, shamefiles.libsyn.com, where <laughs> you can search wherever you find podcasts. We should be there. But yeah. uh, one that we did recently. Um, I've I also realized this year that I've seen like I think I saw like thirty five older movies in the theater this year. That's awesome. Uh, which was a high priority for me, and it's been great. And one of the recent ones was. Uh, uh, from our most recent Shame Files episode as of this recording. We should have one out in between. Okay. Anyway, uh, Barbara Loden's Wanda from 1970. Oh, yeah. Never seen it. Um, it's been really hard to track down. This is like a relatively new restoration. Okay. Criterion just announced that it's coming out in March okay. uh, for the Criterion Collection. And it's about a... Uh, like, Barbara Loden was a... Um, you know, an actress. She was married to um, the guy who directed uh, Streetcar Named Desire. Okay, Elliot bunch- Kazan. Yes, thanks. Um, and a you know a bunch of other stuff. And mm-hmm. she like wrote, starred, directed, produced. Super super low budget. They filmed it in Scranton in a lot of like coal fields and stuff. Scranton. Um, Scranton. 
Scranton. Uh, Scranton. And so uh, it, it, it actually, like, it's one of those movies that, like, watching it, like, I wasn't blown away. But then, like, t- thinking about it and talking about it afterwards, it, like, the layers just peel back and back and back. Yeah. And there's so much going on there. Those yeah. are the best movies. Uh, the ones that, like, you come out lukewarm and then a week later you're like, fuck, that slayed me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's so good. It's amazing. So, so good. when that Criterion does come out in March, uh, you guys should all definitely check it out. So. I plan to. I hope that this Criterion channel gets up off the ground because I don't have a physical media player to speak <laughs> of. Yeah. And uh, I'm all streaming right now. So <laughs> I, I hope that that gets off the ground. Yo, uh, do you have Canopy? I do have Canopy. And a lot of Criterion stuff is on there. Yeah. I love Canopy. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you got for us, G-Man? Mine is uh, Dario Argento's Opera. Yeah. Which I just Ooh, saw I for a few weeks that. ago on the big screen in 35 millimeters, thanks to Exhumed Films, and fucking blew my mind. I like. I really like Suspiria a lot, uh, and I think... I would I seen Two Evil Eyes, which was like something he did with um, Romero. It's like they each did like a short film. Um, that's pretty good too. But I've not seen a lot of Argento, and Opera fucking blew my mind. I loved Opera so much. It is such a weird, crazy movie that's about like ravens and opera and uh, eyelids. It's really strange. There are, I think, 4,000 tracking shots in it oh, that are awesome. all incredible <laughs> and, like, so well executed. That was such a genuine... Uh, <laughs> oh. It literally... It's like Birdman before Birdman. It, like, yeah, opens in an opera, but, like, all you're seeing are, like, the behind-the-scenes of the opera, and everybody's fucking, like, shouting at each other to, like, go get a thing done and, like, make sure the next fly comes in at the right time. And it, it noises off, but scary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's really, really fun and interesting it gets into like the process of opera but then is not even about that it's just wild uh and i just love the shit of it it's also uh like very much a movie that speaks to me it's all this like great opera music uh but then anytime it's a slasher movie anytime the killer starts killing all of the sudden it just heavy metal starts playing there's like a needle drop on heavy metal that starts playing every time he starts killing people it's amazing that sounds so cool that's awesome i loved everything about it it's it it is really spectacular you uh, sort of reminded me my my last movie on filmstruck before it went away was come and see oh which i haven't doesn't seen that. have a lot of tracking shots yeah but sort of is going for that weird like the camera is there but isn't there immersion yeah. that something like opera or birdman does yeah um I, it, it actually succeeds at what the revenant uh made feel gimmicky yeah yeah and i, and I like the revenant yeah i do too. um but uh yeah come and see is just one that i have to toss up there that movie fucking ripped yeah same here i saw that um before Filmstruck went down. and That's a good Woo! flick. That's, that little kid's eyes did more acting than anybody put together forever. It was unreal. <laughs> it was <laughs> All right. so heartbreaking. Well, let's dive into 2018 we movies right. then, gentlemen. Also, I like to movie a movie can be found on all of your different <laughs> podcast catchers. I like two movie. That's the numeric two. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, all right. So we'll start with our number 10s. We'll, we'll do a round robin here. Uh, oh, do you want to just go in the order we've been going in? I think yeah. that works. Yeah, yeah. Let's, I think it'll be easier it. to keep track the more beer I drink. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to break my heart if I can't just read my 15 through 11. Uh, well, we could do that maybe later. Yeah, okay. we'll do that later. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> okay, my number 10 movie. Um, <laughs> it's actually one that, that I knew that I would like, but I didn't expect to be deeply moved by. And I don't know if anyone else has seen it, but it was The Sisters Brothers. I have not seen I, that I yet. missed it. The yeah. Sisters missed Brothers it as well. is an interesting I wanted to go. It's a great movie to watch with your dad. Yeah, it's a it's a very slow burn, and I had to look up the um, 
No peeking. I just tried to put my list down. Um, it, it's, it taught me a term that I didn't know, and it was a novel, is a picaresque novel. Okay. Picare- and it's, it's one that is told episodically in which the main characters don't really have an arc to speak of. Oh, okay. And sometimes I don't care for that. Sometimes when it seems like events of a film are happening, irrespective of the actions of the people within the film, it can feel a little calamitous. But this, is a, this kind of invoked the vibes of Slow West, where Ooh, yeah. you're kind of just like along for the ride, but it's Joaquin Phoenix as a super drunk one half of the Sisters Brothers, mm-hmm. um, John C. Riley as the as the more put together of the two. That's hilarious. And they come across these two men that sort of have an ambiguous relationship, which I enjoyed because it suggests a little more than just friendship. Okay, uh, Riz Ahmed and Jake Gyllenhaal, who are a bounty hunter, Jake Gyllenhaal who is there to... Uh, <laughs> sorry, this is so funny watching you <laughs> silently try and request a beer. Andy and I are doing a beer transaction with sign language. Jake Gyllenhaal is a, uh, is a bounty hunter who's after Riz Ahmed, who has found a way to illuminate gold in rivers using chemicals. Oh. And the Sisters Brothers are there to stop them. But... Um, it's such a good <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> it's such a good uh device that they all end up working together to ridiculous effect. Yeah. But it's such a great uh depiction of the old west. It feels real. They go to an old west San Francisco that is a lot of fun. And That's um cool. I don't know, it's just kind of shaggy. It's from the same director. I'm not gonna pronounce his name right, but as a prophet, which if oh, you've not, not, not seen a prophet, I was bedridden Jacques with it. Adiard. That's it, Jacques Adiard. <laughs> Um, or maybe Adar. A few years back, I watched A Prophet when I was uh, bedridden for... I won't get into it, but I was bedridden for a week. (laughs) And that's like a three-hour movie. Okay. And so I put it on and was just floored. And so when I knew something new was coming, and it has two of my... Actually, three of my... Four of my favorite actors all together doing cowboy shit. It's just really good, and it, it bounces from harrowing to charming to funny to gruesome, and all in service of just a a group of really silly characters. There's a great scene where John C. Riley learns what brushing your teeth is. <laughs> and Jake Gyllenhaal is a more well-off gentleman who knows what brushing their teeth is. And so as he's trying out brushing teeth, brushing his teeth for the first time, he's having a silent bonding moment with a more proper gentleman who has good teeth. Yeah. And it, it's just a very charming moment. Perhaps one of my favorite scenes of the year. Oh, that's cool. That's they awesome. even sell them. They're like, Oh, it's called a toothbrush. Let you keep your teeth longer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So sisters brothers was just a total blast. And it it warmed my heart. And as much as I loved it while watching it, it was one where two weeks later I was like, I've been thinking about that quite a bit. Yeah. And so yeah. that's my number ten. I uh, awesome. I have the book at my house if you want to borrow. I, I would like I to read, read it. it. But uh, I would definitely like to when I'm done the terror, which I'm <laughs> almost done, which is great. I will read it because uh, I uh, I was at like a library book sale and I got it for like a dollar. Like I was like looking through the books. And I was like, that's a movie that's coming out soon. <laughs> I'm just gonna get it because yeah. it was a dollar or whatever. I just got yeah. my hands on Stephen King's Rage. Oh, no. oh. out of print one for a dollar at a library sale. Sweet, hell yeah. Clutch. Awesome. Yeah, sis- the Sisters Brothers, which also comically has one of the longest pre-movie producers logos ever. <laughs> it because go- uh, Annapurna is uh, not doing well, yeah. And so there's one title card that is no lie, like fifteen to twenty of them. Oh just my stacked. god, wow. it's so wild, and it was upsetting, but it also somehow fit the comedy of the movie. So yeah, yeah Sisters Brothers, I would recommend. It took my Buster Scruggs spot on the list. Oh, you know, nice. when it yeah. comes to nouveau yeah. westerns. Yeah, I'm into it. I really want to see that. Andy, what's your number 10, buddy? My number 10 is The King, a documentary by Eugene Jarecki. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just read the IMDb plot is he description. The, um, uh, he, he did The House I Live In, 
Um, he his brother is Andrew Jarecki. He's who I'm thinking who of. Did the, the Jinx? The Jinx, yeah. yeah. And he does Crime Town, which is a great podcast. Yeah, yeah. And he did um he, uh, that other Robert Durst movie, the one with Ryan Gosling. All the pretty, all uh, good babies, things. I good things it's called. All the pretty horses. Um, and yeah, so Eugene Jarecki did. Uh, I think he did um that one called The House I Live In, and a few other. Oh, Why We Fight. So he's kind of like the more. I would of those two brother documentarians, he's kind of typically been the more straightforward, uh, traditional filmmaker. But this one is like anything but. I feel like he was kind of, you know, this is something kind of more out of left field for him. So, the description is: forty years after the death of Elvis Presley, a musical road trip across America in his nineteen sixty three Rolls Royce explores how a country boy lost his authenticity and became a king, while his country lost her democracy and became an empire. So basically. No joke, Eugene Jarecki uh, basically gets his hands on one of Elvis's Rolls Royce and just traces his life. Hmm. So drives from Mississippi, where he was born, up to Memphis, where he did his first recordings, and then up to like New York, where he kind of got big on like the television sound stages, over to Las Vegas, where he like, you know, spent a decade doing residency and popping pills and getting like, you know, really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, and then to Graceland, where he died in the toilet. So, Basically, the whole thing is a huge like metaphor for America's rise and fall, and along the way, he like p- picks up like people who were inspired by him, like young artists, um, people who were friends with him and knew him, like Amy Lou Harris and John Hyatt, um, and then like just famous like media personalities like David Simon, uh, Ethan Hawke, Alec Baldwin, who are all just kind of go along for the ride to talk about Elvis and what he meant to the culture, what he meant to the country, what he symbolizes and what his like to go from like the fifties where he was like so untouchable to the seventies where he was just sad and pathetic basically. Mm -hmm. Fat Elvis. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole thing is just, it's an incredible doc. Like I really, that's on canopy, right? It's on. I've been meaning to check it out. I, in the middle of the summer, it was actually my number one movie of the year. I like, I just was kind of blown away by it. Um, But I think with docs, sometimes they tend to sort of like, you know, lose a little bit with me in estimation towards the end of the year because I get more drawn to like stories, and, mm-hmm. and this is a story. You had for sure. um, OJ on last year, or maybe I two did. years yeah, ago. Yeah, I did. And so I, I, yeah, yeah, and and so this is this is honestly a sim- a very similar documentary, like where that movie kind of took the the OJ case as a metaphor for America. This one also takes Elvis Presley kind of as a metaphor for America. Um, and the whole thing is happening and being filmed against the backdrop of the 2016 election. So, I mean, that talk about yeah. the whole thing is like basically, you know, Elvis, you know, was once can't lose, but then he died in the toilet. You know, just like America was once can't lose. Are we about to die in the toilet? And you could basically say that toilet. You could say that Donald Trump being uh, elected was kind of like America dying on the toilet. So the whole movie <laughs> is just amazing. Like way so, to kill the vibe yeah. of the show. Jesus. <laughs> so if you're into like pop, we if you're into dying, so, <laughs> social commentary, but through like a pop culture analysis, yeah. this is like heaven. You That's know? cool. So I, I just thought it was an incredible film. Like, I remember I years ago, I saw some, some comedian, I believe his name was Jeff Egan at some like North, North Jersey comedy club. And he had some joke. He, he did like 20 minutes on pooping. And how, you know, there's some turds that are so tough that you're just praying for the splash. Yeah. And then his tag at the end of the set, like his big closer, he's doing a bit about Elvis. And he's like, and Elvis never heard the splash. And it always just stuck with me. <laughs> Whenever I picture Elvis dying on the toilet, I picture him praying to hear the splash. <laughs> and then Elvis, you know, leaves the building. It doesn't get to hear the splash. <laughs> Elvis leaves the building. He did. Uh, he another sure cool did. thing about it, too, in a year where we talk a lot about, like, cultural appropriation, 
Yeah. And like who gets to tell what story, who gets to share what art and why like this movie, they really seriously grapple with, um, you know, how he kind of played like black music, mm. but for like a white audience, because like the white audiences wanted kind of black music but yeah, the, the, oh, yeah. he's the so king of rock and roll and segregated Bo just did a double right. walk. yeah but it was everything was segregated back then so it's like they couldn't do it so you know so they talk there's a lot of talking heads like chuck d from public enemy and even and like so they, they really seriously grapple with uh with that subject as well that's and, interesting in a, in a really cool way like in yeah. a way that doesn't feel like performative you know? yeah, yeah yeah that sounds awesome yeah that sounds really cool i feel like elvis is getting lost to our generation mm-hmm. and yes. people even younger than us like mm-hmm. i feel like his Ooh. impact is really kind of diminishing in the historical oh, for sure. record really quickly. i went on a, like mm-hmm. a three-month elvis listening binge after that doc for sure is that he, worth doing yes yeah his stuff is well, well, my well, grandmother just, loves it watch the, the film and like then good old american boy watch the film and then make up your mind I will. See, I see definitely like plan Elvis. to watch it. All right. Yeah, and definitely listen to his last number one hit is "Suspicious Minds." Oh, "Suspicious Minds" is great. Fine. Right. Yeah. So, like, it's. I think I, it's I know important hits, to remember yeah. to like that he gets to that point where it sounds more modern mm-hmm. than like blue suede shoes. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he yeah, runs yeah. that whole gamut. No doubt. Uh, "Suspicious Minds" is that great like, needle drop in 2049. Yeah, it's great. Maron. <laughs> so good. Is that "Suspicious Minds"? It is "Suspicious yeah, Minds." Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. It's "Can't Help Falling in Love." No, no it goes both. from suspicious yeah. minds when they're fighting okay, cool. each other. Didn't we, we, we talked about falling in love when they decide not to fight each other. Solid. It's yeah. It is that is a that is boners, <laughs> bones. What about <laughs> you, Ryan? What's your great. number ten? Yeah. So my number ten is The Guilty. Oh, uh, that's by first time director Gustav Müller. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Just got tapped for a remake with Jake Gyllenhaal, I believe. Uh, yeah, I heard role. that. Uh, a remake of what? They're remaking of The Guilty. The Guilty. Oh, an American remake. But he's directing it. That's cool. Um, yeah, so what's cool about this movie is the main character is like a cop who has been demoted to being a 911 operator. Okay. And the entire uh, movie is him in this building. Um, like, and so he's taking calls, stuff is happening. He's trying to figure out what's going on in this one case. And it's, you hear the phone calls and like you don't see, it doesn't cut away. You okay. don't see anything else. You see his face reacting yeah. to what he's hearing and like. Pit, like it's telling a story in a really interesting way, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that actor who is uh, Jacob uh, Settergren, because this is a Scandinavian movie. I don't remember which exact country, so apologies. Uh, I think it says uh, it's Sweden. I think it's I think it's Sweden. I actually that for some reason his face looks a lot like Mark Wahlberg. So <laughs> for the longest time, when I saw the like the poster for this movie i was like oh mark Wahlberg's in a new movie about where he's a 911 operator cool confession to make you pointed that out to me and i totally stole it in my review for findy because uh, you're welcome it really did look like him and i would love to see mark Wahlberg just like you call 911 what are you doing i gotta do this i gotta bust it down for blowing up two city blocks uh but yeah so his performance is great and all yeah. of the other uh voice performances are also great because um, you know they're tell they're conveying what these characters are experiencing. Like there's like a kidnapping, yeah, and like you don't know what's going on because you only have the information that they're telling you. You mm-hmm. don't see anything that's happening, mm-hmm. and just the way the information is delivered. And there's a lot of twists and turns, but they don't they feel organic because it feels true to like it feels true to life in terms of yeah. like how you would how that information would come out in that specific situation. Mm-hmm. So it gets to have the twist, but not feel like a, you know, oh, we're doing a twist to change up the narrative, but just yeah. in terms of like, oh, this is new information that like, this is how we got to know that information. Interesting. It doesn't hinge upon the twist. Right. Because I saw that at the festival as well, and it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, as it's leading up to whatever, you know, reveals happen, 
you know, anyone who's seen a movie before can probably figure out where it's going, but it, it doesn't drop the bomb in the way where you're like, oh man, that recontextualizes everything. But it does drop the bomb in the way that in how it affects its characters. Mm-hmm. It's so important to them that it's a gut punch. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that movie's tremendous. Yeah. I really liked that a lot. It could have been novelty and it ends up like feeling like much more. Yeah, I was really sweaty when I came out of it. <laughs> like because it was just that gripping where I was at, like I was absolutely engaged on every single level, like super just concerned about these characters and what was happening. I think I, I would say too. I was most impressed and somewhat disheartened, and I don't want to say anything specific. That a foreign country is having a similar conversation about police mm. as we are in America, mm. yeah. and that's something that I thought was a distinctly American issue. And seeing it in a foreign film is, you know, it's inspiring because it's like, oh, good, we're talking about it. But it's also like, fuck, man, like that's yeah. I think I, I think when I wrote it up for like Cinema seventy six or when I tweeted about it, I said like, what if Dirty Harry only had a phone? And like okay, that's yeah. like that would, that is like the one line pitch for this movie, yeah. Because he is a rogue cop and he's going rogue in his reassignment role, yeah. And like really go like he's calling and his, altruistically, his right? Like yeah. he's yeah. trying to do the right thing, but he's definitely going outside the lines. Yeah, yeah. You learn about why he's in this situation as the movie goes on. Like it's just really, it's just really well done. And like for a first time director, I was blown away because there's so much control and like just really getting good performances out of all these different kinds of performances. Mm-hmm. They do more like, with Venetian blinds than you can yeah. imagine. Well, for real. And he'll be yeah, like yeah. having this really harrowing conversation and like two people behind him are like talking about like, you know, whatever hockey game is going on while they're drinking coffee. And yeah. like, so it, it captures that sort of dissonance, uh, you know, in that line of work too really huh. well. So I found I can close my eyes and picture scenes that happen on the phone, yes. but not that we don't actually see. Right. That happen on the other end of the line. I can picture them clearly. Yep. And that's super impressive. Like I know what those just people look like. Yes. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? And like I yeah. had to keep reminding myself when I was writing it up that we don't actually see any of that. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's a, a good it's really That's cool. a great script handled fantastically. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Sounds good. Uh, My number 10. Uh, Damsel, directed by David Zellner and Nathan Zellner. Uh, This will be coming up again. Okay, awesome. Yeah, Dan and I uh, just kind of like happened into this one, sort of. Did you have a screener for this, or did we just This is one that I emailed for just like a free pass, and it wasn't that packed. Yeah, no. And I really went in with middling expectations. I had no idea what to expect, and I really enjoyed this. Uh, It's so funny. It's so (laughs) so funny funny in such a weird, specific way. There's like slapstick humor there's like language humor there's um there's historical humor even yes. in the context of the opening scene with robert forster y- yep where you're like where it tells the whole story of that world that it's in just big with this sad fucking priest yeah, yeah. it's it's got like all of these different kinds of humor mixed together uh and it never i don't know it never feels like a mishmash it it, mm. it everything has its own distinct punchline that really works and kind of weaves itself into the themes of the movie which are like kind of how it ended up my list was just like it it is very funny and it's like really really great robert pattinson is fantastic i think in this the, the movie. key is it's character based yeah totally. everything's character based and what we know about the characters and what we assume about yes. the characters is altered intermittently throughout the the exactly so you're always on board yeah that, that that's a yeah it, it's like it's such a well-written and well-directed movie because you 
you make a lot of assumptions that just keep getting turned over as the movie goes on. Uh, And in doing so, it ends up speaking a lot to like male entitlement, basically, Um, which uh, I know we always do this every year. We try and find a theme in the movies. And there are a lot this year, I think, that we could talk about. Male entitlement comes up on my list over and over and over again. and I, It's I, in the conversation. Yeah. I, I think it's there. It's something that we're reckoning with. Yep. And I think what's cool about in this movie that really spoke to me is that it does shine light on how this male can get to that idea yeah. of having that entitlement right. without forgiving him for doing so. Right. You know, it shows how he gets there and shows why that mentality exists and how it exists. Yeah. And also how it is purely his fault. Yeah. Yeah. And purely the fault of the system that he finds himself in. Yeah. But when he runs up against a character like Mia Vasakovska, yeah. who Who's is unwilling to movie. play a part of whatever the system is, it ends up creating a lot of uh, very strong character-based humor yeah. that certainly had me just thinking about the way I interact with people. Yeah, me too. Without, without a doubt. You know? Yeah, this movie like is so... It's like really, really funny and like had a legitimate impact on me just like as a story, which is yeah. really cool. It's definitely like a movie about... 2018 in a lot of ways yes. in terms of like how men are on the internet yeah. like like i kept on thinking about like robert pattinson could be like a reddit post like his character yeah. from that movie if he were alive today he would be like on reddit in his yeah. mom's basement like absolutely talking about oh, he'd be on the incel yeah, sub he'd yeah. be on the incel yep. sub he'd be talking about like how to be a pickup artist yep. he'd be talking about like all that super misogynistic, like I agree, nerdy boy stuff. That, you know? I think in my review I said something like this movie is kind of about how the myth of the American cowboy is straight up purely a myth. There is no such thing as like the altruistic cowboy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The only thing that exists are like problematic poisonous men, you know. Yes, uh, and yes. I, I really like that. I think it also speaks to the broader idea of when you create a character for yourself and start to believe that character, it becomes really easy to. Uh, forget and automatically forgive the deficiencies of your own character. And that's something that I think everybody, but especially men right now at a time of, of looking inward, um, really do have to think about actively. Yeah. Um, you know, I live in a world where I am passively validated for most of the things that I do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those things I find out later when I actually put thought into it that it wasn't necessarily my place to go and do that. Right. And so I, I love the idea that this speaks to that. Yeah. But in a way that, I mean, I was laughing myself silly within the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Like the whole theater was. There it's, was a really responsive. really funny. And so, and, and kudos to David Zellner and what, Nathan, Nathan, is it Nathan yep. Zellner? They're both in it. Yes. And they both really get it. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I this is a, a movie that was I wish saw more eyes because Me too. it is purely entertaining and it just it was something that I think just as a dude I do frequently need to be reminded of. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's also beautifully made. It's, it's like a really made. really good looking. It looks really oh, the good. vistas yeah. in that are yeah. just and yeah. a single yeah. per, single scene performance from Robert Forrester yeah. is something you treasure. Uh, remember Robert, Robert Forrester's song. It? Yeah. Oh my. What Whoa. was her name? Buttercup. 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 Yeah. It's so, no, so honey bun. Good. Honey bun. Honey bun. The, the horse's name. The horse's Buttercup. name is yeah. Buttercup. But the song. Yeah. Is, the song is, is terrible. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, I think that's another brilliant thing is casting Robert Pattinson in that role. Yes. Where where he's just a douchebag and he is extremely unattractive <laughs> and he sucks. Like the fact that he could do that is is pretty brilliant. And yeah. also one thing we discovered in the middle while when we were talking about this movie over the summer on Twitter. Robert Pattinson Twitter has the <laughs> most dedicated, <laughs> so loyal, the, the best Twitter fan followers. base in the world, and They're they so the fact yeah. that they could be so down for a movie where Robert Pattinson shows up to look like 
such a piece of shit yep. is, is pretty brilliant. Yeah. I think the sentiment amongst all of them, because even when we started interacting and being like, I had no idea Robert Pattinson fans were so supportive, yeah. everybody's response was like, hey, we really like strong craft. Yeah, 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 yeah. They stuck around, they got into him during Twilight, and yeah. they're still here for like the fucking Sundance films. But like, how beautiful to later. even tie into Damsel is that I had an assumption about what yeah. I assumed was a largely female fan base, and I had an assumption about what it meant to be a Robert Pattinson fan that has been challenged with, yep. you know, Cosmopolis and Good Time and all that. And, you know, suddenly it's it, you can kind of come out of the closet as a Robert Pattinson, yeah. Pattinson fan. And they're all just like, we've been here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've yep. been here. And yep. we, we knew it. And you guys were too stupid to see it. Yeah. Like, remember really me? cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 9-11 happened. You yeah. hate surprise. <laughs> I do. And I will never watch that movie. But that, I'm glad. Like, whenever I watched that, the last scene on YouTube, dude. Whenever that gift pops up, yeah. it kills me every time. Because <laughs> I'm always like, what is this movie? Oh, <laughs> I, I know what this is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love yeah, that. Damsel it's will come favorite. up later, but awesome. I, I'm with you. Damsel was, loved it. was absolutely fantastic. Really loved it. Big, Probably biggest surprise of the year for me. Yeah, yeah. It, I really went in just yeah. thinking, and in my head I had like Slow West and all that. Yep. And I think Robert Pattinson's a great analog for a Buster Scruggs yeah. in that he sees himself as this whimsical character yes. who's different from the man of the time, yeah. only to find out that he's exactly like the man of the yeah. time. He's just having a lucky streak. Yes. And that's I think that's if really you, interesting. Uh, have you guys seen Kumiko, The Treasure Hunter? I have, I have not. Yeah, also have. on Canopy. You have? It, yeah. It's so good. That's yeah. their first movie. And it's, it's Cohen's it's ancillary very, as well. It's it very is. similar. It's very yeah. similar to, in fact, it's like inspired by Fargo, obviously. So, yeah, uh, yeah you guys got to see that. That's and if you have too. seen Kimiko, I will just say Justice for Bunzo. Oh my Bunzo? God. Is there someone named Bunzo? There's a bunny named Bunzo. Okay, because I Bunzo. call my bunny Bunzo. There's a, there's a bunny named Bunzo. I just Bunzo. did out well, of like, natural reaction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. I hate him. He's such a fucking asshole. It's that, that movie will fuck you up then, though. I'm into so it. Know. That's okay. There was, um, well, you know, maybe it'll come up later. Yeah. There was a movie that had some rabbits in it earlier that uh, we'll get into. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about Fatal, fatal Attraction later <laughs> in this movie. Uh, my number nine, I know, is one that we're going to have a few minutes on because I know it's going to be on a couple other lists. But my number nine is Mandy. Fuck yeah, dude. Mandy is fucking metal. It's the most metal movie thing. is so crazy metal. It's, it's heartbreaking to leave it just off my list. Uh, guys, it was guys. what are you doing? It's a way, but... Mandy is, if I describe Mandy to anybody, the movie that they have in their head and are right to have in their head, Nicolas Cage revenge movie yep. against a cult, is not at all the movie that they get. Yeah, uh, This is a movie that I don't know what reality it occurs in. There's yeah. demon motorcyclers. Yeah. There is a you know charismatic rapist creep cult leader. Yeah. There's a scene where Nicolas Cage forges his own axe to uh -huh. fight a man with an extremely phallic chainsaw length competition. <laughs> it's it's insane. It's crazy. Uh, Cheddar Goblin. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. And I I think. What helped was the experience that we had watching yes. it. You were there. I loved it. Um, packed theater, yep. completely sold out. Um, t there was a guy who pulled his phone out, and the theater immediately pounced. It was yeah. just like, yo, bro, phone off. Like, yeah. everybody was on board. It was great. And then before the movie started, the first time that, that Trump's America really started to affect a privileged white man was when the anti-marijuana commercial came uh -huh. on. And it was, oh, my son did marijuana, and now he's dead. <laughs> and the whole theater erupted into condescending laughter. Yeah. And so I was... Uh, it was just a great experience, and to have this two and a half hour, oddly colorful but muddy and dark metal as fuck revenge movie featuring the most insane performance by Nicolas Cage being trumped by five other even more insane performances. 
There's nothing not to love. The it, score is probably the best of the yeah, year. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's my number year. one score yeah. of the year. Johan Johansson. I would love a posthumous Johan Johansson yeah. nomination or win for this. I think it's the best score of the year. It is incredible, bar none. And there's a lot of good scores this year. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Mandy rules. Uh, yeah. Why can't I think of the actress's name? Andrea Riseborough. Andrea Riseborough, who was also in a Death of Stalin. Riseborough. Okay. Uh, she's a she's a wife. I love her. I think she's so beautiful, <laughs> and she's 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 part of my harem of collected fantasy wives that I have. Uh-huh. Um, led, of course, by the mom from Poltergeist after she gets the gray streak. Uh-huh. Mm. Nice. <laughs> wow, amazing. I love her. Oh, I yeah. love her. But uh, yeah, it's uh, she's great in it too. She puts in a hell of a performance. They do a great effect where uh, her face is morphed in and out with the cult leader's face as he delivers a monologue and she delivers a monologue that is unlike anything I've ever seen. It's so good. I could gush for hours. Mandy is a perfect film. Yes. And it was, uh, it just, it opened to an audience that was so ready for it across every platform that it opened on. Yep. And I I think it's magical. Yeah. This is going to make me sound like an asshole, but like that movie is. A, a pure work of art to you me. fucking asshole i ju- i feel like an, an asshole, asshole saying that but it, it really this fucking guy can you believe him complimenting this movie accurately i just i well i feel like that's like such a fucking like phrase to just like pull out of a hat but it like it really nice feels like a, a pure made. yeah <laughs> it feels like a just like a pure work of art to me like this movie fucking like really spoke to me i i've seen it twice now and both times i was like equally uh moved as i was ready to like kick a hole in my wall and jump mm. out of it and tear my shirt off and scream at people when we walked back from the theater that night i remember that most of our conversation was just growling yeah, yeah. like dude that was like uh, yeah <laughs> that's all it was <laughs> but it was like i was also like and both times i saw it like very moved by that it's movie. not a dumb yeah. movie no, no yeah and it wasn't because i watched it twice because it is on shutter now yeah. you should definitely check it out and i would uh, i would recommend headphones or a good sound you can system feel that in your chest it's designed to resonate physically but uh it's one that after i watched the movie and then listened to the soundtrack and while listening to the soundtrack found these emotions conjured that weren't necessarily there the first time yes the second time i watched it it was like getting hit by a truck yeah it's really emotional like it's it's a smart and deep and honest movie yeah but it's also just a completely uh, aggressive genre exercise. Yes. Yep. It, it's so good. It, it marries those things so well for me. And like, mm-hmm. I, I, I love the pace of it. The first hour is very dreamlike and relaxing to me. I like, mm-hmm. I like watching it. It's a it. fun world yeah. to be in yeah. despite being an explicitly and purposefully repulsive world. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. They're they're it's You know, <laughs> we get to spend time with them in their kind of dream world for a little bit. And then when that's taken away, it gets, like, very intense in a really fun way. Like, the movie never is not having fun. But that also doesn't mean it's not, like, taking all of it totally seriously. Well, and it's and, like, earnest. Really it delivering. doesn't wink yeah, the exactly. camera with the fun. And I think, too, for a movie that is motivated by the kidnapping and, if I remember correctly, assault of a... Yeah. Uh, of the the main one female character yeah. doesn't feel like a movie that hinges character. upon that. Right. Yes, the titular character doesn't feel like she's just sidelined to be a motivating player. It it does. She does have character moments. Yeah. She has a great moment standing up to the cult leader that yeah. like sizzles. That, to Prob- me, that's the center. That's like the, of the scene movie. of the year. Of yeah. like her laughing at yeah. just laughing at this pathetic man. Yeah. And even though like you know obviously uh, things don't go her way. Let's put it that way. Yeah. 
she still kind of gets to own him in that moment. Yep. And in a way, his response to her is just because he knows just how pathetic he is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's, so I thought that that, especially this year in the yeah. year of like powerful men getting kind of getting their their day in court getting as beautifully castrated um, yeah that that scene was amazing yes and I, also I this movie opened a Mandy. window into Nicolas cage that we didn't know we have because in the in the postscript there was a q a yeah. uh, attached to the theatrical print and during the q a it was asked of Nicolas cage what movie he would like to do most and his long drawn out answer began with his declaration that his greatest passion has always been the ocean. Yes. And thus he wants to play Nero. He loves the ocean more than he loves his parents. Uh, yeah, he said something to the yeah. degree of, one of my greatest... Pa- no. My greatest passion has always <laughs> yeah. been the ocean. Yeah. And he's wearing like a solid gold leather jacket yep. and sunglasses, even though it's, you know, midnight. A hundred uh, rings on two fingers. Yeah, on every finger. yeah it's crazy. But it, yeah, and then so Panos bad. Cosmatos is just like a total, just like, yeah, I'm a movie nerd dweeb. Like, yeah, yeah. I got motorcycles. They're metal, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Totally I, cool. And I like that this was like a big step forward from uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, yes. which she did last I haven't like, seen that yet. It's. I mean, I know it has dad, a lot of George. really cool <laughs> visual stuff, like, yes. just like in Mandy. Like, clearly he's yeah. talented in that way. But like the story in that, like, I couldn't fucking. It makes tell no you sense. What, I couldn't yeah. tell you what that movie was about. Yeah. Like, it's just it was more or less style exercise. Yes. But this one, he dips it was into surrealism style, here without abandoning. But the, form. the story is really the story is easy to latch on. Yeah, it's to. there. It's, it's very, solid. It's solid. It's straightforward, yeah. and it's a very simple revenge mm-hmm. story in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um. But he just. He he gives it those moments of like you know her laughing at him, yep. and honestly, I mean, let's. Just, I've never seen a movie that is closer to like the experience of psychedelics, yeah, uh, visually on screen <laughs> yeah. as this movie. I know, even that, even after having seen like the Holy Mountain, yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's that good. I fucking love Mandy. I'm I'm glad we talked about it. I, yeah. I love. Is it Mandy. on anyone's list? Oh, it, it'll come up. Okay, later. I was making uh, it, it, I think it's, it's probably my number eleven. I would say. Okay. Right I, I I put it. I at traded the last this one minute, out in a couple times. At the last minute, I took it off. Um, Have you not seen it yet? I've not seen it yet. Okay. I really want yeah. to. I just yeah. like time. Yeah. It's a bitch. Yeah. But Honestly, the Johan Johansson score, though, like oh, to me, amazing. when I close my eyes, I just hear that love theme, yep. that guitar love theme, yep. and I think of, and I just think of like, you know, Why can't Andrea Raisenborough and Nicolas Cage in bed together, <laughs> yeah. just like I, I, snuggling. I just yeah. think about that. I love Johansson's music. So like, yeah. just knowing that he did the score, like I was already excited to see it. I just yeah. haven't gotten to it yet, and I'm I'm curious to hear Jill's reaction. Something mm-hmm. tells me that she'll fucking love Mandy, and I don't know why I, can I see have that. that feeling. No, I, just I have a gut I, feeling. I, I can see it. that. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. have to get Shutter. It's it's the yes, best you do. It is that easily I have, yeah. and it's five bucks a month. Yeah. Actually, because I paid in advance, it's three ninety five a month. I love <laughs> it's it. Brilliant. I love it. Shutter sponsor us, <laughs> yes, please, dude. You're the yeah. best streaming we love service. It. I love. Yeah. I use you every day. Yeah, literally I love every Shutter. Day. I listen to the podcast now. The horror podcasts yeah. are scary. It's oh. great. Yeah, <laughs> Andy, let's do your number nine. Man. My number nine is Vox Lux, oh. which I think will be coming up later. That will be coming right? up later. Right. Uh, well, or yeah. So it's my number nine. Um, it's by Brady Corbet or Corbett. I'm not sure. Sherbert. <laughs> Brady Sherbert. Um, and. The description is as follows. Vox Lux follows the rise of Celeste, played by, uh, as a child, Raffi Cassidy, and as an adult, um, Natalie Portman, uh, from the ashes of a major national tragedy to pop superstardom. The film spans 18 years and traces important cultural moments through her eyes, starting in 1999 and concluding in 2017. So this movie is is quite incredible. Um, I, I just saw it last week, and I just I haven't been able to shake it. Um, so basically, it, it's kind of the perfect movie for like 
are for for four guys like us who were born like you know basically in the mid to late 80s and came of age during like Columbine and 9 11 mm-hmm. and, and Britney Spears and Britney Spears like basically like what what is it like to come of age uh, during the age of you know when there's mass shootings and also the most popular music uh, you know in the world are boy bands and Britney Spears mm-hmm. that's basically mm-hmm. like what this movie asks and um, and then it's it's got an incredible Natalie Portman performance um, it it just really spoke to me a lot because like. I kind of feel like, you know, some when you look at the music of the 1960s, right? Like, you know, you have Bob Dylan, you have the times they are changing, you mm-hmm. have blowing in the wind, you have like these protest songs, you know. Whereas in our era, you know, has obviously been extremely fucked up: the war on terror, the war in Iraq, um, you know, mass shootings, the war on general decency, the war on general decency, yeah. um, and yet, you know, what's our most popular music is this sort of like pretty vain pretty shallow stuff that still sounds good and is pretty fun but you know so this movie is kind of like trying to find the connection between like the art that our generation produces and the kind of experiences that we've had that Mm -hmm. have kind of shaped our generation and it kind of only finds like dissonance and disconnection Mm -hmm. so the whole movie is is kind of an act of dissonance and uh no better portrayed than the fact that like you have you know these pop songs by celeste that are written by Sia and are very are solid pop songs, um, but they're very much like fake pop songs. Mm-hmm, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, um, I think and, that's what's so impressive yeah. to me about them. Um, Vox Lux is going to come up a right. lot later for me. I was absolutely floored by this movie. Floored. It's good. Um, it's good. I've been listening to the soundtrack like crazy, and I don't necessarily I don't not dig on pop music, but I do enjoy it. I get why it works. I almost like feel the math of it. Yeah. And so listening to these Sia songs. Um, and and I've actually recently learned, but as performed by as performed by Natalie Portman and, and Raffi Cassidy. Cassidy, Jinx, Jinx, and um, mm-hmm. Coke, and by the Jinx and um, Robert Durst does a couple songs <laughs> on the uh, soundtrack. They're kind of weird. He's really into the costumes. Um, it's, um, I, I mean, Vox Lux is this. It's very aggressive, pulpy filmmaking. It was very much my flavor. Yeah, it's up but its own ass. Is what it's I've totally seen. up its own. I've ass. seen the most common review is like this movie is totally up its own ass. It's but it has to be. And yeah. what I like about the songs though is that if they weren't tied to this movie, they just sound like what I'd hear on the radio to mm-hmm. me. Um, they're basically a non-parodical version of the. Uh, Never stop, never stopping. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. That, that yes, kind of thing. Yes. It's very much that. But it's like, come on now, boy. I want to see you sweating tears. tears. It's My like, heart's like an EKG. They're, like, <laughs> they're sex jams. They're, uh-huh. they're so shallow pop anthems. Yeah. Um, and, but, but because they yeah. don't, they don't play into parody because they play real the satire yeah, is that they're much played straight they're played yeah. straight and because yeah. in my head i'm going i would see natalie portman going tour right. tonight i would yeah. totally do that i would pay all the money i need to see it and um but but the the music isn't winking or nodding and yeah. so it's that much more damaging that it's like man just by creating an accurate representation makes it that much more scathing but it doesn't show disrespect to the music. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like a misread of this movie would be to say that it's, you know, insults someone like a Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. Right. Lady Gaga, who by all accounts seems to be a radiant person who is nice and cares and is filled with love, uh, unlike the character of Celeste, who, you know, seems to have been beaten up by the machine and by circumstance and, you know, a whole lot of different things. So, in any, if anything, it is criticizing the machine 
it's also applauding the machine for being so good at creating music out of trauma. Yeah. But it's also showing like there are people who emerge from the machine and are that much better for it. It's 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 a phenomenal film. Every piece of it. Willem Dafoe needs to narrate everything. Yeah. <laughs> and also I would say um too like the fact the the musical score when there aren't pop songs are by Scott, Scott Walker. Walker. Who not not the governor former governor of Wisconsin, but uh, the, of the Walker brothers, and like it's the most morose, like depressing score of the year. So this movie, the whole movie, is about like polarization and and splitting basically. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's just a really brilliant movie. Um, I and the tragedy that she survives is like basically like a Columbine type mass shooting incident. And the way that that and, is shot oh, is absolutely lose sleep over yeah, it haunting. It is. It is. Oh, and so my food is here, so maybe <laughs> oh, we'll come to up food. to Vox Lux later. Yeah. Ryan, what's your number wait, nine? Wait, wait, I want to say I oh, want to say one more Dan. thing about Vox Lux before we lose it. Yeah. Um, what I what I think is so cool about Vox Lux is that it's a very aggressive film of filmmaking. There's all these shots with this angry score of civic architecture, and it's just very, very, very aggressive. It's very much a movie, and some a movie movie. Uh-huh. And someone on Twitter said this today. Uh, in defending Vox Lux that resonated with me. Anyone who listens to the show knows that my love for Paul Thomas Anderson is unabiding. Mm. I don't think he has ever made anything less than a stone called masterpiece, and I mean that. And so uh, Matthew Monagle, I actually don't know who he yeah, is, but I, he has I, a check I saw mark. this tweet today. It's uh, his tweet true. says, I've always said what I liked most about young Paul Thomas Anderson was the absolute confidence he had in his own skill, the arrogant look-at-me grandeur with which he shot his movies. So, uh... I kind of loved Vox Lux, and I, yeah. I don't think it could be said better. Yep, it's a movie that just really spoke to me, and it's whether a, yeah. I agree or even understand what it's saying about uh, about pop music or about the state of our culture, to be a real asshole, I compare it to Infinite Jest in that it's exploring the idea of given the opportunity to entertain ourselves to death, we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it is an ex- about yeah. that. And it's extremely confident, like you said. It it's very like in the vein of like a Lars von Trier or even like um you know, very much like kind of a Gus Van Sant, kind mm-hmm. of like a, one of his more serious movies. I found it um, to be very Gus Van Sant yeah. by way of, now I'm not going to remember his name, he did Free Fire, uh, Ben Wheatley. Oh, Ben Wheatley, yeah. Um, there's yeah. a lot of Ben Wheatley. Uh, and, and it's definitely a more of the two, like of the big like pop music uh, examinations of the year, it's definitely more accurate. Oh, than, this than is than the antidote to a star is born. For sure, yeah. absolutely, no question. But I, I would say it's no less fantastical. You know, like it definitely has yeah. a... a I don't know. It's it's a. I think it's a masterpiece. Brady Brady Sherbert is. Uh, yeah. I want to see more that he does. And he was an actor first, so yeah. Uh, and, and and he was born in 1988 too. So so fuck him for being younger than me and making this movie. <laughs> but also at the same time, like only a person who was born in that era could yeah. could make could make a movie about like how insane it is to grow up, um and and be faced with like the crazy fucking shit that you know, all four of us have had to deal Just with. Just the exposure yeah. of disaster. Of yeah. How that inspires stuff. I mean, if this year is emblematic of the art coming out of a post-Trump world, you know, this speaks to the idea of just like, you know, we want to avoid trauma, but it can create some pretty monumental things. And um, I don't know. And also, yeah. Natalie Portman puts on just like this East Coast swagger performance. That it's is fucking just weird. Dirty. Yeah, it's so weird. It's but dirty. then Rafi Cassidy, who plays her as a young woman and her daughter later on, puts on a, a tremendous. Performance. Yeah, she she's yeah. one of my favorite performances of the year for sure. What's your number nine, yeah. Ryan? 
So my number nine, I, I've not seen Vox Lux yet. Vox Lux yet. I missed out the festival, but I'm really looking forward to catching up with I it. I expected to, I skipped it at the festival because I figured it would just be whatever. <clears throat> it ended up being floored. Yeah, I just had a scheduling conflict mm-hmm. um, because I love Natalie Portman as evidenced by my number nine movie of the year, <laughs> which is Annihilation. Which yeah. will be coming up on, I think, everybody's uh, list. Same here, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. so from well, out, let's have it out here, boys. So there, there's two quick points I, I want to make about this and why... This movie, like, offended me so profoundly. Mm-hmm. So the first one is the way that it uses music is yes. amazing because, but, but not even it doesn't because it doesn't start there. I love yeah. how it moves from the soundscape of like the American South, yes, and like using Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and I don't remember if that's and Young or not at that point, right. but um, <laughs> but I love how it uses oh, it's very that down soundscape. by the Bayou, yeah, yeah, and it like as they get further and further into Area X or the Shimmer, depending on which version of events you're tracking yes um the music evolves mm-hmm. just like everything around them is evolving mm-hmm. and so i just love that the form the music takes is evocative of the story being told yeah in a way that i don't think a lot of films are able to do given just like like it's kind of unique to this story that mm-hmm. they're able to kind of do it in that way yeah uh but it's super thoughtful and that just those four notes of the like meh, 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 shut it's up just in the like, venom trailer oh yeah yeah this is the neutron in that a lot of movies are going to look and sound like annihilation for the next decade yeah yeah and it's it's amazing um and so like the music is i think a key part of the movie but yeah. like a good example of why it's so good but the other thing is like i just love thinking about like the themes of this movie and yeah. what i'm just trying to say so it's like you know like what drives us how do we make choices what do those choices mean am i the same like am i the same ryan today that i was mm-hmm. a year ago mm-hmm. like yes and no like those things are both true <laughs> yes. and like it's the result of my choices the actions that i've taken the path that i've gone down like yeah. i have evolved as yeah. a person whether i want to or not yeah um and just that like it kind of it takes that to remind us that like we're also just another animal on this planet and mm-hmm. we're just as subject to the laws of nature as any other animal mm-hmm. even if right now we aren't like that could change you know what i mean and mm-hmm. like so there's like this undercurrent like part of this movie is about climate change without actually being about climate change because it's about how nature is changing right, right. before our eyes and like how do we handle that and i never thought about that yeah, yeah. And, how, and how do we explore it and um like the way that it plays with time and that it plays with like what is the self and all that kind of stuff like you can go so deep on this movie and never get to the bottom right. but you can also watch this as just like a really fun interesting sci-fi movie with a crazy good aesthetic yes now um, this year you saw 2001 in the theater correct yes. now that was that the first time you had seen no, it no i had no, seen okay. it before I think I think that one of the cool things of IMAX, value, which, was, which I'm oh. so jealous of, yeah, my eyeballs work. are still open from that. <laughs> the end of this movie, though, I think is the first movie since then that really takes a hard turn into the sur- into the surreal and doesn't lose uh, what it's going for in the process. A lot of movies do that and then fall off the rails. And Annihilation is the only other movie I can think of off the top of my head that does it as successfully as 2001. And mm-hmm. yeah. I would actually argue more successfully than 2001. I mean. Probably differently because I think the aim of the end of two thousand one is more to textured be textured into it without a doubt. It's not it, as jarring, yeah, it, right. And it feels like it is. While it's never explained, it feels more understandable. Mm-hmm. Whereas the point of the end of two thousand one is to be completely to fuck your head up, right, yeah. and just yeah. to be like completely unexpected and like 
you know, I've kind of worked through of what my explanation of, of what's going on at the end of that movie is. Mm-hmm. And part of that is also reading um, the book like that was co- written at the same time as the movie. Mm-hmm. But I think with this, they, the way that those ideas are communicated in a visual way with uh, spoiler alert, Natalie Portman's alien doppelganger. Yes. Um, the way that it's such a simple idea yeah. and the way that it's communicated through the way that they move and the mm-hmm. action and mm-hmm. the look and this, even the setting is just like, it's unbelievably good. The finale of that movie is one of my favorite things in any movie this year. Like the last like 20, 30 minutes yeah. of that are just incredible because they're so thematically resonant. Like I, I, as you're saying about 2001, it's like I have my own idea about like what's happening yeah, in that exactly. scene. And I love movies like that where depending on each of our experience that we bring into that movie, we probably read that ending a little bit differently. Yes. It's a that, little bit that's related the power to of that movie. Yeah. Is I think right. it's one that what you bring to it exactly it, it puts. Yeah. But what's so great is if you follow each of the characters on a plot level, yep. what they each bring and expect and seemingly request from Area X, they ultimately, you know, in in Monkey's Paw form, get yes. a version of yes. that. Yep. And and not necessarily deceptive as in Monkey Paw, but like, right. I, will, I mean, this is on the first half of the list so I won't, of the year list for me, so I won't get into it too heavy, but like, this movie came at a time, I'm a person who's resistant to change, and this came at a time when I needed to understand the... Um, the need for change to come at the cost of destruction of something. Yeah. And there's no such thing as change that isn't built on the shoulders of some sort of destruction. And this movie captured it in a way that like I needed it at the time and, and it totally got it. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was real cool. It's definitely like, like I was going to say the same thing. Like no, no two people just like no two people have the same experience and in, in the shimmer in the movie, like no two people who see the movie right. come away with the same experience. Agreed. And like, and this is also on my list too. And it's, and to me, like, and that being said, like the theme that I really tapped into um, that I haven't even heard you guys talk about yet, but is definitely related is like self-destruction mm-hmm. when uh, mm. the Jennifer Jason Lee character is like basically talking about how like self-destruction is kind of a, is, you know, perhaps just a, a human biological fact, you know, right. where we're drawn to self-destruction because it, it needs to happen in order for us to change, in order mm-hmm. for us to kind of evolve as an organism that creation is involves destruction, right. you know, and like, and that in order for us to change and grow and like reach another chapter of our lives, oftentimes that means like destroying the way that we've been. Yeah. And, yeah. and how brutal that is, but also just how, how that's just sort of, it's so, a fact. It's, it's a fact of nature. It's, yeah. it's, a, yeah. it's a fact of nature. And, and that, and especially like I keep on thinking about like that final scene, and I, I won't spoil too much about it, but just there's an embrace, and you can see mm-hmm. like that things are different now. Um, e- like even if it's even if it involves like the same person in your life, like even even if the change involves you know the same people, the same scene, the same situation, the same setting, it's still you know your life will radically change, mm-hmm. like the dynamic when you shifts. least expect yeah. it, you know, yeah. and. And that's a very, it was like such a profound movie for me this year um, yeah. in a lot of ways. And to me, I think the big thing about that, like, I, I love the whole movie for like a lot of reasons, but that finale really resonates with me because it works so thematically well, but is also like the, probably the riskiest, boldest, like most interesting yeah. filmmaking I've seen like in a theater in years for, oh, for, for sure. me you know and even just on a simple plot sense yeah. it is the only ending that movie can have absolutely it, and that's that's what's so fascinating to yeah. me like i can't imagine pitching that 
Yeah, and because and I had so up well the executed whole, the whole book trilogy. Beautiful. And Alex Garland spoke about how he had read the book and right. kind of wrote it off the memories of the book. And they are similar plot wise. You know, there's certain things that yeah. are similar, but for the most part, it really only captures the tone of the book based on the general concept. Right. And like the fact that he was able to draw this tone from it and create what I think is a, an infinitely superior piece of work yeah. is just. Like we watched, we watched a new filmmaker who's been a, a writer for years. But yeah, we watched a new fi- filmmaker just like come alive. Yeah, yeah with yeah. Annihilation. Like Ex Machina was fantastic. I love I mean, that that's movie. a masterpiece. Yeah. but like Alex Garland is suddenly like he's a name. He's yeah. somebody yeah. that yeah. is yeah. going to be remembered for more than just the script. I feel yeah. like uh, Ex Machina answer like wrestles with one question really, really well. Yeah, and then Annihilation wrestles with every single question <laughs> <laughs> equally oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, and, like, absolutely. I mean, for me, like, I've only watched this movie twice, but, like, yeah. I can picture almost every beat of it mm-hmm. because, and then getting to the ending, it's so, it's it's a movie I would just describe the watching experience as cathartic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because afterwards, yeah. I just feel better about being a human being in oh, a weird yeah. way, even yeah. though, like, it's you really dark just and fucked yeah. up, but, like, it's really, like, it's that synthesis of, like, no, I experienced th- these feelings and emotions yep. and I've dealt with them in a in a way, and the fact that art can convey that in such a unique setting and grotesquely beautiful yeah. like uh set is just amazing yeah, yeah and that agreed. fucking bear monster yeah, the best bear. film monster bear. in like a decade that's that was just so that's good a fucked and that up bear scene monster. has got to be inspired by the thing that feels oh, like a scene lifted right out of the and, uh, alien three yeah and yeah, also r.i.p yeah. to donald moffat who true. was tied to the bench in the Indeed. scene that that was very evocative of that's true yeah he would not he would like to not spend the rest of his fucking life <laughs> tied to this bench <laughs> But um, R.I.P. to him. R.I.P. 87, yeah. though. Good run. Yeah. Garrett, what's your uh, number nine? My number nine is You Were Never Really Here, directed nice. by Lynn Ramsey. I think this was the hardest cut from my list. Cut from yours? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was hard. This was another one, though, that I bought the book of immediately yeah. and read in about a day and a half. Yeah. Really good. Do, movie's better. Yeah, okay. But they're very different, but do it. So here's the thing about this movie. I was trying to put my list together, and I, I this one has been rattling around in my head all year. I think it was on my list earlier in the year as well. And I don't even remember a lot. I mean, I remember a lot of this movie, but it's a movie that what I remember about it is the experience of watching it mm. more than the movie itself. Does oh, that, that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And I feel the same exact way. It yeah. just has resonated with me all year long. I always think about that like three hour conversation you and I had <laughs> after this movie. That was not for a podcast. It was. I not... wish we just had mics. I mean, me too. It but wouldn't have worked with the mics. I, yeah, yeah I, I love that this movie drove something like that, where mm-hmm. it's like I wasn't having that conversation because I quote unquote had to or needed to or because I was producing content. I had that conversation because. Because this movie was like so impactful that I needed to talk about it. And I needed to figure out why I felt the way I felt when I was watching it. Because mm-hmm. it's a movie that I think uh, kind of aggressively uh, wants to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, with that, it's abrasive as hell. Yeah. I think that's definitely... I, I don't want to say that's a, a Ramsey hallmark because I've not seen all of her work. Yeah. But it's certainly not meant to relax you. Right, yeah. But then in doing so is also like giving us these very bizarre but interesting windows into like uh, hope and love and like the good things about the mm. world but they're all very strange and they're in this very weird context i'm i'm kind of thinking now about when he's uh, to keep it spoiler free when he's on the ground in the kitchen with that guy that is the best scene in any movie of any of this year, it, I would I would say it's amazing. It's amazing. That's I, why I watch movies. And That's I why even, this is yeah. a hard cut from my list. And I don't even know what I make of that yeah. exactly. 
Do you know what I mean? It's such a real moment of peace amidst pure uh, chaos. Yeah. And it's still chaotic. Yeah. But the the character, and I, I'm not going to remember his name. Is it Me Joe? Either. Joe, yes. I think it's yes. Joe. Um, the character of Joe seems to be someone whose life was once in order. Yeah. And has descended to a level of chaos that he keeps at bay with things like the drug addictions he yeah, has spats yeah. of violence but all fueled by this altruism yeah and so that's a moment where he gets to sort of milk a moment of vindicated altruism yeah that even though was represented by extreme quite literally fatal violence yeah yeah um it's this moment of peace amongst the calamity and i, I think anybody who works for a living gets that yeah, yeah, yeah. to a degree and this is just you know in a pulpy yeah hitman bounty yeah. hunter sort of thing but yeah. that that movie's tremendous i, I, I regret it. cutting it now that yeah. I'm talking about it. I, I just I, I can't stop thinking about it and it's I, like give it's, lynn ramsey the money she wants to make yeah, movies yes man. please She's good yeah it's it's a movie where it's like i don't know that i have a lot to say about it but i know i cannot stop thinking about it i will lend you the book it's yeah, like 100 pages it. it's a pamphlet it really yeah. is not but it's not that similar plot wise but it is the same just like muddy sewer grate of yeah. a of a feel it's yeah. man really fantastic movie I, the scene I, I where his uh i forget what it is that sets it off but he goes to pick up and his yeah. drug dealer is late but he yeah. just like beats the fucking shit out of his drug dealer yeah. but it's still good business for the dealer yeah. that, that is some crazy yeah. Ooh, or the reaching for the pills yeah. or trying to come on. Oh, my goodness. Lo- I, I could talk about that movie forever. I just loved that Have movie. Have we talked yet about me. how the violence goes down, like, on those security cameras? That's true. It is no, a lot off yeah. screen. It's yeah. a lot like, off screen. Pretty much the entire, like, like I, I in a way, I was kind of disappointed in the movie because I went and be like, fuck, yeah, I want to see Joaquin Phoenix, like, like, fucking brain a bunch of guys with a hammer. Yeah. And then, but then, like, you know, most, whenever that's about to happen, you actually, like, the film cuts and you actually yeah. see most of that action happening from the perspective of like a security camera that's yeah, yeah, yeah. capturing the action or it'll be like behind a door yep. where we just yeah, see yeah. him swinging it's, yeah so like and that's like i feel like lynn ramsey's a obviously a director who doesn't do anything like accidentally like right. you know she i if, imagine is very cognizant of like not trying to glorify violence right but also kind of capturing the sort of disassociation yes. and like you know the movie called you were never really here yep. so it's like when he's committing this violence he's yep. not really there yeah He's just doing it, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and, and, it, and so tool. the camera just cuts away like we're not even there to witness yes. it. We're like witnessing some third party kind of yeah. like uh, version of it, mm-hmm. you know, which mm-hmm. which is sort of dissatisfying to the viewer. But also like she's kind of satisfying yeah. if you went in to expect Joaquin well, Phoenix's take. Yeah, but exactly. It, I think it becomes pretty clear early on that it's yeah. not doing that. It's just leaning on that to give you something a little bit. And, and she gets you to realize like and question your own need for bloodlust. You're yeah. like, yeah. They're like, would this movie be that much better if right. I was able to like artfully witness Joaquin Phoenix? Like, and I think it would be that much worse if it was. But I wanted that at first. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I, but I think it, I mean, her point would not come across. Let's put it that right. way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then she, and you know, she's a, the same thing happened in her last movie. Yeah, you were, or you were never really Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> you were Kevin really here? Oh, yeah. uh, we need to talk about Kevin where like. That's the new he, Kevin James. His son uh, commits. Yeah. <laughs> you were never you really were Kevin. You were Kevin really here. Yeah. You were never really Kevin. <laughs> um, where, oh, I fell over and then I yeah. ate a muffin. <laughs> Paul Blart. Um, and then uh, where Ezra Miller, you know, her son. That's like, his commits. catchphrase. Paul Blart. Paul Blart. Paul Blart. He just says that as he leaves every scene if of his own that, sitcom. He could become oh, the biggest yeah. and most successful billionaire yeah. meme in the world. If he not having my father-in-law live in my house. Pub art! And yeah, he just Pub walks Lord. out of the scene. 
I took a real big dump this morning on account of all the beer and wings. I took, I yesterday I took a real Paul Blart. Right, honey? Paul Blart. Paul Blart. I've got to take a serious Blart right now. Um, but that movie similarly that like, like a bubble avoids avoids like the violence, you know, and it's just completely about the aftermath. Like, yeah. Lim, Lim Rams, he's a yeah. goddess who yeah. walks amongst us. She she's a beast. Well, you're, you're I just love gonna that have, movie. You're just gonna have to pin your hopes to Todd Phillips' Joker movie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, apparently they wrap filming, and I still don't believe that this thing is real. I, I'm real. curious. It's happening. Mark Marin mentioned that he's in it on yeah. one of his WTF interviews, yeah. and so I was like, "That's the thing I know now." Yeah, they're gonna lock the gates in that movie. <laughs> lock the gates. <laughs> yeah. What's your number eight, Dan? Oh fuck, it's my turn. Okay, it's your turn. Oh, uh, my number eight, which I know is coming up, is Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, Mission Impossible wait. Fallout is a goddamn action masterpiece, and the reason that it made my list is because it is pure. It yeah. is a pure movie. Yep. It has no aims but for one, yep. and it's to entertain the absolute motherfucking shit out of your face for two and a half hours, and it does. It doesn't let up for a second. It is the perfect marriage of a great script, yep. great direction, a fucking psychopath star who leaps out <laughs> of planes to please me yep. regularly, <laughs> and it's done so well. It's a push forward for the technology. It's a push forward for the form of action. It's the best entry not my favorite, but the best entry <laughs> in a series. It goes meta without winking. It, it It's just like the thesis statement of the Mission Impossible series done incredibly. It is like, how do you not love it? It's so good, and it's perfect. This so, is one of the hardest cuts score, from my list, man. It almost cut, but I was listening to the score on the train, and yeah. I was like, no, this is like... This is the the logical and perfect resolution of a brand that has been malleable for almost fifty years now, <laughs> yeah. and for for real, it's a know. TV show, you know, and it's and and we got this. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's so good. It's amazing. It's so good. So I feel personally attacked that this movie is so low on your list, honestly, <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Fair because. Enough. Like and you're saying that this movie is not really about anything other than that pure thing. But it's not that it's but, not. It's right. not. It's not right. a shallow movie. Okay. But its main concern is making sure that when I leave the theater, I go, "That was a fucking great spe- expenditure yeah. of two this, hours of time." <laughs> this movie is primarily concerned with me, like getting into a car accident on my yes. way home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but it doesn't put that as but like it puts that as its number one priority. But it does all the other things like. Um, I think Mission Impossible is bar none the best franchise of the past like thirty years. I, I, I would agree. One hundred fifty. Not a hot take. I'm just saying, not <laughs> yeah. a hot take. Just yeah. establishing yeah. the yeah. argument. Yeah. Um, and I think this is. It's not necessarily the best one. It's not my favorite, but it is the most Mission Impossible yes. movie. Yes. Yes. Um, it's the purest essence of Mission Impossible, serving the purest need. The most missionist. The most impossibleist. Right. But, yes. but <laughs> I would, But I would also <laughs> argue that this is the most that treats Ethan Hunt like a character. Yes. Oh, without a doubt. And yes. that's what that's what elevates it. In I my think mind, so too. Is mm-hmm. because it actually examines. What drives Ethan Hunt? What like it's not just that the <laughs> at first I was like no it's Ethan Hawke dude, <laughs> yeah. uh, but like Oops. what what drives him in terms of like you know it's not just that the mission is impossible and he needs to do it like, right right it is that he cares about other people he is yes. like in a way he is a superhero absolutely like he is the Spider Man of his of he his does own feel world. the responsibility yeah. thing because right exactly he knows because I'm the person who's has access to this information and yep. has the skills to stop it no one else is going right. to so yeah. it has like, to be if me. It's, if I'm the one who can, so I should. I have to. If, yep. yeah. if it's like, if there's a terrorist attack on TV and he's at home watching it, he feels guilty. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And like, that is such a brilliant conceit. And it's such a shorthand way of saying, like, 
yeah, I'm driven to do these crazy things because I care about people. And like, it's a, it's like the perfectly valid reasons to do that, but it's also insane because <laughs> no one should ever take that responsibility right. on. And we see what the impact has been on his life or yeah. lack thereof. Like there's so much character depth. Like that's the thing, like watching this movie more and yeah. more that has really like struck, struck me is like, I actually feel empathy for him mm-hmm. oh, in a way. A like I don't feel like a detached observer yeah. anymore. Like I feel like I am like, no, fucking run faster, goddammit. Like, I'm, like, out of breath watching him just, like, run because I care about, like, what's going to happen well, if he doesn't make it. when they introduced the family right. element yeah. in 3, that was one of those things where I was like, I don't know if this is quite a good fit. But in the long game, it ends up being a great fit yeah. because yeah. I love the idea that he does run into his ex-wife and... You know, we have that moment, and even there, they come to a closure of their arc, which is she realizes, like, no, I I can't possibly contain this force of of nature. And he realizes, like, she might represent what I care about, but I just have to be the force of good. And it's totally mutual. And it's totally totally mutual. mutual. And I love that this movie... Like it homages every other entry in the franchise. It totally does. Um, oh, there's without, masks without there's making heists, a big deal about. Yeah. There's rock yep. climbing. Yep. Um, and Man, like, that is like when they're reaching whew. for that device. His ankle was still broken. It's so good. <laughs> and on the commentary, Macquarie is like, "Oh yeah, Tom was like pretty pretty uncomfortable that day that we were shooting because like his ankle still actually wasn't like fixed yet." Well, when his ankle and I'm cracked like, open, I would not be able to like in. open the refrigerator if I had a broken yeah. ankle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'd be so high on painkillers. <laughs> and he's fifty five, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, so like you know, it takes all of those things and like it pays off all the other stuff in the franchise, but it doesn't require you to have seen Agreed. all of the other ones yeah. for those beats to work. I recommended it to like numerous people, including my family, because my family like it, like their interests are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Somehow this movie felt like the perfect like I can literally recommend yeah. this to any human. Yeah, and so like I told my cousin to go see it, and he was like, "I probably haven't seen a Mission Impossible movie since maybe the second one." I was like, "I don't think it matters." It yep. matter. He came out and he was like, "It did not matter. That movie blew my fucking mind." And yeah, he, he like loved it. And yeah. we haven't even talked about the bathroom fight, which is just uh, incredible. I'm and I love this movie so much. Humor. I'm pissed off about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm feeling myself getting really hyped up about it because yeah. I, everything about this movie, every second. I love every choice. Yeah. Like I, I feel the tension in the action scenes in a way that like does not happen in any other yeah, franchise. I agree. It's I a very the physical rare, damage yeah. from them too. Like yeah. it's it's yeah. similar to John Wick and the Erd, like yeah. Atomic yeah. Blonde, where when someone gets hit, it's not like Jason Bourne where he gets smashed yeah. with a weight and he's like, oh, I, I trained for this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could definitely it's, tell it's, that you they would, feel it. You could definitely right. tell it's in like a post John Wick world where like the action action cinema now is more about like bearing the the reality, yeah, of, yeah, like, yeah. like feeling every Without punch, the showing every right. punch, showing yeah. every hit, and, and like, the joke too yeah. is that Cruz is too old for it, and that right. Ethan Hunt is too old for it, right? But yeah. still, you know, has to just and, milk that last, yeah. yeah. And that moment, yeah, like absolutely. the moment where he uh, gets hit by the car at the end of that motorcycle chase, yes. I'd seen it a hundred times in the trailer, yep. which is like probably actually like you know the third or fourth best movie of the year, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and that's I still the best like, movie of the decade, and I still gasped, fuck it for me. Watching recommend. it, yeah. and then when he like jumps over the hedges, and we see him get away, yeah, yeah. like I feel like when we saw it, the theater like applauded because yeah, yeah. they were oh, just yeah. like, I never saw that coming, but I totally buy that that happened, yep. and like this is great. Well, Actually, uh, I, th- I think so I saw good. that on Twitter, something like Christopher McQuarrie said that the key to um, making a successful blockbuster is to give the audience exactly what they want in a way that they never see coming. Yeah, yes. and that's, that's perfect. perfect. That's, that's exactly perfect. what that movie is from mm-hmm. beginning to end. You, I would, you I get would exactly like what you want. To the top. You <laughs> never see it coming. So yeah, it's uh, it's like 
all I will say for now is that it's probably on my best of the decade list. Oh, with that, okay. well, this yeah. is the kind of movie that I think when when twenty years from now we look back on the retrospective of action, that's going to be the one that we see the most. Yeah, I do lament the absence of Jeremy Renner, of course. but at the same time, I think that the team, the core team that they've dissolved it down to, yeah, is really tremendous. They yeah. work together so well. I love. Uh, now I'm going to forget his name. Luther Bing Rames. Bing Rames. Bing Rames. Is he Luther's? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I love him. I I love his interplay with Simon Pegg. I know you Benji. love the romance between oh my Benji and God. I, Benji and Ethan's so bromance is the... Ooh, oh, my God. It's great. And I just can't wait until they fuck. But Rebecca Ferguson is like the discovery of... Oh, she's of fucking she amazing. amazing. I will watch her so do good. anything. Yeah, I'll watch her do anything. Because... Yep. I, if I can pick a perfect way to die, it's for her to snap my neck with her thighs. <laughs> I want Easily. that so bad. I want, I'll take it tomorrow <laughs> if I get to take it. I, don't, I would love to live to be an old man, but if you can make that happen tomorrow, <laughs> I'll sign the contract tonight. It is, she's the best. But even, and, I, and you know, yeah, she's a babe, but she's actually a great character. Yeah, she yeah. suits exactly what we expect of an IMF agent. Yep. That movie is perfection. It's the best action movie that we have had since Fury Road. Yes. And I think I like it better than Fury Road. Um, yeah. Not necessarily because I think it's Fighting a better movie, words. but because I think that uh, the Mission Impossible franchise is a little closer to my personal taste yeah. brand yeah. Um, than uh, Mad Max ever was. Yeah. Yeah. It's close, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I also like, I also would. If you could sign the contract tonight to just fuck Henry Cavill, I would do that too. <laughs> so that gets an. Would you want Henry Cavill to kill you with his thighs? Um, so long as I can like twist Actually, his mustache no, while yeah, we do yeah. it. It's his fists that he kills. Yeah, you. I want him his to power cock fists. his fists, and then from there it's whatever. You oh can, my god! You, I, almost, you, oh, I almost forgot about that. Moment. I hope yeah. he cocks his oh, cock god. that way. That is. <laughs> yeah. Boom. That's amazing. <laughs> well, he has two cocks, yeah, and, they, yeah, and yeah. both of them have their sleeves rolled up. Yeah, they each yeah. come out of his arm. Yeah. But, I mean, wait, wait, just, wait, wait, wait. But what can a perfect wait. fit. Can I just say, a cock with a little like sleeve rolled up, adorable. adorable. <laughs> That's pretty adorable. Adorable. <laughs> yeah, he was my favorite part of that movie for sure. Like, I mean, he that def- that movie definitely bodes well for his, f- his future. Oh, like, I think so too. Yeah. Man world. Yep. Oh man, he's, he's been he's talks for Bond, stuff. which I'm not fully into. Nah. I'd rather him do other stuff. I'd rather see Uncle him do too. like these one-off kind of performances, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. But at I the think same he can do time, anything. if you see some earlier movies from him, he's not a terribly good actor. So it's been fun to watch him learn and become a a, a pretty good actor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm biased because I'm the Man of Steel guy, but <laughs> yeah, he's a. And he a, had a great mustache. Well, and he had a great mustache. It was, it was I mean, worth we've, it. we've talked that to death, but <laughs> yeah. they made the right decision, yeah. I think, yes. in the long run. But he has he gets to be the guy who, when they do the mask gag, it's yeah. like people really fall for that, <laughs> and then, and then does, he does, yeah. and that keeps like a happening bitch. to him <laughs> yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Exactly, and that's what I love about him is that. He is, you know, we ultimately find out that he could be the scariest individual on the planet. Yeah. But the IMF is so well coordinated and so good at improving that he's a fucking bitch. Yeah. It's so good. They're so good at what they do. And oh, God. The, the title's called Fallout because it's the fallout from all the decisions you've made. Yeah. And also, he just falls out of a fucking plane. That is so <laughs> awesome. And a helicopter. <laughs> My number eight's Fallout. <laughs> Well, my number eight is is uh, Widows. Oh, yes. Oh, nice. I'm I, so glad this made your list, it was Andy. A, it, was, it was a very this hard, was a hard for cut for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. Uh, made by Steve McQueen. Uh, not, not you know, like, not the Steve McQueen, but the yes, other Steve yes. McQueen. The, the still alive Steve McQueen. Yeah. Um, so the British Steve McQueen. Set right? In, yes. Yeah, yeah. British, the new the McQueen. Right. Set in contemporary Chicago amid a time of turmoil, four women with nothing in common except a debt left behind by their dead husband's criminal activities take fate into their own hands and conspire to forge a future on their own terms. Um, so this movie kind of like 
basically like this movie has it all in a lot of ways like it's one of the biggest movie movies of yeah, the year, I would say. For sure. So here are some things it that it has. Probably yeah. the best opening scene in, oh, in the year. It has the best opening, the most intense and heart-pounding opening yeah. scene this year, which is like a brutal fucking action yeah. scene that just that just destroys And you also just that locked shot in the back of the van. Yeah, I think yeah, it's like a cutaway from yeah. a long take. Yeah. It yeah. feels, it yep. at least plays like a cutting yeah. back and forth. Definitely feels that way to me. It's right. long takes. Yeah. And uh, it's got Viola Davis carrying around an adorable Westie dog uh-huh. when she's not like from holding game a night. gun. Oh yeah, yeah, the same dog from Game Night. Yep. Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out is like the scariest villain you've seen this year. Oh my God. Uh, Liam Neeson and Colin Farrell, there's a scene where they're like, where they have drinks and martinis on like a yacht in <laughs> yeah. Lake Michigan. That's right. Um, but beyond that, too, like an in-depth analysis of local city politics, yes, crime and gentrification, like we haven't seen since like The Wire, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but and that doesn't even get into the main plot, which is that you know Viola Davis, Elizabeth Debicki, Cynthia Revo, and Michelle Rodriguez joining forces to uh, uh, get a shitload of money so they can pay off the. The um, you know, gang members oh, who are Brian like pounding Tyree, Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, Henry. So oh my god, good this has the easily the best cast. Best of the cast year. of the year. It's yeah. just this it's is maybe. a heartbreaking it is cut. Stacked. It's stacked. It, well, okay, whether you think it's the best or not, it's absolutely stacked. Like yeah. it is. There's stacked. just, I mean. Yeah. Holy shit, you know. I will say this is the most fun I had in a theater all year. It yeah. didn't make my list. It was a heartbreaking cut, but yeah. I gave it 5 stars because I think that it just it functions so purely and yeah. and I think that it it almost silently and sneakily says so much oh, yeah. about how even something as simple as geography can make an effect on someone's life path. And yeah. geography within ten miles of one another. Yeah. And I, I just I really liked what it had to say yeah. about uh, divisive society and yes. and different levels of of eliteness in society, all to serve what we all know and love a banger of a heist movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah that the one that shot on the hood of the car it's the is best. one of it. That to me, that's like the shot of the year yeah. in terms of like what it rep- what it represents and what yeah. it says oh, yeah. and how yeah. it says it. Um, but like this is a heartbreaking cut for me because like you know this is very much a departed movie and I like, uh, I yeah. love the departed, uh-huh. um, but it does that same thing where it takes like the you know a violent crime film that we all get to enjoy, yep. marrying it with like politics and corruption yeah. and you know what drives people to do what they do mm-hmm. and like digging into all that stuff in a really interesting way. Um, what it, I, it could be an hour longer and it would yeah. still be a total just rock and roll For sure. show. Yeah. It's, and, it's so good. And I think what I loved about it the most actually was the relationship between all the women. Yeah. Um, because it was not your typical like, oh, we're doing this job and we kind of become buddies yep. and we like do the job really well. Like they're in it out of desperation mm-hmm. and that never gets lost, which is I think yeah. actually like really. Uh, you get to see Viola Davis smolder when she yeah. goes from being big boss lady to ultimately like actually warms up. Like mm-hmm. that's that is metered out in a way yep. that is masterful. Yeah. yeah. And she um and yeah, and they don't necessarily all like become friends. Right. Like they're they're in it together because of their common cause and because of what they have to do to survive. <laughs> Cynthia Erivo is just tired of babysitting. Yeah. She's <laughs> just, yeah. And she's Which, like, I'm really fast. She puts on best, two of the best she, performances she, of the year. She has Agreed. the best running performance that isn't Tom Cruise. Agreed. Yeah. 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 I think Definitely. she trumps Tom Cruise yeah. in the... Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Tom, but no. yeah, it's, it's also just a really... To me, this movie felt like the most emotionally reflective of like the year of 2018 mm-hmm. where of like you know it, there's also just a lot of like grief in this movie yeah. that mm-hmm. kind of permeates the edges like uh in in reflected in like the soundtrack yeah uh the the Hans Zimmer score which is really good and the Nina I didn't S- realize that was him yeah oh, right and on. The, the Nina Simone song mm-hmm. that kind of that becomes, song is great oh yeah that wild is, is the wind that becomes kind of a motif 
Um, and it's, it's, you can really feel like Viola Davis's pain as a widow. And then obviously the pain too, that comes when like things don't turn out the way she thinks that they are. Mm -hmm. And there's just a lot of like, kind of uh, second act reveals in this movie that I think work brilliantly yeah. to, and what an interesting to change thing too. the whole story. Um, but not in a way that where it feels like a, it's a twist, but it, but it doesn't, but it only adds to the themes of the yeah, film. Yeah. But it's yeah. another one like the guilty where it's less about us being like, fuck and more about being like, holy shit, what does that mean for her? Yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah. You know, like, and also like, becomes... Oh, well this makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Now. yeah. Like everything is kind of coming. Together. Yeah. Yeah. And what an interesting yeah. idea to make Viola Davis, uh, both a, a victim of stereotyping on behalf of the fact that she's more well off than everybody generally, but then it goes the other way in that she's a woman of color. In, yeah, mm-hmm. where was that? Was it Baltimore? Chicago, Chicago. Chicago and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like Chicago. That is a really dense thing that I think. Um, and uh, why am I forgetting her name? Who wrote it? Jillian uh, Flynn. Jillian yeah. Flynn. Who I'm going to watch anything she touches yeah. now. Um, what an interesting thing for her to tap into. But I think what an, what someone like Steve McQueen is needed to massage that into yeah. all of the filmmaking. Yeah. I yeah. love seeing him take a more poppy project and I love her style of pulp being given a classy sheen. Right. Mm-hmm. It's well, such a perfect and, mix. And I love that this was his project. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, he loved the BBC miniseries, mm-hmm. which is about a, you know, a bunch of white ladies mm. getting some and money the and going to Rio. Rosie Perez. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And so like the fact that this is like sort of his passion project and that he brought, uh, Gillian Flynn into yeah. do it, I think just shows like, you know, the level at which he's operating at and like how, because I feel like she brings the pulp sensibility yeah. uh, that this yes. movie really needs to d- get to yes. all the places. Oh, he's they're, they're, they're really a studying like kind of, they're kind of polar opposites, but yeah. that's what makes it work so well. Like she bring, like you said, there, there's a lot of like suddenly in the middle, you're like, whoa, I've been watching this serious first 30, 45 minutes of this movie, but now there's like jokes happening mm-hmm. and now, and now it's kind of like funny in a way, and there's and but but it never loses that like kind of cold to the touch sort of Steve McQueen like like very he classed up shame. Oh my god, he classed. I mean, he, he, he wrote shame, up. but like yeah. he classed up a story about yeah. like a dude being ruined by sex right. addiction and brought levity to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and not. He has the easy. background. I think his training is as a, a painter. Oh, that makes so sense. Visual artist, Even something yeah, like apparently. Twelve Years a Slave, which yeah. you got to watch. I know we always I know, talk about yeah. it because the reason you don't want to watch it is because you think it's going to be punishing. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, but it's very, very yeah. watchable and welcoming to a viewer mm-hmm. if you're willing to engage mm-hmm. with it. And like Widows is shows how good he is at that. Yeah. you got to watch that. Show. Yeah, yeah, Widows is great. And, yeah. and it and it and it ends on like a pretty up, you know, a pretty optimistic note about you know mm-hmm. life, and mm-hmm. it's not like a complete drag. Like I think it's. It's a really, it's a it's a movie with a lot of mass appeal. It's like it's an art house heist film with popular mass appeal. And I think it's and, cool to see Michelle Rodriguez play a real often. person. Yeah, I know. You, you know, like she always I plays agree. like a Michelle yeah. Rodriguez. You know, they they put her brand onto whatever it is. Yeah. Killing she avatars. She actually plays a real thing. Yeah, <laughs> killing avatars, crashing things, whatever. Some things you got to take on faith. But uh, but <laughs> yeah. I, I we have to just announce. Uh, Cynthia Erivo is yes, that it? Yeah. Between this and Bad Times at the El Royale, she is like she's the, a the star. Actor, she's a new I am star. most excited about. Yep. 
um, she's she. I hope will fill what Janelle Monae has consistently failed to live up on the promise of. Mm. Um, I want to see Jan- Janelle Mo- Monae. I think has the ability to be just like an amazing, she can incredible actress, and she needs to pick better projects. Whereas Cynthia Erivo is a nobody. She's a, a Londoner uh, theater actress mm-hmm. who just pulled out these two like pulpy, real ass performances that are just so good and yeah. show such a wide range of what someone can do. Uh, when tasked with performing, cool. I, I have a, such a crush on her right now. The <laughs> Widows is my number eight. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like if I had a chance to see Widows again, there was a good chance it could have taken the yeah. ten slot. Yeah. But I had a really bad theater yeah. viewing experience. Ooh, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, that'll ruin I, I still, a movie. I still love the movies. It so, really yeah. just stuck with me. Like like all these movies. At the end of the day, when I you know finalize my list, is like, yeah. what, what movies can I not shake? And yeah, Widows yeah. is it's that image of Viola Davis driving away from a a burning uh, from like a fire. Let's mm-hmm, put it that mm-hmm. way. Oh, and it's so just good. that, that image that that's like 2018 to me. Like, yeah. like we're all just trying to kind of drive away from the fire. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. we're trying to like, we're trying to, you know, live our best life basically yeah. when the smoke clears, you know, yeah. Yeah. that's really yeah. good. And great supporting performance from, um, what's his name? Garrett Headland. Is it not Garrett Headland? Why am I thinking? Why am I forgetting oh. his name? It's not Garrett Headland. You mean her it's driver? The, oh, her oh, driver. Oh, Garrett, yeah. Garrett Dillahunt. Garrett Dillahunt. Yeah. I you got the wrong Garrett. Garrett. Yeah. Garrett Smith. We've got the right Garrett. No, We've got yeah. the right Garrett. Headland should play a driver in every movie. Yeah. Spoiler alert. As soon as he got introduced, I was like, oh, it's going to be heartbreaking when he's murdered. Well, at least he's murdered off screen. Yeah. So, uh, my number eight movie is also about a group of ladies that pull off an amazing oh, movie. And it's Ocean's Eight. Oh, my uh, God. Oh, 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 perfect number eight. Oh. Um, so this is my, like, you know, movies are super fun slot. Um, but this, it, That's a fun movie. It is so fun. <laughs> and this movie, like, there's a lot of things about being who I am as a person uh-huh. that this movie taps into. Um, so Dan and Garrett, we had you guys on, I think it was last year already, about I think so. uh, The Double Wears Prada, yes. which just sort of like calls back to because Anne Hathaway is in this movie. Okay. She has a she shares a dialogue with Anna Wintour, who oh, uh, really? um, Meryl Streep's character is yeah. based on in that movie. Yeah. That alone almost got a spot on the list. Yeah. But this movie is just super fun. It's got a really great cast. Kate uh, Blanchett is amazing. Uh, mm. Anne Hathaway plays a character who, like, your understanding of her changes a couple times during the course of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sandra Bullock is really great mm-hmm. uh, in this movie. Like, the entire cast is really She's good. She's a perfect casting choice yes. for an Ocean's sister. Right. Mm. Um, yeah, so she plays uh, George Clooney's sister. Yes. He's yeah. supposedly dead, but the movie keeps reminding us that, like, no one actually knows if he's dead. Okay. Um, We're about so, to get Ocean's 36. I haven't done the math. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, this is eight, so they can do nine, ten, and then they ha- already have 11, 12, and 13, and then so they can all team up in 14. <laughs> and then there's, like, Ocean's Endgame. Yeah. Then yeah. Ocean's versus Predator. Infinity Ocean. Yeah, yeah. Infinity Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Nick uh, Cage wants to star in that movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an ocean that goes on forever. <laughs> That's a great Cage impression. Oh, um, thanks, man. It's everybody else's. But, uh, but the, this movie is like, it's just such a blast to watch. Like, it is a perfect piece of confection. Like, um, you know, it also, like, they're robbing the Met Gala, which if oh, you right. haven't yeah. seen the documentary. It's so of, fun to uh, hang out at the Met Gala. Right? And, like, the. You uh, don't surprise me. I never would have expected it. But I think Mindy Kaling and she's Helena great. Bonham Carter are a great great comedy duo yeah they're so oh, funny together and i would never expect their interplay to be now helena bonham carter plays more of a she's like kind of a she's falling out of the fashion industry i think she's like a designer or something yeah. so she's like kind she's of a... got that spinster vibe but she's mm-hmm. nervous and mindy kaling is a foil to that it, it's great 
Yeah, so uh, Bonnet, Helena Bonham Carter plays, she does an Irish accent the entire movie Whoa. for no reason other than I feel like she wanted to. Uh-huh. Uh, but she's not allowed in the U.S. because she's uh, uh, out for tax evasion. Okay. And then like Mindy Kaling plays a jeweler who's doing the heist so she can move, move out of her parents' house. Uh-huh. Um, and like Rihanna is also in this movie as a oh, hacker. Right, like, yeah. the characters in this movie are so <laughs> well done. so good that I thought she was Tessa Thompson for the first twenty <laughs> minutes. That's how good she was. Uh, but like this, and the the way that the cast is able to work these characters is yeah. you could spin any of these women off into their own movie, and I know exactly what that movie would feel like mm-hmm. because it's such a great use of quickly establishing characters that don't feel like archetypes we know right but like have enough detail to them to like you can grab onto something with them and you're like okay i get who this person is um and it's just it's a blast from beginning to end like i've actually watched this movie at home now like three or four times really because it's very i can breezy. just like it's so breezy i can just like put it on and like you know if i'm like working at home i can like drop in drop out mm-hmm. like um it it like it looks really good. It does all the things that it needs to do. It's not as and it flashy. It feels distinctly Soderberg. like an oceans movie, right? Like the big criticism of people, are like, well, they just gender swapped it, but like it actually just feels like a natural oceans movie. I mean, yeah. those movies, short of the first one, are just the furthering of a brand. Yeah, and I- and it, yeah, I, this would never make my list, but knowing how much you love the Italian job, like it scratches that <laughs> right. It scratches the same itch where it's just like it's clean, functional, fun, and it's it's just a blast. Yeah. 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 So if you like the Italian job plus Devil Wears Prada yeah, equals yeah, Ocean's yeah. Eight, that totally uh, explains fair. why it's yep, on that list. Yep. It's also in the number eight slot because that's fun. I get it. Oh, yeah. oh, oh my <laughs> You get applause for that. Thank you. Yes. Um and so I just it's like it's like I said, it's not the it's not reinventing new ground, but it yeah. does everything it wants to do really well in a really fun way and like it's just a great hangout movie with a really cool heist that does the oceans thing where like the heist that you think is happening is kind of happening but there's also like 30 other things happening <laughs> yeah, yeah. that like get revealed later in a really like fun way so, i would pay upwards of five hundred thousand dollars just to be like within 10 feet of kate blanchett my <laughs> god my God, she's the I would, queen. I would cut I off. Love her. I would she's cut amazing. off a foot she's to amazing. be in the same room with Anne Hathaway. Oh my God! Oh my God! <laughs> yes, she's so good at this. At she minimum. really is, and she gives a great performance yeah. in this because her character is like the Mark originally, and okay. then she figures out what's going on and is like, "Oh, I'm totally in." Yeah. Her character's <laughs> kind of the only one that that really has a internal arc as opposed yes. to just a plot functionality arc. Yeah, which is more than can be said for almost all of the characters in the previous oceans trilogy <laughs> now that i think about it you know <laughs> yeah and, and those movies no love lost to them i think no, they're yeah. great they're i like great, yeah. i like those movies a lot but i actually think this is better yeah like nice. yeah. as a as a as a functional movie because those characters feel really thin yeah and what's part of it is like just watching these celebrities interact yeah and this i actually think goes a little bit deeper into like i said it establishes the characters in a way where like i know what they're all like and i can mm-hmm. picture their spin-off movie yeah really well so it's cool yeah I'm glad that's on your list. I'm so because like that's one that I like. I said it would yeah. never get close to my list, but that was one that I, I was one of my last like the tail end of Movie Pass, and I just had like a down hour and it lined up, and I'm like, all right, all right I'll check pass. it out. I was, was really happy with the way I spent I was my evening. Exhausted when I saw it on like a Saturday morning. Oh, that or movie something. hugs you, makes you feel and better. I, was, I walked out just feeling amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like Creed. That's why we do this, it's right? So good, exactly. Yeah. Oh so. man, right on. I'm yeah. so happy. My heart is warmed. So Gary, up. you're number eight. My number Eight is a quiet place directed by John Krasinski. We'll be coming up later. Yeah, awesome, dude. A quiet was, place fucking rules. I know. I was wondering if this would end up kind of so getting lost in the mire of the year for other people. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it did I, for me a little bit. Yeah, but, but it's still I, really good. 
the, it as I was going through making my list, trying to figure out what was going to be on my list, I totally forgot about it. You know, I was like, other things jumped to my mind right away. But I made sure to look through everything I'd watched that year. And as soon as I saw the title, all the memories of the theater experience of this rushed back into my mind. That was mind. a fun time. It was the best theater experience, not just this year, but probably I've had in years. Oh, I'm it so glad I was there because it was definitely such high ranking. an active watch. Yeah. The entire, I've never seen a movie where the audience actively tried to protect the characters on screen. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. partially because of the premise of this movie that that's even possible in the movie, but it is. The premise is you got to stay quiet. There are scenes in this movie that are so well done, the tension is so high, that I literally heard everyone around me stop eating popcorn, stop oh, yeah. crunching bags that they had in their More hands. More than a few times, the standard horror gasp of like, <gasps> yeah. would be replaced muffled. with... <gasps> yeah, muffled. Every time. You know, like, we can't... I've never seen an audience do that for a movie. It, it blew my mind. I was like so... And then, that's because... And it's and I'm not just saying like, oh, the theater experience is great, so here it is on my list. That theater experience was so great because it is such a well-made, tightly told story. I still distinctly, like I actually think about it probably too often, is the red lights coming on as Krasinski cocks a shotgun and goes Ugh. running through the field. Yeah. It's amazing. You know what I always come back to? And this is why it made, this was my number one halfway through the year. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. my number one now. It is very high ranking. Yeah. But because um, this is another movie that is just like, it's brilliantly functional. Yes. It gets you there with all of the characters. Um, yes, you know, we could relate it to larger world concerns. Yeah. But for the functionality of the movie, it is just about... I mean, we 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 get our creative kicks by expressing ourselves, yep. and these characters live in a world where that is is violently not permitted. Right. Yet they still try to keep the torch lit. Right. They're still right. trying to have another child. Yep. They're still trying to to keep their place in this world that yeah. no longer regards them as top of the food chain. Right. And that that's just so moving to me mm-hmm. in such a way but i always come back to two things one is the oh dude and dude. when he gives Dan, her the sign Dan language the i sign did the language sign language for... i don't know sign language but that's the yep. right sign language for i love you i have always loved you i i literally bawled I my got eyes chills out just during saying that. it yeah also and i've made this joke a million times but it's valid if we remember in Zoolander, the way that Hansel refers to Sting, where he says, "Oh, I love Sting," well, I don't really listen to his music, but I respect what he's that he makes it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I have always felt about Neil Young. Yep. I was never into Neil Young, and the needle drop in A Quiet Place is one yeah. of the best I've ever seen of Neil Young's Harvest Moon. Yeah, and it's a moment of peace amidst this chaos where they can't even listen to it out loud, but they share earbuds and have a nice romantic yeah. family moment. And I think it is imbued with the fact that they are married in real life. And it's such a good needle drop that I was like, oh, I'm going to probably listen to some more Neil Young. And I've listened to more Neil Young since that movie came out than in my entire life. And I no longer feel the way that I did. Yeah. He's brilliant. Yeah. And it took that application of his yeah. music to really do it. And that's the most Neil romantic Young album, song. Harvest Moon. It's so it's good. Really, it's the whole so album good. Is brilliant. So yeah, good. Yeah, that is really, I mean, it, I'm was really impressed by John Krasinski. Yeah. Like as a, just a filmmaker, as yep. an actor, as yep. a leading man. Also as a new inductee oh to God. the island. I mean, yes. for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But he's just like, that That movie really surprised me. I, I did not think it was going to be that good, but it is just a, I think just a lot of people have said, like it's just a really solid piece of studio, like very classic kind of filmmaking. Yep. Like everything is there in the frame, obviously with it, with the sound being removed um, for the most yep. part, most things have to be conveyed in a visual sense. Yep. 
and you know you don't really get a lot of background you don't get a lot of exposition it's just it's and it immediately puts you the viewer right in the movie yeah and and it's probably like the best uh like family movie of the year oh, too. Well, that, oh yeah in a way well, great right? piece of uh uh inclusivity in terms of hiring the deaf actress uh millicent simmons yep. i believe yeah. uh, she was in that todd uh wonderstruck uh, wonderstruck which isn't great but i really was moved by it um i love that aspect of it i love the idea that it it I think you said it best. Yeah, it is. It is a family movie. It's a family first, movie, but it's, it's also it's a horror. It's a horror movie about you could sell this family. to the Darkness yeah. Falls crowd that just <laughs> right, wants to right, see whatever yeah. PG thirteen horror, yeah. and they would regard it as oh, what a scary horror movie. And it's actually more than that. Yeah, but it is also a very good scary horror movie. Yeah, and never does a creature reveal not derail a movie more than this one didn't. Yeah, uh, that I creature agree. reveal, I was like, uh, it could be, it could be bad. It could be Cloverfield, which yep. I like, but. The creature reveals a little underwhelming. The creature yep. reveal on this was so natural and was still scary. It was yeah. cool. And yeah. I don't like CG creatures. And no, I thought they were well embraced the done CG. Yeah, it was good. Here. Yeah, Very yeah. functional. They had like, weight. Not the coolest, best creature right. ever, but like totally it solid. It did to be engaged yeah. in design. I right. kind of liked that yeah. it was mundane because it, it seemed functional yeah. within the reality that they were selling me. Yeah. Uh, that movie rules. I really like that movie. I'm so like glad it made your really. list. Yeah. It's very high ranking on mine. That, I love hearing that because I, I, yeah. I, as soon as I saw the title, I was like, I almost forgot about this, which means a lot of people are probably going to leave this off their lists. Mm. And it is very deserving, I think, to be one of one of the best movies this year. I, I loved it. I'm not going to fight you on it. That movie yeah. rules. Well, I think there's, and if we're look, talking about like themes, I think in an immediately post-get-out world, mm-hmm. there has been, and in, in a post-shutters you know, caught on, things yep. like that, Fangoria's back, there has been a resurgence of people treating genre film with respect. Yep. And you know that's something that we've never had a problem with. And everyone's like, oh, is it horror? Is it a thriller? And that's an argument that the, you know, the extremes have. But I like the idea that genre film is now considered viable as real. Yeah. As opposed to just viable as it's a lot of fun and it's a great reason to go to the movies. Now it's we can say things. Mm-hmm. I, I would even say it's heralded as early as something like Arrival, mm-hmm. which uh, you know really resonated with the people. And you know then Get Out said, you know we can even make almost uh, I don't want to say splattery, but what would seem like classless horror imbue it with more class than you can imagine and say things in ways that you never could and. This is a byproduct of that, and I, yeah. I love that. Yeah, me too. It's yeah, it's classy as shit. The the horror resurgence is like very it's strong. So good. Yeah, it's and great. the horror fandom is second to only the Robert Pattinson. Right, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's very supportive and fun, and it's yeah. all about loving movies. So. Well, let's hear your number seven, man. All right, my number seven is another movie that is a very basic genre exercise. Um, it was on my first half of the year list, if I remember correctly. It was Upgrade. Oh, sweet. Uh, okay. this, 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 I love is, it. this is on I my can't list, shake too. This. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, right it's, on, in man. fact, it's, yeah, it's my number six. Oh, so right on. I'm really okay, glad, cool, you're, cool. glad you're pulling this out. It's a... Um, it's just a sweet genre movie yeah. where the stuff that happens in it is scientifically sound in a vacuum, mm-hmm. if even if it's not logical in terms of... Uh, so this, to me, is probably the closest thing that I've seen to a They Live yeah, or yeah. a sort Robocop. of mid-stage... Yeah, like a Robocop. It's the closest thing that I've seen to that uh, since the originals. Yeah. And it is a movie that even has stuff to say about the state of our dispersion of medicine in America. <laughs> yes, it's, yeah. It's really wild, but it's just... It's a house for a great performance. Yeah. A oh. really unique and... and uh, 
exciting vision from a director that we've sort of watched learn become Lee a director. Wannell. Lee Wannell. Lee Wannell. Wannell. I think it's Wannell. Wannell just doesn't really like Insidious Three, but he yeah. also wrote you know the Insidious Saw. movies. He, he wrote, wrote the first Saw, Saw. Yeah. and starred um, in it too. And starred in it. And he's just like he's kind of an everyman. He did Cooties, a movie which I didn't love but mm. was funny. Um, and he he kind of made this. It feels to me like a personal film, even if it doesn't thematically speak to right. him personally. This is sort of what it feels like he has been chasing genre-wise. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a clean, exciting movie. The character of Stem is so interesting oh to me. Oh, my God. Uh, the wow. way that the movie ends is yeah. such a logical <sighs> and heartbreaking conclusion. Oh I feel God. like it's in service of a very fun and, like, heavy on the bells and whistles action movie. You can't, you can't yeah. not love it. I remember coming out of the theater, you and I were like, man, that ending... For some reason, I didn't see that coming. Yet, that's the ending. That's the ending. That yes. is the ending. That, that's, that's exactly how exactly how like yeah. That's exactly how I felt. Like I kept on waiting. I was like, oh, there's a twist coming. Oh, it's probably gonna fuck it up. Yeah. And then afterwards, you're like, damn. That, yeah. That shakes me to my core. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This whole I could not shake this movie. Like I, I just watched it. Um, like and it's great direction few, too. Oh like really exciting yeah. new yeah. ideas for shooting uh, yeah. action. I yep. watched it a few weeks ago. Um. And I think it's it, it was the surprise of the year for me. Like this is it just kept climbing and climbing on my list. I was like, do I like it more than this? Yeah. Do I like it more, <laughs> like it more than this? Yeah. Out of it, we yeah. were both like, oh, that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we got to the middle of the year list, both of us were like, yeah, that had to it's, be there. Yeah. Yeah. It has to. And it it also is like it to me. It's it's very much like this year's. Um, maybe it's just because of like the automated cars, but like it's kind of like this year's Logan in terms of presenting like a vision of the near future that mm-hmm. feels yeah. like very terrifyingly possible. I think yeah. it reminded where, where me every, of Looper in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like yeah everything yeah. is, everything is automated. Like we mm. all know yep. that automation is coming. We all know that like in 10 years, like, Millions of people will be out of jobs, right? And I love and, how like, what's going like, to happen. Warns you know? against that, like someone yeah. overriding automation to crash your car. You yeah, know? yeah, I know. Yeah. And and it's so and the virtual reality piece. The it really like this was a an, a sci fi movie where I was like, oh, this is like it won't look exactly like this, but this is like more or less kind of where we're headed in yeah. a way, you know. And and they even do some that things. was really in in a way, obviously considering the end is very disturbing. Oh, yeah. Know? But like, it's the same sort of hammy, like, cautious, like, cautionary tech. I think that was what we did on that episode. When it we was, were, yeah. Like, cautionary tech. What do we tie that into? Jurassic Park, I think? Whatever. Maybe, yeah. I can't um, remember. Like, cautionary tech angle that that is this hammy commentary that comes with something like They Live or, like, The Purge. Yeah. Uh, or The Purge Anarchy. And, um, yeah, like, it, it's... It's warning of a worst case scenario that we will protect against, but it's it's warning you of the extreme, which yeah, I love. Yeah, yeah. And, and I loved that it. You know, this year in general was a great year for movies about, you know, like basically like a real resurgence of like technophobic thrillers. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, you had well, this the concept and of the Cam. loss of autonomy. Oh for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And like you had this movie, you had Cam, yeah, Cam. You had yep. Searching yep. Uh, was oh, another one that searching was, really was a good. tough cut for me. Actually. Um, and then you had um, like I don't know a few others too, but it's just, great. Oh yeah, eighth grade, oh, yeah. absolutely. You can see that as a technophobic coming it is. of age. Story. It absolutely is, except yeah. it's real and it's happening yeah. right now. It's well, like it, it perfectly captures how we didn't foresee certain things. Yeah. Yeah. I well, and I think too about like something like upgrade. The loss of autonomy, I think, is a theme a lo- across a lot of movies because as we are dealing with the idea of you know diversifying a a hard coded power structure and changing who gets to say what and where and when and all that. A lot of times, a shift in what is 
considered your autonomy feels like an oppression as opposed to when an oppression becomes someone who finds a new autonomy. We're watching that push and pull happen. And yes. um, that I, even if this movie's not necessarily talking about that, I, I think that the idea of loss of autonomy, in the same way that like uh, communism fueled invasion of the body snatchers, the idea of just how much of what I'm doing am I responsible for and how much do do of what I don't feel responsible for, do I need to take responsibility for that imbues a lot of the horror of this, Mm -hmm. of this guy who is, uh, is included in this violence that he's creating, but also can't control it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal. Logan Marshall green is so good. That's one of the best performances of the year. He moved from Bobo, Tom Hardy to Tom Hardy being Bobo, Logan (laughs) Marshall green. I I think that he's just so different. I'm not quite there. Have you seen Venom? (laughs) I have yeah. seen Venom. Tom Basically, diet yeah. upgrade. Well, yeah, well yeah. Tom Hardy is a, <laughs> is a Hardy is a blockbuster guy, which is and, yeah. and also like prestige guy. Like he can do yeah. anything. But Marshall Green is like he can lead a genre film and imbue it with like a lot of serious emotional yeah. uh, conveying. Yeah. Like he he. Well, I just, you feel his pain in this movie. It, it's very similar to his performance in The Invitation. Yeah. From oh, last year. Yep. Um, he is just he's a beast. He, I also I love him. Think like one Prometheus. of the. Yes, and but Prometheus. one of the things that's remarkable about his performance, it's the kind of thing like that I think people used to talk about with movies when we made more like musicals and things. It's so physical. Yes. There is so much that he has to do with his body. Oh, it taps into like Reanimator. When yeah. We did that where it was like they're really like doing theatric. They're playing to the back row because they have to. It's crazy. He's like really doing some great emotional work and some great facial work, and some great body work, all at the same time, and they're kind of all meant to be detached from each other. Mm. And he sells that, too. That's, like, that's crazy to me. I feel I feel uh, empathy towards him. Yeah. And it's just, and it's as he's ripping people's arms off right. and looking confused about yeah. it. Yeah. It, that's impressive. And, Incredible. and it's also a cool, like, direction for the future of, like, so it, it certainly makes you think of movies like RoboCop or yep. Scanners or Hardware, like movies from the 80s and 90s. But it's not like a, it's not a purposefully like retro referencing film. Like right. It, it really feels like it takes the spirit of those movies, but really captures the the fears that we have now about right. the future, like fears that we couldn't have possibly had back then. Because I don't think, I'm I don't really you know only like maybe Videodrome predicted social media, but like otherwise like you know it, it, it came out of nowhere. It doesn't in the 21st fall century. into the trap of homage for the sake of homage. No, yeah, no. yeah. It, it, it takes though that energy, that spirit, yeah. and it just like puts it in 2018. Yeah. Like, I think that which it's is defined awesome. by the same thing that gives those old movies their spirit. This is not a movie that had a large budget. This is a movie under that five had million, to, yeah. under five million. Which is, it had which to is lean incredible. on creative direction. It had to lean on smart cutting, you know, streamlining of a script. Yep. and it had to lean on some very showy and realistic performances to serve a, a very hyper realistic thing. Um, yeah, I, I think it's defined like the reason why we love something like They Live is that it didn't have a budget, so they had to get creative. It was defined by its limitations. This, yeah. I think, has that, which is what makes it an homage that isn't an homage on its face. Mm-hmm. Um, Upgrade rules. Yeah, right. really good. Yeah. Glad I made your list. I'm That's glad exciting. I made my list, too. <laughs> What's so your number seven, Andy? My number seven is another genre film, Revenge. Oh, oh. my man. We will talk right, about cool. this. Good. Let's talk. By, by Cor- uh, I'm going to pronounce this horribly, obviously, but Coralie uh, Far- Fargeat. Farjut, maybe? Farjut. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, French female director. Mm-hmm. Um, so Revenge is like, you know, well, the title is uh, kind of says it all. But it's about a, a young woman who's a mistress of like a super rich French CEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes to spend like a couple of days with him at his 
uh, huge mansion in the Moroccan desert, uh, you know, really beautiful south location. Of yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, for like a day or two of like, you know, having sex and lounging yeah. around his buddies show up, uh, his buddies are going to show up to go hunting, but they show up a day early, day early for the and, hunting trip and everything falls apart yeah. basically. So it's, and, and the first hour yeah. of this movie is intense yes. as fuck. It is. It is and then it only gets more intense from there, but like for totally different reasons and circumstances. But, but, but the beginning of this movie couldn't be more different than the end as yes. well, which is which is pretty awesome. Like you can tell where it's going. Obviously, yeah. it's called Revenge. Yep. Uh, you know, if you if you've seen the preview, you read the plot description, you know where it's going. But the beginning of the movie, it starts off as like kind of almost like a softcore porn movie. Yep. Like like it, it really has that same setup where mm-hmm. and and I I'll never it's got like one of the opening shots of the year for me, which is just a shot of you. you it's a shot of his, the reflection in his aviator glasses as yep. he's riding in this helicopter. Yep. And he, from there you can see the entire desert and behind him is uh, the young woman. I forget. I, I should have looked up her, her name, but oh, um, thank you. I got it. And it's um you. So this is a movie very much about like the male gaze. Mm-hmm. The first hour of this movie is about the male gaze. The second hour of this movie is about reclaiming that gaze. Yes. Essentially yes. to become like essentially a female gaze, right? The character's name is um, Jen. Jen. She's What's played the name of the by Matilda Anna Ingrid Lutz. Nice. She's an Italian actress. I think she was in rings, which I never saw. Oh, interesting. But, um, I never she saw is that. In rings. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I I just love the first hour of this movie, and the only thing that's as good as the first hour is the second hour. Agreed. Um, but they're very different movies. Yep. Um, she obviously kind of goes to hell and back, yes. rises like the phoenix, the, yes. and literally, yep. Yep. literally, literally tattooed. So I love how direct the <laughs> yeah. imagery is. Yeah, it, it, in it's this movie. very one for one. Like yep. it, it doesn't. It doesn't play it safe with the with the imagery, and yep. and that's. But like, I I like that about yeah, this like movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and there movie... is so many phalluses in this movie there's Un- so many a lot vaginas. of vaginal and phallic imagery the whole movie is just like phallic yep. vagina yep. gaze um, and it's inverting those things yes. over and over and over again Constantly. from what you normally would think you would see in a movie like this absolutely i think it's a great uh great piece of evidence just towards the idea of having diverse voices tell stories because beat for beat this matches everything that your standard uh, rape revenge movie would yeah. have and that's something that culturally we're trying to figure out, uh, you know, just how to do that in the best way. And it's typically something that, you know, especially in the Grindhouse era, that male directors did. Yep. This is a female director. And as I said, beat for beat, it's no different. But there is something different about it oh, yeah. that I think just comes from a different style of voice telling the story. And I, I couldn't tell you what it is. But well, you can feel uh, yeah. it when you watch it. I think and one thing that is it's a, just a great one aspect of it with her being a female director, I think she's someone who's grown up like watching all these super masculine action movies with like, you know, and she kind of out masculines the, the, the most masculine directors in that first 45 minutes, like that dance Mm -hmm. scene where she's amazing. She comes out like teasing the guys and, Oh my God. Like I, I went, as soon as this movie was over, I went back and watched that scene again, just because it's such a crazy little uh, piece of like, it's just such a crazy little piece of, it, it, it it's teasing you yeah. essentially just the way that she's teasing uh these these men in the film it's the whole movie it kind of is like, about you know like it's it kind of like it you but it, it doesn't does. titillate you to turn you on it titillates you to show you that like there's a weakness right exactly mm-hmm. and, and and i would say that she she easily outdoes like her male competition yeah. um in, in, like the director i mean yep. and 
just showing you like, oh, I know exactly what's happening. I know exactly mm-hmm. what these movies do. I know what they're meant to do. I've seen Showgirls. I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen all of these movies. I I know what's going on and I can I can do this too. And now as soon as you're in it, I'm going to fuck you up big time. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and in that way I think movies it's very gnarly. much like uh it's almost like a feminist like uh like sort of retelling of Knock Knock by Eli sure. Roth. Yeah. It was, it was, that was the one of the big movies that came to mind like you know, the whole Godard thing of yep. like, you know, best way to criticize a, a movie is to make your own movie. Well, I don't know if she did that on purpose, but to me, it was very much like taking that type of, of vibe and just sort of giving you, um, you know, really just subverting the whole the whole genre, like yeah. turning it up on its head. And While so also good. playing to like that movie scratched every itch that I expect to have in enjoying a rape revenge movie. Yeah, um, it still fulfilled everything that I expect when I go see Exhumed Films put on something you oh, know, from the seventies, sure. while also you know moving it forward in a way that doesn't feel reductive. That's yeah. really cool. Well, and I think the big thing is she like my big takeaway from that movie as f- as far as it being a rape revenge movie is that unlike any other rape revenge movie I've ever seen, the rape itself is not titillating. It, the rape itself is not meant to uh, arouse me in any way. No, and it has a legitimate impact on the character. Mm. We, we, the rest of the movie is you just feeling how much that has completely irrevocably changed that woman in her world mm. and the way she's going to interact with the world moving forward. Yeah. That's a thing that a lot of rape revenge movies lack is the actual consequences for the victim themselves of, of the rape mm. as opposed to the other way around. And so I really like that it sort of is like um, we we really see the sort of anguish that that puts upon her. Yeah. Um, and then she returns that anguish in kind to those men in yeah, some of her the... anguish isn't parlayed onto some dude. And, and she turns right. into like a literal superhero. Like yes. by the end, she yep. with her clothes, what she's that, wearing. I heard the director say that that's actually, she was like, I did not intend to make a revenge movie. That's not what this is about. This is my superhero origin movie. Like, like that was, she, that was how she just, phrased yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I find even in talking about it, there's so much that, I can't say or understand or even feel as a man because right. like then the scary thing as watching it as a man is like, you know, obviously in the beginning identifying with these yes. male characters yeah, absolutely. who do these horrible things and, and even like, and they're just, and the thing about these guys is that they're not, you know, like they're, they're just, it's the banality of evil. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. 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 Like they're just, they're just they're fucking typical numbskulls, numbskull like, fucking guys. Yeah. That are and, just like, don't know they're shitty somehow. You know yeah. what I mean? Like and they, they, but they can still do absolutely yeah, horrible yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And just to save their own fucking yeah, asses yeah. and to, and just to get their own, yeah. you know, nut off. Basically. I also think she handles tension better than like, I, I can't think of a movie that's this tense yeah. and then has such perfect release of that tension For sure. over and over again. Mm-hmm. She does. She sets up these three very long scenarios for one for each of the men. Yep. That are these very long cat and mouse games that are very tense, and the role of and who have is the cat, such satisfying who is the mouse. endings. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I was about to lose my shit when I I could have sworn with, for the last mouse uh, shows up where um, the 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 last man standing, yeah. as it were, yeah. is taking a shower. Yeah, I was like, you are not going to end this movie yeah. with him getting fucking stabbed in the shower. Right, like, reverse psycho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to lose my shit, but yeah. what? And even what ends up happening like, is like even better. It's it's <laughs> one of the best finales ever. It's insane. I've only seen it the one time. And I really don't remember. Dude, but it's just talk about it after it's basically like Cube or something, or, or it's like 
Here, I can remind Dan yeah. in this way. It's literally just laps around the same location yes. that gets bloodier and bloodier and bloodier and bloodier. Yeah, okay. Yep, yeah. you got me. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. This is one that I I didn't really think about on my on my list. Um I don't know, but it's definitely one of the best of the it's year. It's so sure. good. I think yeah. it was um and I think it was Matt Lynch or, or someone on Letterboxd was talking earlier about, you know, how this is this is the director taking you know, getting revenge on an entire genre. Of yeah, movies, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and that's exactly what's happening yeah. here. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. also just like keeping that genre alive. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Ref- yeah. Like refreshing it in a way yeah. that's so cool. It makes it so kind good. of viable again in an interesting yeah, exactly. way. Yeah, it, it 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 challenges anybody in the future to step up to the new paradigm right. yep. making it, which is and 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 you'll scream done. too. Like when you see it, you're going to oh, scream. Yeah. Oh. Out loud. This was scene. This was yeah. maybe oh, my yeah. second best viewing, uh, like of the year. One was a quiet place in the theater. The other was revenge here at home with Dan, where Dan and I literally like, <laughs> like over and right. over you'll, again, you'll just like shouting. There you're going to scream. That you said there was one part where you're like, oh my god, I got to scream, and I don't know why I got to scream because it's not really making me scream, but it just makes me feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I would say, sick, man. speaking of best performances, shout out to. I mean, obviously, I loved Matilda and yeah. Ingrid Lutz, but I, I loved <laughs> I loved the guy who plays Stan, Vincent Colum. He's like the oh. second dude. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is the big. He's just like the douchiest fucking yeah, asshole. He's a piggy. Yeah. But yeah. he's just su- he's just such a douche. Like during the <laughs> there's this one part during the dance where he's like, "Ooh, wow!" And you're like, "Oh, this guy's such an idiot." Yeah. And, then, and then later, you're like, "Oh, but idiots can become evil fucking rapists." Yeah, yeah, it's you know very I mean? easy yeah. for a, an idiot to yeah. Uh, yeah. not have the information to realize right. they're an idiot. Yeah. yeah. What's your number seven, Mister Ryan? So <clears throat> my number seven is a comedy that is so attuned to my specific sense of humor, I almost died the first time I watched it. Movie forty three, uh, no, which kidding. is uh, <laughs> it came out in twenty thirteen. You have much better taste than that. Wait, obviously, um, Ryan. I like that Andy's rationale for why it couldn't be on his list is that it's a two thousand thirteen movie, not no, that it's but movie forty three. Number one is that Ryan would not yeah, like it. What's yeah. it. What is it, Ryan? Uh, it is Armando's. Armando oh, Iannucci's The Death of Stalin. Nice. I kind of figured this would be oh, that on was a tough good one. for me. Um, Another I, Andrea Riesborough performance. Like, Riesenborough. Riesenborough, sorry. Like, right. uh, I actually ended up seeing this movie in the theater twice. Um, in part because... And what's so... I mean, I usually don't do that with comedies because comedy is so much tied into surprise. And, like, I knew every... I saw it within, like, a week of each other. And I knew every beat that was coming. And I still laughed out loud. Mm. Um, Ian Nucci is, is so... And it's so my sense of humor in terms of just the absurdity of, you know, a totalitarian state and the personalities at play within it. So, like, it's basically, like, oh, yeah, it's this, like, sort of, like, evil organization. But it's run by a bunch of idiots. And they're With all a just complete like, lack of internal transparency. Right. There's no transparency. There's no, and it's it's just them trying to outguess each other, but they're all idiots. And like I I mean, it's uh, it's they such can't a, possibly have enough information to do anything with class because right. they're all keeping information from one another. Yeah, and like just the just the fact that it's based on real history and that it manages to turn that into a movie that is just so incredibly funny. It's you know it's filled with. I, what I would call Iannucci's signature kind of insults, um, you know, where they're just like off the wall, but they're so funny in the moment because, like, who would string those like nouns together? Mm-hmm. Um, Andrea and Raisinbrand would. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's we're adding that to the list. Yep, um, put it on the list. And uh, it just, you know, the absurd. I love, I love language, and this movie really plays with 
the way that language is used by dictatorships in terms of the things that you're allowed to say, the things that you're not allowed to say. That's really the, interesting. The way that you're allowed to say them, like you know, the way that they can criticize each other, but only through like very certain lanes that are like valid. Um, like just the scene where they're at the, you know, where Stalin is lying in state and they're still just, they're supposed to just stand there and they're still like oh, sniping at each other in terms of like, in who movie. invited these fucking nuns? And like, it's so, it's just, it's so funny. And it's, I love, like, this is the, I think the only movie that speaks to our current political situation without being angry about it and just pointing out how fucking stupid everything is. Like, there's no anger here because I it's, think it it's history. it diffuses our current political position in terms of, like, it minimizes the fact that there's evil running it right. so much as there's stupidity running it. Right. And, and it's... And there's no difference. Yeah, exactly. The there's no difference. And hopefully stupidity could be corralled. In the scene when Stalin, at Stalin's funeral, funeral, there's a great scene where all of the players are basically trying to work their geographical position for <laughs> photographs and where they look in terms of the hierarchy of power to everyone coming to this funeral. And so they're all sniping at one another while shifting in very, you know, uh, clinical ways to better position as they're doing it. And it's it's madcap without being, you know, calamitous. It, that was a tough cut. I yeah. agree. This is on my first half of the year list. Um, and, like, Steve Buscemi is great in it. As I think Tambor. Steve Buscemi should have an Oscar nomination for it. It's one of the best roles I think I've ever seen him do. Uh, and then Andrea Riseborough plays Stalin's daughter, and she's amazing mm. in this movie. Like, she gives a great performance that is, like, you actually do kind of feel for her being in this situation. She's but She's sort of the logical one. Right. She seems to be the one that... that... But she's also actually feeling grief the most, whereas yeah, the rest yeah. of them are like... All right, we got to get rid of this body. Then we have to figure out what happens next. Like, they're so far into like 37 chess moves later. And she's like, hey, my dad just fucking died. Can yeah, you all yeah. like, just shut up for a minute? And also, by being an outsider to this crazy structure that they're all embroiled right. in, is able to see everything, even of the chess game that they're all playing, mm. with a clarity that no one has. Mm -hmm. And Michael Palin is in this movie. He like, is in this movie. <laughs> um, and the other thing oh, I really. Oh, what's his name from Hot Fuzz? Is the conductor of the yes. orchestra that oh. has to do the certain orchestra? Yeah, oh my God. That opening that is so funny. That opening scene where uh, like he's conducting the orchestra and then Stalin asks for a recording because they're supposed to be recording all of them, but of course they didn't. And then they have to like corral people in off the street to come in so they can like redo it. And then like basically like the guy shows up at Stalin's office and he's like, "Fuck you for being late." And like just just the way that blame is transferred through mm -hmm. this regime while being also a really funny, just sort of madcap scene is just absolutely brilliant. And the other thing I want to say is that. This movie also doesn't shy away from the violence that accompanies it. Mm -hmm. Like, this movie has a couple of really brutal moments, and it reminds you of what the actual stakes of this are, that this isn't just a bunch of funny guys sniping at each other and being really, like, yeah. ineffectual. And I think it, it adds there to their are lives that they're afraid. Yes. They're afraid because they know one wrong jibe, one wrong yep. thing that they say could be a bullet in yeah. the head or poison in the coffee. And, it, and, yeah. it, and it, it's like that. there's that one scene that sticks in my memory when they're like leaving Stalin's mansion and just people are just getting killed left and right. Like the purge is just, mm -hmm. there's basically a purge happening in right. the government with the transition of power. And it just basically, it's a reminder of why, you know, in America, you know, hopefully we're committed to, we've been so far at least committed to like a peaceful transfer of power. Right. But, it, but in Stalin's age, with Stalin's gone, that means, oh, about at least a couple of thousand people have to go with right. him. And they, That's and fucked they, up. And like, they reappear, somebody's wife who was presumed dead, and, like, there's, you know, and that speaks again to, like, the information that these people aren't sharing with each other. Mm -hmm. There's zero transparency, and it's just, 
all of those layers exist. But again, it's a movie that is so funny. I I felt like I was going to die from yeah. running out of breath. Yeah, because fr- I was I laughing so hard the first time I saw it, and like. <laughs> The fact that the, this movie can be all those things yeah. equally successfully, like that's what that's I'm what gets dying the spot to see on the this list. movie. I think it is that's the appropriate way to feel there, about yes. it. Yes, yeah. there's a there's <laughs> a part where they're carrying Stalin's body out of his office, and Steve Buscemi is gesturing with his foot about which way they need to pivot <laughs> as they're carrying him down a hallway, and then they're like yelling at him for being disrespectful, and he's like, "What? I mean, like I'm holding his foot. Like, what am I? What am I supposed to do? Like, yeah. yeah. I feel oh, like that's a movie that for me, I think will play a lot better on rewatch because like. The first time I saw it in the loop, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Second time, I'm like, this is one of the best comedies of the decade. Because it's blinking, you miss um, it. Yeah. yeah. And, and this, for this, I, I saw it the first time. I was like, oh, that was totally solid. But like you said, blink and you miss it. There's just so much happening. I think it's cleaner, though. Like, this is yeah, this I, is one that I, I think this is like Iannucci's Phantom Thread, where it was like, you figured out what you're doing and, and put out just a pure you just like synthesized it yeah. Yeah. you made yeah. it and i feel like and it's it, really good and it, and it resonates with what's happening with us now to some degree so that you can laugh right. at it but also think like i can see these threads of yeah. stupidity and maybe i can do something and, yeah and yeah, like I, I think in the loop is really good but i feel like i appreciate it because of the contextual knowledge i have of living through this period mm. whereas like i don't really know a ton about post-stalinist soviet right. russia but i feel like this movie explained everything i need to yeah. know about oh, it yeah and I, sure. I think in that way it's also more i accessible. read more about it as a result of watching this right. movie than i ever have it interested me i think but that the, the movie didn't yeah. hinge on that knowledge as well. yes no, no, yeah, no, no, no. Where i feel like in plays. the loop kind of does well, I think that's why it, why you can relate it to current day struggles and you know, really just anything is because the thing that, that draws uh, the drama and the comedy isn't fully the historical context. These are classic madcap scenarios. Mm-hmm. And so when you see them in a real life situation, then you can suddenly relate them to a current real life situation. And, and yeah, you, know, well, you still it, get the laughter, but you also get the urgency. It's for sure about like, you know, like you can see Vladimir Putin, like if this movie was set in... The 90s, like Vladimir Putin would be one of the guys vying for power, yes. right? Oh, yeah. And, and he, and then he, he learned, he mastered it, and then boom, he stepped into Stalin's position essentially. And like, I feel like that's one of the the coolest parts about this movie is just how, you know, like it basically illustrates the whole Russian power structure extremely well. And considering that our country now is like totally in the fucking grips of the Russian power structure, uh, whether we know it or not, is. You know, it's like a very vital movie for that reason. And I know, like, going back to the 50s, like, my grandparents were super lefty, and they thought Stalin was great. Like, they they loved, they, they were like, you know, fuck Eisenhower, an American military industrial complex, you know, like, you know, Stalin. Like, they still kind of believed in the Russian, the dream of the Russian Revolution. And you see, like, what a fucking facade that was in this movie. And, but, like, without all the disseminating information that we have, today in our hands about you know with the internet like you see how what a tight grip they had on it and and it's kind of amazing yeah and i love how it does that and then also jason isaac in this movie and just he shows up and, and is, he's just like, super british well and he but he's he's like the hyper masculine character because he's like the head of the army and he acts like it and all these other guys are like the softest like most ineffectual men you could ever picture running a country and like that contrast is really well done i mean like i said everything about this movie is just absolutely brilliant and perfectly keyed into my sense of humor that was actually um on a shame files episode that i did of the hunt for red october yes i think my favorite thing about the hunt for red october is that 
Jack Ryan represented the bridge between these guys who make dangerous decisions from the safety of their leather-bound chair and behind their desk for dudes who are just in the shit. Yep. And that contrast of Jason Isaacs with them speaks to that, but for... (laughs) But but for humor... (laughs) Speaks to Uh, that, but for humor as opposed to as a plot propellant. Yeah. And um, that's something that, that I think is a cool reminder to have as just a citizen is to remember who's making the decisions and then who is enacting the right. decisive and, actions. And each character comes in with such a distinct point of view on mm. what's going on and like how their re- pre-existing relationships with all the other characters. Cause these are all people that have worked together for years and like, no, they kind of, they can almost, they think they can think like the other people <laughs> at the very least, but they're all trying to do that at the same time. They're all ever so slightly drunk on power that they're a little too cocky beyond the knowledge that they have. Right, but and I then Je- like- and Jeffrey Tambor's just worrying about getting his portrait to not yeah. look terrible. <laughs> I can talk about this movie forever, so I will stop now. But- Steve Buscemi goes toe to toe with Michael Palin in a wordplay back yes. and forth quip <laughs> session and comes out on top. And I think that says more to the absolute treasure that Steve Buscemi is than anything, because Michael Palin is is and has always been my favorite Python, and it's because of his ability for wordplay. And so watching Steve Buscemi step to that and own it is really just awesome cool yeah all right Gary. what's your number seven my number seven is revenge we already yeah. talked it through Perfect. Uh, right. i just want to say it's like one of the most confidently directed movies yeah. of the year so i'm like very excited it's to see like what... the debut of yeah. the year in a lot of yeah. ways i, I think so yeah. one of the debuts so i wanted to get that out there that's my number seven all right well, we're gonna do another quick one because my number six is damsel which we talked oh, about yeah hell yeah and um i just it, like we said before it was one that was thematically resonant it was one that spoke both personally and culturally to a lot of things that were on my mind. And it was just, we. I mean, I had a lot of fun that day yeah. at the movie theater because it's a very funny, entertaining film. So it's just, it, it couldn't not make my list because, as you said with your list, I couldn't shake it. It's a movie that hung with me. It, it just yeah. stuck with me. And any time, um, Sisters Brothers almost didn't make it because you're Damsel a Westerns for you. Yeah. I've actually discovered that I kind of have a soft spot for Westerns. Mm-hmm. And Westerns I really like great. this new neo-Western that we've been I'm seeing. I'm into the neo-Westerns. Um, yeah, like once 310 yeah. to Yuma dropped and the proposition dropped, there's been this onslaught of never worse than very good westerns yeah. that come yeah. out. Uh, my least favorite was probably the remake of The Magnificent Seven. <laughs> yeah, agreed. But, uh, which was still a lot of fun. I, fun. I just don't even love The Magnificent Seven that much. Yeah. Um, I do love it, but just not that much. But yeah, Damsel was just, it, it, it was everything I wanted from a movie, and I didn't expect much. So it, yeah. it is very high ranking for right. me. It's my surprise. number six will also be quick. It's Upgrade. Um, oh, fuck yeah. yeah. And, oh, um, so excited. Yeah, I'm so glad Upgrade's getting for sure, such love. For sure. I know. It's on some lists, too. It is. I, I noticed it's, it. It's great. The one, the one extra thing I'll say about it is that it, it played another great uh, futuristic uh, techno-phobic uh, trick on me which is at first at the beginning you're like man i would totally be into this like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I totally want something that's just gonna like do everything for me yeah. Oh, yeah. like i want my life to be this fucking yep. easy i'll have a smartphone um, but like yeah exactly yeah and then by the end you're like oh shit like this that's, is a terrifying that's exa- future <laughs> that's exactly how siri, they got no. me that's, siri no <laughs> that's yeah. how they get you you yeah. know what i mean uh so like you know here's so, the thing though here's the scariest part at the end of upgrade my thought was I could control that motherfucker. I'll take stuff. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah, this. Yeah. I'm me. Yeah. I'm I won't make and those mistakes. And then I watch mistakes. Damsel and I go, oh, me is not good <laughs> yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and the, the music is great, too. Music's great. Music, no, I've, I actually have been listening to the soundtrack a lot. I'm pretty sure that just came out on vinyl. If, oh, uh, if it's a good freaking soundtrack. Yeah. It's very spare, very very dark. Um, and I love the, the, the hair and facial hair of 
of the two other main guys, like oh, the bad guys. Dude, yeah. the bad, the one bad guy They're with so the mustache, the mustache, the most eighties bad oh, guy yeah. I've seen since an eighties. He's Tango and Cash he, material he is, yeah. through. Yeah, he and his just physical, another physical performance. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he's then great. And then the main bad guy, like the Elon Musk type dude. Oh yes, yeah, just, yeah. who's just kind of so pathetic, but like you can really feel like his hit something about his hair and yeah. his just smarmy way of yeah. being and i like that so he's good. so young yeah absolutely there's like, like some, i believed I'm, that i'm now the age where i'm like oh yeah there would be some young motherfucker that oh, invents yeah. something <laughs> that fucking like you the know what I mean? and like, the shakers are yeah, all a decade yeah, below yeah, me yeah, it's yeah, fucked yeah, up i know fuck yeah. them it's, yeah right <laughs> yeah the whole, the whole movie is basically like a silicon valley nightmare yeah, um, yeah. which is ex- and we're already living in a silicon valley nightmare. <laughs> we are i wanted to point out one one piece of yeah one piece of uh uh, boom goes the dynamite. One yeah. piece of tech that I loved in that movie um, that reminded me of like things like Runaway back in the day, short of the little, the little like uh, the little remote control cars that oh, chase yeah. around. Yeah. But in the surgery scene, mm-hmm. there's a dome over the surgery that has digital panels on it, so that from the outside I can see an X-ray of what's, of what's happening. That is yeah. a functionally point, pointless feature. Yeah, well, All of the doctors are in that dome, yeah. and no, it's not a surgery theater. Yeah. Nobody's watching this. Yeah. It is strictly for us at home. Yeah, but it is one hundred percent exactly that futuristic tech that exists only for the neatness of it, as yeah. opposed <gasps> to the functionality of it. That reminds that me is of a um, key to the eighties. Yeah, I yeah. loved that. The, yeah. the, that's just like that uh, Kiefer Sutherland movie where they kill themselves. Oh, uh, flatliners. 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 Yeah. It's, it's like in an old church and everything's brick and you're like this is not sanitary right? <laughs> yeah, you know what i mean right. like yeah. yeah what's your number six so my number six usually on my top 10 list i have room for an animated film i have room for a superhero movie oh. this year it's the same movie oh, what it is. it's so good it's uh spider-man into the spider-verse and uh so not going- incredible stew incredible stew is very good. I'm just kidding. It just fits the exact same description. Yo, no, it does. It dead does. ass, though. As, as <laughs> I fucking love that. Weirdly, ass. In- Incredibles 2 is the oh, third yeah. best. Because Teen Titans Go! The movies is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and if you guys haven't seen that, you should totally check it out. Yeah. Uh, there's some really dark, fucked up jokes in that movie for kids, <laughs> yeah. which is great. Um, but yeah, Into the Spider-Verse, I was excited going into it because I, I love alternate dimension stories as much as I love time travel stories. And I was excited to see some of my favorite uh, iterations of Spider-Man, so I was really pumped for Spider-Gwen, who I've been reading since she showed up in comics in 2014. I've never read any Spider-Gwen stuff, and I hear the, she's a great character. The, and those comics are draw, are colored like Pop-Tarts. You oh, love I love them. it. She's the best um, character in that movie. She's a lot of fun. I, I get the sense that she's the only Spider-Man that kind of has her shit together. Yeah, and, <laughs> like and that's, that, a, that's a little different from her comic, because her comic is all about her trying to like be in this band and go to school, and her dad's a cop, and she's Spider-Woman, and she's just trying to like get through every day Yeah, um, in very classic Spider-Man sense. So it had her, it had Spider-Ham, it had Nick Cage's Spider-Man Noir. Like, I was excited to see all those alternate versions. And then the movie starts, uh, and then it's um, the guy from... Uh, dope is voicing Miles Morales. Uh, what's his That's name? And he Shameek is Moore? Shameek Moore. Shameek yep. Moore. And he's singing along to Post Malone's uh, okay. Sunflower. By the way, that that song's pretty catchy. That song is. I've been listening to it like nonstop. <laughs> My coworkers yeah, I heard it the other day. Malone, it's good. And I would never. That's just not something I'd ever I've never loved the Post Malone, but and like the song's real good. Great. Post Malone is, like, is horrible, <laughs> but, but that song is very catchy. Post Malone but, has like five or six songs that are like head boppers. So they're head boppers. So this movie, I'm not going to call it. This movie opens with Miles. Morales in head, like listening to this Post Malone song on headphones, getting maybe fifty percent of the lyrics correct, uh, and like 
immediately I was like, oh, this is a Miles Morales movie. Like, there's a, a bunch of other Spider-Men. There's like two other versions of Peter Parker, at least in this movie, and they're all they're both very different in very interesting ways. But like Miles Morales is like he's the character that is not like necessarily my favorite. Like it's I love that he exists. Yeah. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis is a great writer. Sarah Pacelli is a great artist. Um, and so like you know I've been a fan of him from the comics, but he's not a character that spoke to me before. And this movie he speaks to a lot of people that don't look like you. Absolutely, and I'm a hundred percent okay with yeah. that. Um, and but this movie takes the time to be his movie yeah. primarily, and the fact that they spent the time to establish his character like in that opening scene i know everything i need to know about him yeah and like and they just keep going further and further into his character and everything is rooted in his choice to be spider-man which is very different like it is that with great power comes great responsibility but his life experience is so different from peter parker's and this movie does that in such an elegant simple way um, you know, it's very much like this isn't directed by Lord of Miller. This is directed by uh, the guy's last name is Ramsey, and he right. directed the uh, Rise of the Guardians movie. Oh yeah, that I checked out recently, which is like it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it just takes the first like half hour, forty minutes to just be a Miles Morales movie and what it's like to take on being Spider-Man as a legacy, uh, it's just super incredible. And on top of that, it has the most insane, ridiculously gorgeous animation I've ever seen. Like, I loved uh, the Lego movie from, like, four years back yeah. because it looked it was computer-generated, but it looked like stop-motion because yeah. it was trying to emulate Legos moving around. Yeah. And this, like, without getting, like, super technical about, like, you know, animation, like, computer animation is 24 frames a second and yeah. drawn animation is 12, they developed new technology to make this look hand-drawn. And like that's it's like the soul of the art that has yeah. been missing from so many computer generated. Like there's there's great you know Pixar does great output. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. feels you more know, like a comic book right than, than any other movie. And like this is a comic book come to life. Like they they've done those like motion comics yeah. which are all terrible and yeah, they suck. Yeah, yeah. But like this is like what if that? But it was like really good. Yeah. Uh, but this is the first time I've been like blown away visually by an animated film in a few years. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's perfect for like it, it just reminds me that like superhero stories are actually probably best told in animation mm -hmm. uh, because they allow the characters to sort of like stretch and like move a little bit beyond reality and they're not so much focused and on oddly capturing them the reality. feel more human. Yeah. Because like I've felt at a distance and I've loved every superhero movie I've seen in the last 10 years. I've loved them to a degree, but I've grown to have that distance and it, Spider-Verse is the first one in a while that I wouldn't feel like qualifying as that's a really good superhero movie as opposed to just saying it's a really good movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Um, and like just in a year where we got Black Panther, which I actually rewatched today and is amazing and uh, super fun. Yeah. Like, cool. you know, and I, I'm, I can't speak to, to the experience of being a part of either culture at all. But this movie, like, it has a soul in just such a deep way while also doing crazy, like, Spider-Ham is in this movie. Like, yeah, those yeah. two things exist simultaneously Dude, in a way where, like... That action scene looks like nothing I can describe. It looks like 2001. Yeah, it's insane. Of anything. Like, it's, it's that crazy, and yet it never loses sight of this is a character movie, and, like, all those characters need to work, and yeah. they all need to coexist, and it's just, like, just go with it. Yeah. Uh, I like the, my first thought after finishing this movie was I cannot wait to watch this literally 500 more times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, so I haven't decided if it's the best Spider-Man movie like that and Spider-Man two are like neck and neck mm -hmm. for very different reasons. But uh, in a year of great superhero movies, this was, uh, this has been the best. So yeah. 
I think I'm to put so it up against Spider-Man this. 2, I don't even see value in picking one that's better because Spider-Man 2 to me is the but it's best fun. live action. Yeah, it's totally fun. <laughs> uh, it's the best thing in the world. <laughs> Spider-Man 2 is the best live action superhero movie yeah. you know, that I know of. And Spider-Verse is, is easily the best animated superhero movie ever. You know, it's, it's so good. I think Spider-Man is just inherently cinematic. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's obviously the action, but then the identity... Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a character just, that's yeah. so well defined on the page that it makes it easy to translate. And like yeah. he his supporting cast, thesis. his villains, like all that stuff is so well defined that it's easy to lift that and bring it to a new medium, whether it be, um, you know, cinema or that video game that I haven't played yet because I don't have a place <laughs> so to yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been screenshotting screenshots of it that pop up <laughs> online because they're just so beautiful. Yeah. But, I mean, Spider-Man, I think, speaks to the purest ethos, the thesis of Marvel, the great power, great responsibility. Yeah. Thing. And Spider-Verse shows that, and, and once again, also speaks uh, to the power of representation and inclusivity and how it's a win for everybody in terms of Great power and great responsibility speaks to everyone. And having a movie that shows you how that applies to, what, seven different Spider-Men? Right. And, and going through that, uh, I don't know. I, I just think that that speaks to the idea that, like, it, it actually doesn't matter what it looks like. I mean, it does matter what it looks like. But, I mean, it's we can tell stories to these truths. And you don't need to reject it on how it looks. Right. Because and, it's it's And I don't universal. want to be glib about it, but, like, there is a, you know, a black latino spider-man and miles morales there's a version of peter parker that is definitely like probably catholic because he is blonde mm-hmm. and he has blonde hair and blue eyes there's a uh version of spider-man in here that is definitely jewish mm-hmm. uh, which is like also really subtle there's that one that's a pig there's one that's in black and white there's <laughs> one that's a woman and like oh there's all one those... that's a robot that right. has a soul connective link to a little a, japanese a girl right yeah. like who's like kind of my favorite one in the movie <laughs> yeah and 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 each of those characters is drawn in a different way. Right. So, like the like the Japanese uh, Penny Parker, she yeah. looks like a two dimensional anime character, yeah. and Spider Ham looks like a Looney Tune, and yeah. like all those things coexist in a way that is like seamless and not really commented on. But right. it's, the way that it's communicating information visually, I think it's doing leagues better than any superhero movie since like Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Like it's like I'm just it's in that full good. agreement. It's yeah, so good. it's that good. <laughs> this was. This was the closest. I, I've made it a rule that like Star Wars and superhero movies don't make my list because like you know where I'm on yeah, those. They're yeah, great. Yeah. But this one came close to breaking that rule because Spider-Man's always been my favorite. Yeah. But it really just nails what Spider-Man is and shows that Spider-Man is more than what we think it yeah. is. It's, it's, I- it captures the imagination without limiting it, but also shows you all of this imaginative stuff. Yeah. It's uh, masterful. And the Stan Lee, Lee cameo, like, probably would have made me cry if he was still alive. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that he's not here, and it is the most pure Stan Lee, because he is <laughs> giving, like, really just, like, you know, uh, sort of basic abstract advice that could apply to almost any situation, but yeah. it's actually true yeah and also asking for money at the same time <laughs> and i like i was like right. it's it's it is stan lee oh, and like, hilarious. oh god it's so good like it's excelsior it's, will that be cash or credit <laughs> yeah it's it is perfect it's that's perfection. amazing yeah. dude there's a post credit sequence that's a tribute to stan lee after uh, once upon a time in deadpool or what is it called? i don't know what it's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah. once upon uh, a deadpool once upon I a believe? deadpool which is just Princess a waste deadpool? of your time it's really yeah. stupid um, the added material you can YouTube later, but yeah. the Stanley tribute, because um, I left that movie, it ended, and I was like, I don't even, 
I should feel fuck you, but I knew this is what it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. And then the Stanley tribute happened, and it was like the Paul Walker thing. Where yeah. Like, fuck, he means so much more to me than I thought. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah. That was real touching, and you should have put it on a, a better movie. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they use that Wiz Khalifa song regarding <laughs> oh, Stanley, I would, I, I would die from sad. Everybody who just... dies needs to have that song attributed to it. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll put it right here. I don't I have a will because lot, I haven't actually. worked with any lawyers, and I'm only 34, but I live a hard life, so we don't know what's going to happen. But when it goes yeah somebody make sure that song is associated with my memory yeah, yeah. all right that's can, all can do i like the idea of stanley pulling up to a crossroads and then just like the hulk pulls up next to him <laughs> yeah. and they like nod at each other and that song plays you know? and, and when they go off to the uh diverting roads yeah. the the one car just like rockets into space <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly oh, okay. yeah. i'm already crying yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, I would also like it if the song was <laughs> sung by Stanley. <laughs> it's, like, it's been a long day. Or <clears throat> uh, Krusty the Clown. <laughs> yeah, my, number yeah six, my Stanley's no good. <laughs> my number six is going to be short and sweet. It is Alex Garland's Annihilation, which nice. is... Uh, that movie came out in February? Yeah, it's, can you believe I mean, that? This, yeah, this movie, has uh, this year, has been the longest year of all time. And it was supposed to come out last November, yeah. I believe, yeah. right? And uh, it feels like it came out last November. Yeah. That's a bit... So that this is yet another movie that has just fucking stuck with me yeah. all year. And if you guys have never seen uh, Stalker by uh, I have Tarkovsky, seen Stalker, yes. Same. I actually that, saw yeah. that, I think, last year. Yeah, that's, uh, that same. is... That, that's... You know, and it's got yeah. There's interesting connections that, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Santelli. That yeah. was on you that I yeah. got to see Stalker. I, same, that was, yeah. that was why yep. you got me there. The and then screen. that God. movie shows up in Atomic Blonde. Oh, that's yeah. right. A yeah, fight scene it. that happens yeah. while there's a projection of a uh, Stalker. Right. Uh, what are we up to? We're up to number five. We're gonna take right, well, a quick number... break and then come oh, okay. back for uh, number five. Cool, cool, cool. All right, let's do it. Dan, you're number five. All right, we're back. So my number five, we already talked about it. It was my number one movie midway through the year, and it was A Quiet Place. Oh, yes. Um, I really loved this movie. Uh, everything I said about it before stands. It's just such a good, functional horror movie that isn't empty scares. Yeah. It's a meaty, good movie that has monsters. A kid dies. I fucking love it when a kid dies. <laughs> When whenever a kid dies in a horror movie, especially at the beginning, you know it's your real. immediate reaction is okay. They're not fucking around. Yeah, they're and not they fucking weren't fucking around. <laughs> and so Halloween did that this year. But too. at the same time, yeah. it's a very nice and Halloween classy definitely movie. did that this mm-hmm. year. Halloween got consideration for my list. Me too. Dude, just me, too. me too. It's a but cool you know movie. what? I think it was more about. I liked the Amy Nicholson podcast more than I liked the movie. <laughs> I haven't listened to that yet, and I mean, it's, it's brilliant. It's the best I would podcast like I heard all year. Oh, right on. Sure. I like it's Amy Nicholson. Good. I read her. She's um, the best. Yeah, the podcast yeah. is amazing. Yeah, Absolutely. Yes. Like, nice. like I like that. And the movie is good, but the podcast just made the movie even better, if yeah. that makes sense. Like, way better. Yeah. Twice as good, probably. Yeah. yeah, I'm into it. I need to do it, especially after having written that whole Halloween thing. But yeah. Yes, you do. A, a Quiet Place is a movie that, whereas I think It Follows is the more artful version of it, Yeah, it's like It Follows in that... I know there's going to be a bullshit sequel, and I just don't want it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I am the guy who is on board with all sequels, all reboots, all whatever, there, because be I can ignore them sequel. if I choose to. I can completely ignore them if I choose to, yeah. whatever. But I'll be legitimately pissed if we ever get It Follows 2 or A Quieter Place. <laughs> well, so I think there I'm is going to be A Quiet Place I, there, sequel, I'm, but I'm I think Krasinski is. is at least yeah. writing it. Yeah. I'm definitely it's going to follows. see it, and I'm yep. probably going it's, to love it, it but I think right the it now, I still don't want it. Hopefully. We'll see. 
It um, swallows yeah. the porn one. Oh my God. <laughs> Andy, right. what's your number my five? My number five is blind spotting. Oh, buddy. Oh, this is direct, coming up on my directed list, Directed by Carlos This Estrada. was the hardest cut from my list. You, I, I thought you've said that at least five times. No, no. Times. All of them were hard, but this was the <laughs> I love hardest. you, but I think you have. No, it was this the hardest. the hardest. All right, I love cool. you too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, blind spotting. Oh, I love uh, this movie. One of a trio of uh, Bay Area movies about like race, gentrification, art, privilege, yes. police brutality. Yes. Um, it's including just, it's, Black Panther and uh, well, uh, Black Sorry Panther. to Bother You Sorry and bother Bodied. You. Sorry and to Bother You. So you could actually say no one lie. of the four movies. The yes. hardest cut from my list. Oh, Sorry right. to Bother You. <laughs> It was that movie is so good. Okay. It, it, yes, agreed. Right, that, that was cut from mine as well. It has sorry. made my top fifteen. Uh-huh. The plot of Blind Spotting is while on probation, a man played by David Viggs, uh, David Diggs, sorry, his name David is Colin, Viggo Mortensen. A man begins to reevaluate his relationship <laughs> with his volatile best friend, and that is played by Rafael Casal. Yep. His name is Miles. They work as movers and are forced to watch their old neighborhood become a trendy spot in the rapidly gentrifying Bay Area. And when a life-altering event, basically Colin witnesses a police shooting yes. of an unarmed uh, black committed man. Committed by Ethan Embry yeah. from yes. Can't can Hardly, hardly wait. wait. Oh, what, and what? Hackers? No. And, um, no, no, Empire, Empire Records. The yes. Devil, whatever um, it's called. The, the Devil's men's... Candy. Yeah, yes. oh, that one's good. That movie's fucking titties. <laughs> the two men <laughs> struggle to maintain their friendship. <laughs> that movie's good. <laughs> <laughs> Fully. Have you seen the devil? That movie is fucking titties. You fully derailed Andy's pre-written description of this movie. I'm no, very it, sorry. It's, I'm very it's, sorry. It's the IMDb plot description because otherwise I'm not going to be able to get through this. Please finish the two it. men struggle to maintain their friendship <laughs> as the changing social landscape exposes their differences. Yeah. So basically, yeah. So it's a movie about you know modern day Bay Area about like like we said already gentrification, police brutality, yep. uh, the invasion of tech. Yes. Um, uh, but it's just a really good like buddy comedy that gets extremely serious. Yes. But and I saw it at the um, Philadelphia Film Festival Spring Fest back mm-hmm. in April, where they basically do like uh, it's kind of like the Fall Festival, but they do it in the spring over a weekend to kind of um, highlight the Sundance movies. So like a yeah. Fall Festival, but it's in the but spring. But in the springtime, uh-huh. and it so kind of like, like how festival, a summer fest. Will? But in the winter, it's a similar vibe. This know? is uh, yeah. wow. Yeah, okay. And uh, they did uh, David Diggs and uh, Casal did a Q and A afterwards. That and it's one of those things where I I would have already loved the movie, but seeing the Q and A just made it even that much better. And they talked about how like one of the reasons why there's so many jokes in it, even though it's like a pretty serious movie about like a you know police shooting. Yeah, uh, it's just they're like, man, like shit is just so bad that like you have to be able to like. We don't have time to wait to like for it to Sense heal of before we defense can laugh. Mechanism. Yeah. We, just we have, have to, to be able to yeah. laugh as soon yeah, as we're going to wait yeah. for joy to yeah. be permitted. We're yeah. going to wait yeah. forever. Exactly. And, and those two guys are actually like best fr- that yeah. best friends in real they life. They grew up together, right? They grew yeah. up doing like poetry you slam classes in, in Oakland. And there's just such camaraderie between them. Um, that, that whole movie was just a total joy. So a deeply engaging, uh, that movie joyous experience from beginning to end. Rocked me because like I had already seen Sorry to Bother You. I just watched Bodied. Mm-hmm. I love both of those movies, and they were both very hard cuts from my list. I didn't cut them for this reason, but I felt like Blind Spotting synthesized everything that Widows and Sorry to Bother You and Black Panther and Bodied, like all of these movies that were about race and identity politics and code switching this year were all synthesized into this perfect 90-minute movie that's very funny yeah. and just hits every angle of 
I, I don't know. I think the sort of like underprivileged experience in America. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but also the intersections. Like, yes. It's about, you know, his best, like, Rafael Casal is like, a, passes as white. Right. But, he, but he's from Oakland. His best friend's black. So he, yep. he kind of acts more black. You right. Know? And, right. And, the, and there the are whole, concessions made yes. to him because he's white that are not right. made to David Diggs' character because right. he's black. But there are also concessions that he does not get because he acts as if he is yeah. uh, black. You know, he's right. code switching. It's the, and, the, and those the movie two guys are just that. thinking on like a whole yeah. other level about about like race in America, just because. And I think that's also partially because like you can't really find a much more diverse area than the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I remember even like you know uh, at the Q and A, some a a woman was like, "So this is like a hip hop movie for any of you guys who." For like, for like, if there's like white folks, you know, in the crowd who don't who don't listen to hip hop, you know, this is a hip hop movie, and then David Diggs jumped in, is like, or if you're, you know, a black person who listens to heavy metal, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like, like he, so he is. Both of them were obviously coming at this movie just from a very personal, very non-essentializing point of yeah. view, and and also not to mention the whole thing is told in like rap basically yeah. it's like mm-hmm. it's they well, love the they big love, final rap is one love, of the most in, memorable oh amazing. of the year yeah. Yeah. that yeah. feels like a punch to the chest that, and that yeah. that is one of the absolute maybe like the finale of the year yeah um and it, it just takes the whole movie and suddenly like you've been laughing and joking the whole time suddenly it is this is as intense as it gets in the yeah. movies you know yeah. and uh but i just love that they're taking the whole you know they're they would much rather like you know talk in improvised raps than talking like yeah. as two regular people and it kind of makes it gives the whole movie like a very shakespearean vibe mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's almost like uh they're like you know claudio and uh benedict or from much ado about nothing like i kind of picture them like as these kind of two fools you know what i mean but and it's an interesting depiction of rap where you you get sort of um a kind of an introspective look at it where it's like no this is yet another defense mechanism this is another way to deal with the world around them this is a way to you know we tell stories to sort of help ourselves sort things out and that's how yes. they they tell these little personal stories to themselves through i think rapping that's something with each that bodied picks up that baton yep. and runs yep. with yep. it for a little bit absolutely yeah, yeah. and yep. all like four of those movies you mentioned are great yeah are, like fantastic easily, i agree i think Blind star Spotting's movies the best out of all and of and, yeah. and i think yeah. the reason why it's is the because it's, it's that sure. friendship that is the center yeah. and yep. at the end I of the day watch a show of just yeah. them dicking oh for sure at the end of the day i would totally watch their interplay yeah i'm at the end of the day i'm always going to choose a movie that is about like a relationship yeah, yeah. between a couple of people or three people or like a group of people. Like at the end of the day, it's the characters that are going to like stick with me the most. And like those other movies are fantastic. And, but this one, just because the characters are so memorable, boom. Well, there's, that's got me. There's so a good. warmth to this movie, yeah. I think because of that central friendship that maybe the other ones don't lack, but are, uh, uh are not swimming in as much as this movie is. Mm, you yeah. know, I think that there's that warmth is what, this is one of those movies that within the first few minutes, I already started caring about the decisions yeah. the characters make. And, um, you know, it's one of those movies that a lot of times when I see a movie that comes out of a culture that is not my own, I find myself being more judgmental where I go, oh, come on, man, just get your shit together. Right. And this is a movie where I feel like there's many avenues where that would perk up. And it didn't because the way this was presented where I understood why certain things were not pursued yeah. or why certain things are tolerated. And instead of feeling judgmental, it brought an empathy out that I think it typically in my filter, a movie has to work hard to get to. And this did it effortlessly. Yeah. Uh, Blind, Blind Spotting is fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. It's really good. Yeah. This is, Blind Spotting is definitely one of those movies that 10 years from now will be regarded as, as having contributed to the yeah. conversation. I think so. Although yeah. I feel like it, it was really buzzed about at Sundance, but I haven't. 
and I know like a handful of people online who love it yeah. as much as I do. Yeah. But, but otherwise, I, I haven't. I, it kind of fell off a little bit. I don't bit. think it ever got the release that uh, yeah. it deserved. I think, yeah. I think yeah. it got a little overshadowed by like Sorry to Bother You. Yeah. Um, that was definitely like the much right, but sorry more to bother bigger, you. Bigger I could one. go see at the theater on the right. corner yeah, here. I couldn't do that with Blind yeah. Spotting, and, and right. not that they even have to be in competition with each other. No, no, no. I know, right. but I know they're their saying. own movies, but yeah. but Blind Spotting I thought was going to be like a much bigger deal. I um, think it would have you know. been had it gotten yeah. the yeah, proper I, release. I definitely missed it in the theater, and I just yeah. haven't had the time to catch up yeah. with it. I know, I know Ben from Movie John is like a huge booster of this movie. It's fantastic because I came out a little disappointed with Sorry to Bother You. Yeah, for a couple of reasons, and when I was talking to him about it, he was like, "Oh, you." need to see blind spotting because it does it covers similar ground yep. but does it it answers those complaints that you have mm-hmm. so yeah. what's blind blind spotting spotting great uh so my number five oh, oh, so oh five, shit are we, um, yeah, there we go is uh leave no trace oh uh, i didn't see you're, this. you're gonna Deborah be no lie this was the most heartbreaking <laughs> oh my god my <laughs> it's so good i um, will be hearing about this from me later too yeah so this so uh get into it now yeah you totally should. So this is Dig in. this is a father daughter story. Uh, ben Foster plays the fa- the father. He is some kind <laughs> of sure for some reason I thought you said Ben folds. Um, ben folds. Uh, he is a no. white guy in the suburbs, but he um, <laughs> he plays a uh, wooden a, a father who's struggling with some sort of PTSD. It's very like right. you know vaguely Vague defined okay. in a good way. Um, and his daughter is played by Thomas and Mackenzie, who is a it's her first uh, feature film performance. At Jesus least star. she is uh, amazing. Like uh, this is the same director who cast Jennifer Lawrence in yep. Winter's Bone. Right. And like this performance is on par with that performance. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Deborah Granick. Yes. Deborah Granick. I think I said that. Uh, I don't know. I either way. I'm drunk. Either way. It's good. <laughs> um, but this movie like simultaneously like maybe want to pack up and move into a national park and live as a sort of like homeless right. person among the trees uh but also gave me like super deep empathy for people who just don't feel like they fit into yeah. Yeah. what we've established is society mm-hmm. um so at one point in the movie like they're given a place to live like on a farm and they have like a house and the house has like carpets and closets and a kitchen and all these things and you know, it's for the daughter, it's kind of a very foreign experience, but she's willing to embrace it and yeah. be like, all right, well, this is our life now, and this is how, you know, and like Ben Foster's character sort of like puts up with it for a yeah. while. And, and, he, then and he's a see, veteran too. Yeah. Comes out like, yeah. He has he, some kind of combat PTSD. Yeah, sure. Um, which is revealed in like a really. Oh, what does she say? Way, what's yeah. what's wrong with you is is not wrong with isn't wrong oh, with yeah. me. That, right, that, that's, that's, that's the big end. Yeah, and like I love what it has to say about society in terms of like homelessness and like you know, self-determination and choice and all that kind of thing. But the, you know, something you mentioned with blind spotting, Andy, is the core of this movie is the relationship between the father and the daughter. And yeah. it is so beautifully rendered. Like, you know, I'm not a dad. Like, I have not been a daughter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I completely and a, a thousand percent, like, empathize with the situation. And in yeah. every single scene that the two of them share, like, I could see it from both sides. I understood exactly each character's perspective and what they were bringing to that interaction and how they were thinking about it, yeah. what their concerns were at the time, what they were afraid of, what they were, like, you know, nervous about, like, what they were looking forward to. And just the way that this movie depicts the life that they share, it's just, it's absolutely beautiful and just stunning. And, like, you know, it's not a sad movie. Like, this movie is PG. Yeah, uh, I just yeah. realized looking on IMDb. So there's, there's not a ton of like bunnies. There's not like you there know a ton there. of conflict. There's not a ton of like you know horrible things that happen to them that try yeah. them. Like it really is just 
this is a life that is being led in America and how different it is from yeah. my life, basically. And it's it's one of those movies, but does it in such a, you know, it's not putting on airs. It's not like holding it up as like, oh, like this is better. or It's just different, yeah. you know, and it's it, it's beautiful. It's well, absolutely I thought beautiful. It was, I, it's funny because I had, I had I, I love the movie, too, and it's on my list. But uh, I had a pretty different or like uh, maybe the same read. But but um, I really tapped into the just it as a portrait of like someone who's suffering an unspeakable amount of pain mm-hmm. and that pain is keeping them from being able to, to have relationships with anyone. Um, and, and it's kind of a miracle that he has like a, a, a really loving relationship with his daughter. And at the beginning of the movie, like we've all seen a million movies and we're kind of, you know, like the viewers are like, is something going on between them? Is he like touching her? Is he abusive? But no, like, like the movie pretty quickly says, no, he's just he's just seen some shit and he's really fucked up and he just cannot there's this whole uh theme that repeats to the movie like well remember like we're in society but but we can at least we can think our own thoughts but yep. the, but the irony there yep. is that he can't think his own thoughts mm-hmm. like he doesn't have control over the only thing he yeah. has control over is whether or not he chooses to you know live in society or not and and, and uh in that way it reminded me a lot of Manchester by the sea because it's like, um, it's about a man who has had this trauma and it's, and it becomes pretty clear that, that, uh, he can't really recover from it like, yeah. or, or whether he chooses to or not. It, it's just, it's not happening for and, him. And, and, I think and it may never point, happen. One of the great things in the movies, it shows them like, like I mentioned earlier, them getting like government assistance, but it's not solving the problem. Mm-hmm. Like it's giving them a place to live, but it's not solving the problem of why he can't, live there yeah it's right. a band you know and like it just i don't know it, this is the part like this from any of these movies up could have been number like i could justify yeah, yeah, number yeah. one on my list and like this movie i was just so taken with and like i felt transported into the world created by yeah. these two characters mm-hmm. and by the um, end of the movie for me it was like you know um you know but by the end of the movie it was like the, the central question is like can they stay together? You know, can, yeah. can he live with her? Can she live with him? And, you know, obviously like, a, a, you know, a character makes a choice that involves, you know, like a, a pretty, a pretty finite, not irreversible, but a very definitive choice that changes both of them forever. And I just, man, the tears fucking <laughs> Jesus Christ. I walked brutal. out. Yeah. This is the one movie this year where I walked out of the theater shaking and crying and just repeating to myself under my breath like oh my god oh my god i <laughs> yeah. just it and fucked me up big i left time, it man. going what a good movie and it was halfway on my walk home that i started to have a tear about yeah. it yeah i, I think it's, for it's me, a slow bake because for me i have a lot of you know of, of emotional stuff surrounding just like you know separation and and attachment you know mm-hmm. and this is that movie that's what this is about you know about how can we remain attached um or how can these two people remain attached and connected to each other when there is a force that is driving them apart um, and maybe for good. And it's like, it's not a, it's a uniquely misunderstandable force that's different for every person that it affects. Exactly. And one of the things that I think struck me most about the movie is that it shows simultaneously how quick to help the societal system is to say, listen, we have something to help you, blah, blah, blah. But also just how limited that is. Yeah. Because at the same time, it, it shows, you know, on the one hand, society saying, come back in and let us help you. But on the other hand, they're saying, I, I, this system isn't working and society's not listening. And so it's, it's, 
when we were doing the Psycho movies, one of the yeah. things that I loved about Psycho is like that to me is a movie about this woman who just tries to bust out of a system and it just goes right. no 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 we gather yeah, you yeah, back yeah, up yeah. and you're you're reclaimed back into it and so like this shows that but it also shows that like at least in the sense of this movie that reclamation comes from a sense of altruism. And it's like there there is work to be done to find that middle ground, and this movie shows how that middle ground is so narrow yet you know wider than a thousand seas. It's yeah. it, that movie is wonderful. Yeah, and I, my last point on it is just that it's a crime that Deborah Gunning did not make a movie between this and Winter's Bone. Which oh came yeah, out in like twenty ten. Well, she, no, she made a uh, documentary called Stray Dog, but right. Nobody but like really she struggled it. to get financing for this yeah. movie, and right. that movie was nominated for fucking best picture. Yeah. Like it that's a fucking crime, J Law. Yeah. Right? It, it, she's done everything since then. Right. And so I just want to say that, like, I hope we see a million more movies from her yeah. because this is absolutely one of the most beautiful movies I saw this year. But it was worth the wait agree. at least. And yeah. also one other, you know, who what movie Thomas and Mackenzie's going to be in in a couple years? Top Gun Maverick. What? That's next year. Uh, actually, I think it got pushed back to twenty twenty. She plays Val Kilmer. <laughs> She's gonna be. She's Ice Woman. Uh, so Garrett, Garrett, what's your uh, number five? Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade. Right on. Oh, I knew this was coming up. Yeah. I fucking loved this movie. That's probably this my is, number thirteen. This, or this so. is the horror movie slot on my list. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No doubt. This this movie is so uncomfortable to watch, but in like a very beautiful way where. I was never a 12-year-old girl, but I was a 12-year-old boy, and it turns out those experiences are apparently more similar than you would think. Uh, Awkwardness is universal. exactly. Uh, One of my favorite, the thing that I remember about this movie, when I was watching it, Garrett, I remember reading in your Letterboxd review, you said something like, we're all in eighth grade. Yeah. And and, and obviously there's this very specific film about like a young girl's experience, but... But like you said, Dan, like awkwardness is just universal. Yeah, you know? and I, I, to me, though, the true horror of this movie was realizing that, like, oh, I still handle all of my social situations and professional situations this way. Yep. I um, still go into them with the exact same fears about how I'll be treated, how I will act in front of those people. How I will be judged yes. by those people yep. for acting in the way yep. that feels like I'm supposed to act. Yep. yep. It's, oh, God. And, it's, and that, I mean, that was why my review ended with, like, the horror of this movie is, like, we're all in eighth grade. Right? Yeah. The, life is eighth grade. We just live, we get to eighth grade. And then that's life forever. Yeah. That was like such a... And until you become a father of an eighth grader. Right, right, but right. Even oh. then you're still an eighth and grader. And it's still a horror show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was such a horrible, heavy thing to like realize at the end of the movie, which, I do, which by the way, is like not a horrible experience to watch. It is like actually this like, I think kind of joyous experience for is. me was like a kind of a joyous experience to watch, despite being very difficult to watch and like... It brings up a lot of anxiety it, that you... It's one of those that, like, nothing specifically, like, actually horrible right. happens. Like, nothing outside of what is, like, very normal yeah. happens to her. And I was like, again, this is a movie like Mission Impossible. Like, yeah. Yeah. I walked out sweaty. Yeah. Because yeah. I was so deeply empathetic for yes. her. Because I have been in a version of all of those situations. Yes. Um, and I just, I, I completely, like, I felt for her. Yep. I felt for her dad. Yep. Like every single part of this movie was like difficult to watch in a good way because it made me feel like I was reckoning with my own yes, life. Yes. Um, I so totally agree. It's kind of this year's ladybird in that yeah, way yeah, where yeah. I was like, I have been in those conversations. They yeah. have gone the exact same way. Like yeah. it's, it's taking that very specific experience and making it universal. Yeah. The other thing for me is that like, it's really kind of like funny or ironic maybe that the, any de- 
accurate depiction of social media feels like an indictment. Yes. Because like the way that she uses Instagram and YouTube and everything, Gucci. It's, it's totally real. Gucci. It's a hundred percent real. It is. And yet watching her being on her phone in bed, I've been like, I've done that. Yeah. I feel shitty because like I see friends on Facebook yep. where they have like nicer things than I have, or they're yep. on a vacation, but they don't post when they're like, at their like forty fifth day in a row at the office, and they want yeah. to kill themselves. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know. And I know that, but I still don't feel that. Yeah. And just yeah. like that, like it's not even FOMO. Yeah. Like, it's not the fear of missing out so much as the fear of the fear of being left behind in a weird way. Well, mm. I, for me, one of the horrors of the movie, which is funny that I keep coming back to that aspect of it, is like. Uh, you know, I grew up with the internet, kind of. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I didn't get the internet until I was probably her age. We had the internet, but not social media, I right. feel like. Right, right. Which and is a, a big distinction. Agreed. Like, and I didn't even you get... You should definitely watch Searching, because the opening of that movie seen is, is like a history of the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, amazing. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, like, I didn't even get the internet until I was her age. Let right. alone, like, the social media that would come later and stuff. The horror to me was, like, having to establish an identity... Yeah. Before you have any idea what your yeah. identity is. Oh, wow. I never thought about that. Because that's yeah. like all yeah. of what's happening in that movie is her videos are her projected what she wants to be. And I remember being 12 and wanting to be yeah, yeah, a yeah. certain version of me. Yeah. but And part of the horror of it was never being able to be that. Well, was never knowing how to be that. Was never being able to be that. Was never being looked at by my peers. And then yeah, on top of that, and then on top of that, like one of the core messages of her videos is like, oh, be yourself and right. everything will be fine. Right. Which is yeah. what but all media not, tells and it. And she's not being herself right. when she's and doing like, that. And my biggest fear at 12 years old was being myself yeah, yeah. and being rejected. And yeah, so it was yeah. easier to sort of you know, imitate and yeah. sort of like be a fake version of me yeah. that I knew would be more palatable. It still didn't fucking work. Yeah. But that's but like, the thing though. It was that easier. That's you know? what, like at that age, I mean, like you don't really, I mean, you have bits of personality and things, but like as an identity though, right. the formulation of an identity is the primary like task of, right. of adolescence. And she's just on the cusp of it. So like you said, she, she, she's coming off like, Pretending to have an identity, but she doesn't have an identity. Right. Yet. She and, and it's and, and, and it's having where, to you know yeah a time when you're so malleable well, and, and so if you were to where having an audience is something that nobody had and now right. literally everybody everybody does, does. If right. they so choose yep and so to to put on a performative shell yeah. is something that I think was was intensified in the last few years right, right. around the time eighth grade takes place yeah. which we all witnessed relative to that time yeah agree. it's it's crazy yeah. i also at the same time i i totally felt for the dad oh me too I, he's a tremendous yeah. actor i'm not yeah. gonna remember his name josh hamilton. hamilton josh hamilton he did um uh outsourced which is a wonderful little rom-com yeah, he's kind of like a 90s guy 90s guy he was in a great episode of louis not not to reference louis but uh he's in a great episode where he plays his, his drug <laughs> idol neighbor, might as well take your dick out now it's great yeah <laughs> so anyway check out this hog but um no uh <laughs> Check something, but uh, no, I uh, I refer I uh, uh, related to the dad in in weird ways, wow. which made as me we feel get very older, old, yeah. more and more. Oh, I know. The when he has that whole thing kids. where he's trying to explain to her, like you don't understand how wonderful you are yeah. and how you yeah. mean the way that you want to feel to people. That's how you. That's what you mean to me. Yeah, and, yeah. And I can't get that. to That you. scene, yeah. I'll just say over the fire that they have yes, together. Yes, yeah. And like as I get older and realize, like, it's amazing. I just look back on my relationship yep. with my parents oh, yep. and watch other people that I know that <laughs> yeah. now are parents themselves. Like watching yep. my sister raise kids. Yeah, it's mean, crazy. It trips, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. 
And so seeing that in a movie and being able to to dual relate to yes. the awkward eighth grader yep. who doesn't understand their body or their desire and they just has all this power that they don't know what to do with. Yeah. And then dad who just like really just wants to be the best and, and can't connect. Yeah. Seeing that right in the perfect middle age group is is it is a horror. It really it, is. It is. It's, it's but it's it, we the, love the horror irony, because we though, grow from it. Is by the end of the movie, like I mean, I think at the beginning of the movie you think, Oh man, this girl She's in a bad. She's in a bad place. Like right. She's fucked basically. Right. But by the end of the movie, you're like, oh man, I wish that my last week of eighth grade had right. had had. You oh, know, this is uh, or like, or like, not not like I wish that I'd been through what she'd been through. But but you're like, oh man, she she has a lot of support and she's yeah. gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. You know? And and the thing that I come back to is something that I also had as someone you know when I was her age is that there was this relentless sense of optimism yeah. that like next year is going to be better yeah. next yeah, year is yeah, going to yeah. be my year yeah. this is when I'm going to figure it out yeah. and like there <laughs> there never are, really ends does it but nope. right but on the other hand like that optimism is literally part of the reason why I'm able to sit in this chair today and not like in the grave right yeah like yeah. that is literally something that had there are moments where that kept me alive and just seeing that in another person reflected in that yeah. way from such a sort of a different background yeah. and all that, like feeling that universality spoke to me on such a deep level that was yeah. just like yeah you know, i think it strongly suggests too that the things she feels most self-conscious about are actually the strengths that are going to get her through yeah. the weirdness mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's a lesson that is universally true to everybody and but, so to see and, that reflected and then nice. you can't learn that except on your own yeah you have to live it yeah, yeah. you absolutely it's, have to live it yeah, yeah you know it she's gonna sucks. be much it better sucks. Off. <laughs> but it also like rules you know? right like, yeah that's what i loved about like this is totally a like the kids are like it was saying both to the kids like don't worry you'll be all right yeah and to the parents like the kids are gonna be fine the yeah, kids yeah, are, you know, yeah but support and, and them. I love that you but, know, but you yeah. need to support each other it's yeah. a village and, I also yeah, that's by cool the way play. I think great that, score too I was about to say yes. I think that this is actually my favorite like directorial debut of the year yep. oh yeah I think it's one. exceptionally edited yes. like I love the editing in this movie and I think the score is amazing. And it's not just that the score is so good; it's the use of the score. Oh, whenever they drop that beat it's when her so crush shows up, big it's hilarious and loud, yep. and like uh, uh, it's, it's the even watching it in the theater, I yeah. felt like I was listening to the movie on headphones. Yeah, mm. where it was drowning out the rest of the world. And it, do you like, watch Bo Burnham stand up at all? Yes, I, it I is don't. a one man show, and it's all music drops yep. and stage yep. cues and fans that blow. And so he does shtick and stand up, but it's a lot of performative, yeah. very cinematic stuff. Uh, it, it's really impressive. It's, He's a great comedian. He is, and it sounds weird to say, but I really, and you know, I know that these things are not necessarily a director's job, so he may not have. I'm assuming he had something to do with these choices, though. But like, just the volume at which the yeah. music drops in seems like something that only he could have brought to that movie. He's very aware of the audience yeah. experience. His yeah. style of stand-up requires that. Exactly. He doesn't really have the luxury of reading a crowd right. because his show is fixed. There's yep. not a lot of right. riffing. Yep. And so, yeah, you, that's, you absolutely yeah. need that. Well, yeah. If like you're work. writing a story or making a movie, your first consideration, at least in terms of consumability, is to always think about the reader. Yeah. Always think about you know the, the viewer. And I... I think that's key to what he does yeah. and what his skill set is agreed yeah yeah and i will say like equally tied for the best use of uh orinoco flow with uh fincher's <laughs> girl with the dragon tattoo yeah oh <laughs> forgot about uh, that. so I just, yeah. I just had to note that yeah. all right yeah, um, fantastic score yeah just a great movie four dance we're at four yes sir yeah all right my number four is a movie that i caught at the uh film festival called burning 
Oh, I haven't seen. Oh, this yet. I've All not right. seen that yet. I, I've seen it. You I, seen it? Are you mixed on it? I, I'm a little more mixed, but I, I can't say it's a bad movie at all. But I was blown away it. by Burning. Yeah. Um, partially because Bo yeah, Burning. it's <laughs> Bo Burning is so good. It's very artsy fartsy, and I actually didn't. I think what helped is I didn't know what to expect going into it, and I was just like, I hear this is good. It's long. I've got a block I can fill here with this. I'm gonna watch it, and. It, it's a very slow burn, but it's very easy to watch. And it goes from being a cheeky romance to a nightmarish paranoid thriller. But over the course of a very slowly and evenly paced two and a half hours. And so I like that because it did speak to the pulp and grindhouse sensibilities that I like. But it also was a foreign movie. It showed me a world I'm unfamiliar with, which I always like as well. And it presented itself as high, heady art, which I always like to... I'm making a jack-off motion. <laughs> tell myself that I am interested in... This all sounds great to me. It's yeah. great. Yeah. But what happened... I mean, When I left it, I was like, man, that was... Like, I was really... Uh, upset by that and moved yeah. by it and just impressed by the way that the filmmaking was. But then I started to talk to people about it and what their read on was it. And most people said that they felt that the second half of the movie was a product of an unreliable narrator and mm. we are to mistrust what is being depicted. And when I think back on it, I think that that might be accurate. But when I watched it, I took it all literally. Yeah, I was in a state of having been punch drunk by seeing so many movies at the festival yeah. that I was just taking it for what it's worth on a right. surface level. And taking it literally and taking it at face value is kind of what I love about it. When yeah. I think back about it, the surreality of it is surreal. So I don't know what the word is for that. I think that was Surrealistic, right. surreal, the, the uh, not realness of it. Dali-esque. The Dali-esque <laughs> aspects of it, which even that's not accurate. Just yeah. like... The things that Lynchian. we can mistrust the narrator over are uh, are immaterial to me because I liked it as a literal thriller that's just ambiguous. Yeah. And I love ambiguity like that, and especially one that goes from cheeky and fun to incredibly violent. And, uh, yeah, I, I was very moved by Burning. I yeah. think that the hype is real on it, but I sense well, that you disagree. that's funny, though, because I I know exactly what you mean by, like, you can watch this movie one of two ways. You can watch it very literally and in a straightforward or you know the movie does throw you a lot of misdirection and a lot mm -hmm. of like there's a lot of clues dropped in the movie to make you think that maybe what's happening on screen isn't really what's exactly. happening mm -hmm. you're watching it thinking like oh this is almost like not gone girl but but like you're well, even you're, like an american psycho yeah, where yeah, you're, you're just you're like i don't it, know if it's real yeah you, you don't really know or christmas evil they're <laughs> they're sort of intent you i was like oh he's you know, this movie is kind of fucking with me a little yeah. bit. But then the end of the movie comes, you're like, actually, no, the simplest explanation is what was true all along. Yeah. And, and it's kind of an Occam's Razor movie in that way. You know, the, it, the, the I prefer to the read simplest it as Occam's solution Razor. Is, is probably the true one. And you know? it speaks and, to the same themes as something like Damsel, where yeah. I read this character and I go, I understand what your view of yourself is, but as a third right. person, I actually think it's a little more dangerous. Right. And, and I, I actually thought that that was cool, though. It's kind of a movie that gets you to it got me to like mistrust my own instincts mm -hmm. and then by the end of the movie you're like mm, your instincts are kind of all you have yeah you sort, of <laughs> have, you sort of have to call it like you see it sometimes but at the same and time that's exactly what if i'm Lee on the jury for this movie. movie i don't know where i where i land right you know like i really don't know where i land in terms of what was real what wasn't and who was right well, one character makes a choice in the end and it's a definitive strong, one. It's a strong choice. And, it, and it's a very <laughs> strong choice. And you're like, oh, damn. And and you're like, okay, well, that was, in that case, but that's what was happening all along. If you read it as Occam's Razor, it's a well-motivated choice. Right. But if you read it as... 
Yeah, as unreliable narrator, it's a completely insane choice. Yeah. So so I guess it's and so in a way maybe both you and I both of our uh, readings are are correct. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of depends on which camp you fall. I think into. that's I really love a good movie with ambiguity, and I love that this really does just. It gives you the ambiguity yeah. in its purest essence in that it's not leaning either right. way. Um, you can read it however you want, but I think what made it an entry on my list is that I didn't want to see it. I heard it was good, and I figured I'd sit through it, and I was completely engaged the entire time. I love yeah. when that happens. It's two yes. and a half hours long. It's, and so it's two yeah, and a half hours. Like it ended, yeah. and I didn't have to pee once. Yeah. It yeah. was because yeah. I, I was, it, I was it, Imagine in. a Hitchcock movie like Shadow of a Doubt or... Um, or strangers on a train or something yeah. like that but with all of the like stylistic invariants of those films completely pulled out mm-hmm. and instead I've never you been get to a, a long like instead and so you, you get, get a, a little bit of korea right right instead you get like a long slow burning uh you know so south what? korean drama mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. slow burning uh, uh, and and that is and cool Stephen about it. And Stephen Ewan know? is... Oh, he, he's amazing uh, he's, in he's There's just, no question. He's amazing in everything. And, like, a star is indeed born. And yeah. this is, like, where you go, oh, man, you're the real deal. You're... I love him. Yeah. He's yeah. really good. So, Which uh, is your number four? Yeah. My number four is... Um, oh, we already talked about it. Annihilation. Oh, hell yeah, um, dude. So, oh, I love that. So that's three lists now, yeah. right? Three lists? Yeah, three lists. Yeah. And Annihilation is just... Uh, there's nothing else to say about it except... I did not expect to have two Natalie Portman movies in my top ten this year. Yeah, you always amazing. should. She's, and, and, she's, and yeah, she's great. What she? was the word that you used that I didn't know? Oh, she's a reverse shiksa because <laughs> ah. she's a, a Jewish woman that is very attractive to everybody. Right. There you go. <laughs> she, she's represented good for our tribe. Um, she's, <laughs> she's just great in this movie. and She's great uh, in the whole She cast. just seems like a good person. Yeah. Jennifer and she, Jason Lee's and another she's not wife. A, she's not afraid to put her, you know, it's like share her points of view. Yeah. Um, but she's still, she's just like, seems like a pretty solid she's, human. She's hardcore. Yeah. Somebody tweeted today, and I forget who it was. They said, in the future, we're all going to look back right. at the I 2010s and say, wow, Natalie Portman actually did a lot of very interesting and unsafe yep. choices yeah. because yes. she wanted to. Yep. And so far, at least in my estimation, it has been an unrivaled success. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jackie, Agreed. so um, good. Jackie was so good. Black Swan. So my number that was, f- yeah, that's like what kicked off yeah. the strange choices for. I mean, help maybe the professional did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, my number four is eighth grade, which we just talked. Oh about. shit! Yeah, so, yeah perfect. Yeah. Uh, so Garrett, to you. Without a doubt, yeah. eighth grade was the hardest cut that I had to make. <laughs> <for my list. laughs> I, I considered it, but I had to go. It's so good though. Uh, it my, is so good. My number four is Andy Mittens, The Witch in the Window. Nice. Dude, okay, I'm actually one hundred percent serious when I say. That this is the hardest no cut I had to make. Way. It was yeah. Dan, uh-huh. do you love movies? Yeah. No, <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> no, yeah, but more than anything. No, actually, the, more than most things, but like maybe like a list of five that I'm not going to give to you. We, we definitely yeah. love <laughs> movies more than most people. Yeah, we were talking about the good, number of man. movies that we've seen this year, and it's like literally. Like I'm, 10, fa- I'm yeah, falling I'm short. More. I'm falling way short at, at 165 a <laughs> level. Yeah, it's yeah, insane. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have Fuck problems. us, man. Yo, but Witch in the Window is a, some... It's, it is fucking It's titties. incredible. <laughs> it's a really it's good It's so good. Uh, <laughs> we've talked about Annie Mitten a lot on our podcast. I think we've talked about this movie a lot on our podcast at this oh, yeah, point. Man. So I'm not going to put too much time into it. But he, this is... it. it is, uh, uh, when I saw The Descent like a decade ago now, was the only time I've ever been in the theater and watched everyone at the same time jump out of their seats at a scare. Except okay, I'm going to pantomime this for yeah. you. Liam from Cinepunks after The Scare. Yes. This is what my experience was. 
Yeah, yeah. He, I, Which I, is I, just like the. It can, so it's like the Robert Redford. I can uh, picture him making that face, guy. and it's perfect. It was so good. I, Liam, well, if you're Andy's listening, I love right, you, man. Like, flipping the fuck out. Yeah, yeah I, I learned. I kept on punching Dan in the in the knee, and I. I if did I could one of see those. Every horror movie yeah. next to you, Andy, I would because between it and Witch in the Window, it, it like enhanced yeah. the scares. I want you to come over so you can finish out the when rest I, of Hill House. When with I do me. a horror <laughs> scream, I go. I it, it's a deep guttural chest scream, like like Followed if by I'm really maniacal laughter. That's yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's just to like drive off the tension. That, but, that's how I'm on roller coasters. <laughs> but but um, what did you what did you feel well, like Garrett was like? Oh, real, real quick, I will say I need to puff next year. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. we all do. Puff that's that's on my on my 2019 list. But puff is do. the only festival is where it's awesome. like it's feasible to see everything. Yeah, and you should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, just shout out to those guys. They're they're amazing. Yeah, and I promise next year is the year that I, I will be there. Yeah. Uh, what Dan was uh, vaguely trying to describe was that that scare. There's a scare in this movie that it's like orchestrated clinically, it's scientifically, unreal. It's, it's such great tension, but it's and, very straightforward. Oh yeah, it it's, is nothing yeah. like no, showy it's, about it's it. It's not surprising you even. It just is no a sleight of hand, right? It's, it's completely it's just 100% a very yeah. good use of tension that builds in you until the movie. It's great, <laughs> and and I loved that the it, everybody rose out of their seats at the same time. It's the only other time I've ever seen yeah. that. And the, the yeah, that's true. Same what in my you experience. were trying to describe is that I, I wrote that in my view is that literally afterwards everybody came back down in their seats. The entire theater was just looking around to like high five each other and like pat each other on the shoulder. <laughs> we're all okay. Everything's yeah, yeah, gonna yeah. be okay. Was, we made it, guys. It's great. It was you know a, what makes that movie so good? That's another one that, as we talked about, blind spotting and yeah, some right. other things on the list. The scares are well orchestrated. Yeah, they're fantastic. But they're not groundbreaking. Nope. The reason that it works is the old Hitchcock law. Yep. You're not going to scare anybody unless you care about the characters. And yep. the father-son relationship it's amazing. is incredible. That dad's weird Pacino walking out of performance. <laughs> yes. But yeah. it, it's so real. It's so good. It's the, a, the one line that sticks with me, his son like hits him with a burn. Yeah. And he like gives him like, oh, that was a pretty good one. And then the son like does another thing. He's like, no, you lost it. Never double down on a good burn. Yeah, like, yeah. They have a yeah. great bond like that. It's, it's so warm and loving, but still speaks to the strain between them. Yeah. That's really great character work yeah. that is untypical. No, no movie. Sort of there are a lot of movies about like parent, you know, like, I mean, I'm not a father either, but like that movie more than any other uh, movie this year made me think about what it would be like if I was a father. Yeah. I think it speaks to the same fear that Upgrade does, that's right. loss of autonomy. Right. And it's loss of autonomy through the notion that my needs are now secondary yeah. to this other person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he even says in the movie, when he says to the son, you know, he says, I'm trying to protect you from the idea that you're not actually safe. Right. right. Not really. Yeah. You're and, not and, really safe. And, and the, like, that's a scary parent right. thing to go. My autonomy has gone because I have to serve as the protector against yes. essential chaos for this person yeah. who can't. And can I do that? And what if I fail? Yep. And what if I fail? And will what I, be, will I be able to live yeah. with that? You know? Yeah. And, but the thing is that, and you will fail. Like you yeah. won't always be able to that's keep your That's one of the most safe. heartbreaking moments in any 2018 movie is yeah. when he has to call his wife and say, I, I, I can't protect him. Uh, yeah, I can't keep him It's safe. just not yeah. safe. Yeah. yeah. And also just like looking back at his past and just even even before the movie begins, even when we first meet them, he's already failed his yeah. son so Oh, much. yeah. And it's, that's so heartbreaking. We start on this like very rocky ground of like an estranged father, you yeah. know? Um, and it, so that's Alex Draper plays the dad and um, Charlie Thacker. Professor Thacker, Alex Charlie Draper. Thacker. Uh, yeah, right. He, yes, he is a college professor. He pulled up his uh, college professor page in the theater. Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and uh, Charlie Thacker plays his son, who I, I think is like the, like one of the He's big great. discoveries this year. He's awesome. The 
after he is sent home, the later yeah. scene about that, that scare that I won't spoil, yes. I showed it to Jenna on Halloween, and I remember her reaction to that moment when it, you know that kind of thing yeah. happens. And it was, and I quote, fuck, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was... Uh, that scare is hardcore, I think. Like, that's real good. It's so unnerving. But it's not a thing that is... Re- nothing is required no, of it, no. but it's it's quite literally a two-shot. It's and still it's all about performance. It it's all character. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's, yeah it's the, it is... Um, that's what I like about Mitten's movies. He really marries these. The, the, his movies are grounded in character. They're these great genre I stories. See what's that are the grounded Yellow Brick Road? Yeah, I really want to see that. I watched uh, We Go On Again since it's. Oh on yeah, Shutter. how did that hold up? That's great. Yeah, mom, awesome. Mom yeah, she's amazing. Movie. Yeah. Mom is so yep. good, and she's fucking hot. Yeah, that that movie is uh, like number twenty for me this year. That's really good. Fair. Thank hey, you. For the hey left. Dan, I just want to take another look at you. Ah! <laughs> Not on my list. <laughs> not on mine either. But I, 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 that good almost movie, made my list, but not no. great movie. I, I have mixed feelings about it. But, okay. So what are we at? Number three? three. Yeah, number three. Uh, my number three, and I hope this shows up on someone else's list, but I really don't know if it will. But I was absolutely shit-fucked by Suspiria. That oh, movie We'll be hearing about that in a little bit. Titties. Uh-huh. <laughs> is, no. um, I think what I liked about Suspiria, and it is a movie about you know generational horror it's a sick dance movie on a surface level it is the dancing is amazing but what i love is on a filmmaking sense what's so cool is that the filmmaking at the beginning is kind of ratty and grindhousey yeah and throughout the movie it becomes more and more formal Mm -hmm. as the plot becomes more and more uh gruesome and exploitative Mm -hmm. so at every point throughout the movie the filmmaking is at a polar opposite to the material Oh, that's interesting it's always unsettling Also, there's a score that has a lot of lyrics to it, which is also very strange. strange. And and maybe a decade of it's awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, the lost. I'm a what the you know what the kids would call a Radiohead stan, and that score is sublime. It's sublime. (laughs) It's so good. I never thought that I that I would see like competition for Johnny Greenwood's PTA work. But Tom yeah. York took it from a different angle. It's totally different. It. It's and that's, totally different. And that's what's great about it. And he, and it, he doesn't try to ape it at all. Mm. And like, like Luca Guadagnino fits it into the movie in a really interesting and like, it, sometimes it plays against the mo- what the movie's actually doing at it's the time, which to. I found really interesting. It's a movie that is constantly trying to keep you on edge. And one of the things that they do that I think is so smart is that the original Suspiria is about the mystery. Yeah. And it is about what is going on at the school. With the new Suspiria, it is 100%. This is a school where there's witches there. <laughs> yeah. And so you know for the last like, like yeah. decade, we have been dealing with this idea of what the the forces larger than us, the power structures larger than us, what do they mean? How do we recognize them? And we've gotten very good at recognizing them. Yeah. But we have yet to see any media that talks about what it means to contend with them. And I think Suspiria was the first one, at least in my reading, that does that. Mm. And by having a power struggle between the old church and the new church amongst the witches, yeah. by having, um, you know, this... this uh, I mean, they said it in a, in immediate post-war Germany where... Well, it's actually a, a 1977. Yeah. Sorry, not immediate post-war, but, you know, uh, what's but, it? But Bader Berlin, Meinhof. The, uh, yeah, the, yeah, it's during the... Which which was cool. Like, I didn't really know too much about the history of 1970s Berlin, but the Red Army faction were, like, mm-hmm. a super radical left-wing terrorist organization, basically. And this is, like, set against the backdrop of, like, one of their big uprisings. Well, and it's in, yeah. it's in a world where... When I say immediate, when I say immediate post-war, the um, sorry, was that a fart? Was that what I just witnessed him laughing at? Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> it was so good. You're welcome. But um, it was um, 
it was a time where it was a country that was almost completely stripped of identity and is now cautious about what it means to create a new identity. And this movie layers that into the idea of this school of women in a world of men, in this school of art and creation in a world where culture is dead. And I don't know, it's just, it's, I really don't know how to describe it yeah. because it's yeah. it's one of those movies that I think what you bring to it is what you get out yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. But I love the idea that it is trying to speak about what it means to interact with the forces that are beyond what we can control. Because the hard part was recognizing them, and we've done it. We've mm-hmm. done that now. We we know what they know the push what happened. Is. Yeah. They know what happened. But even in like society now, like in the era of Trump, we now can with a pretty confident hand point and say things like that's evil mm-hmm. that's good you know this person is is not completely autonomous this is something that society causes them to do to a degree yeah and we have to understand that we have to consider that that is the privilege argument at its most core is just there are forces bigger than us and yeah. every movie i've seen in the last decade has been about recognizing them and as i said before suspiria is the first one that said okay well we're not going to destroy them how do we how do we reckon with them how do we work with them yeah, how do there's we create... that line in the movie uh, where Susie Dakota Johnson who is incredible holy shit she's so good she's movie. like my favorite um, new thing yeah, in movies for sure she's like uh, she's so why cool. why is everyone so ready to believe the worst is over yeah and, mm. and that's kind of like the that's kind of like the thesis of the film is like the worst may not be over mm. even though like in this very city 30 years earlier you know like like in this very country like the worst thing happened you know well, and it, and it yet, also suggests however, like we're capable of right. getting to that point yeah and like but yet maybe really bad shit is still going to happen like terrible th- like this is a pretty scary movie like i think around the time that this came out uh around the time i saw it there was like that big climate change uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> report was released and so just thinking about like the future that we are you know making currently and that we will you know acquire 10 20 years down the road uh, th- this was just like a movie that got me to kind of think, man, maybe like not everything is going to be okay. I think it's and, actually and, interesting and you bring that, up climate change right, because right, it, that's one of those things where for the last 20 years we've been aggressively trying to recognize that it is a thing. Yeah. And now that despite, you know, the powers that be saying it's not, I think the overwhelming common knowledge is that climate change is real. And so now the argument is what do we do about it? Yeah. How do we How do we deal with the fact that we might be beyond the pale with that? And I think Suspiria is playing with that idea. And what I love about Suspiria is that it's doing that on the thematic level, but it also works on a visceral level. Like, you could watch this movie and not necessarily think about all those things and still get a really interesting yeah. experience mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah. Like, the, the dance sequences in this, especially the they one where... are incredible. Dakota Johnson is dancing, and it, it's Her impacting the woman on brains. the, like, lower level yeah. in the, like, mirrored room. Also another is, loss of autonomy thing. Right. And it is disgusting. It is yeah. amazing. It is incredible. Um, and, like, that, to me, like, that scene alone makes... In my opinion, very in my very uneducated opinion about Giallo films, mm-hmm. makes this version of Suspiria much more relatable to me than the original version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's re- just it's a movie that is so like you you mentioned earlier, like struggling to define it and to describe the movie. And I feel the same way. Like I don't quite know that I get it all, but mm. it's just so. It's like The Shining, though. In ten yeah, years, there's yeah. going to be ten interpretations, yeah. and they're all going to be defensible so and equally valid. Much, there's so much happening in this movie, and it is just such a deeply layered uh, puzzle. And and mm-hmm. it, and but the thing is, like you said, it's just visceral and aesthetically pleasing all the way. It's gorgeous, incredible soundtrack, incredible setting, 
Tilda Swinton playing like what, like three roles or something like that. Yeah. At least two that we know of. And three, no, definitely three. three. Yeah, three she yeah. was a uh, Marcus as well. Right, right. Yep. And then there's the three. Um, and then like the cool thing about those Tom York songs too, like there's three main ones with vocals, and they each kind of get to almost soundtrack like their own music video in a mm. way, you know. Mm. And like, mm-hmm. and uh, Guadagnino is a director, obviously, who's really who just so fucking brilliantly knows how to use music in his movies. Um, mm-hmm. What were you gonna say, Garrett? I don't even remember. It's all right. well, I'll say this. Yeah. One of the things that I think was most moving about it is we're all creative people. We're all writers. We're all musicians. We're all comedians. We're all, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm and, a comedian. Yeah. And, yeah. Who's go. the comedian? Ah. And um, What's the what deal I with like that? that? <laughs> what is the deal? Is it a church? Is it a dance school? I don't know. Airline um, food. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the idea that it speaks to the creative act as a form of witchcraft. Yeah. Because... Especially, uh, you know, we always said when when Trump came to power <laughs> that um, it's, it's gross. It's a weird He's thing king, to say. King Trump. But there was going to be a creative resistance to it in terms of just the art that we create. Yeah. And it's like, what is that draw? What is it that makes us want to cast these spells of creating a joke mm-hmm. that forces you to have a physical reaction? Um, what is it, you know, writing a piece that makes you feel something in your heart? You know, playing a song that makes someone cry. What is that witchcraft that causes that? And so, in a weird way, by making the the witches, you know, explicit at the outset as opposed to a mystery, yeah, it almost eliminates the evil of the idea of witchcraft and suggests, like, no, it's actually a good thing. Yeah, we all have the ability to create and have effects on others. But what we need to do now is not just recognize that we have that ability, but wondering what it is that we can do with that ability that's going to tap tap into everybody's abilities. Yeah, And it's such an oddly hopeful thing that came out of Suspiria, a movie that's, by the purest definition, fucked up. Yeah. I, I, it had to be on my list. I just couldn't... I could not. I, I think uh, you said it was uh, the Blade Runner 2049 of this year. It makes and, the original and, and movie feel, better. And I feel the same way. Right like, on. Like, it's, it's a... Bones it. Flavor town. <laughs> it, it's a It's a legacy sequel or remake or reboot or whatever you want to say that I just was like, my highest hopes for it were like that it would be interesting and, yeah. it, and it far surpassed that. And, um, yeah. and if you if you guys listening have not seen a bigger splash, I have uh, not you need to go yeah. back and fill in your. Luca I'm ready Guadagnino to do holes. anything that Luca Guacamole is <laughs> doing. All right, my number three. Speaking of, I'm not going to go where I was going to go, uh, but too late. All right, number three is Roma, which I think oh, maybe I have the not only peeped one. It yet. Yeah. I think I'm the only not one the hardest on the cut, yeah. but it was a cut. All right, cool. Just, <laughs> was uh, it, it was it was not a hard cut for me, but yeah. Well, I, just, I love that you're not I, into it, though. It's super cool. This movie's been going up and down my list in the extremes. Like, earlier today, it was at, like, my number 15. Yeah. And just even a reading about it, and I think I was listening to a podcast, and they were reviewing it. I was just like, Jesus Christ, that movie's incredible. What the yeah. fuck am I doing? Yeah. Boom, 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 number yeah. three. Like, yeah. it just kept on rising. So, yeah. And a while ago, I had it as my number one. So, I don't know. This... <laughs> it, it this movie um it's kind of all over the place for me but i i do i couldn't bear to like leave it off really because it is it's just so good um alfonso Cuarón. it's kind of like it's almost like a retrospective for him like there's little bits from all from a lot of his previous movies in this there's like uh i noticed a fair amount yeah, of children for, of men to tell you there's the definitely yeah. some children of men and the, there's a in great the big, gravity tag. yeah i know i know yeah there's a big children of men scene like reference in in the riot scene the student riots there's a there's a part where it's just 
there's like they're watching TV and it's like a couple astronauts are just there, so there's gravity. <laughs> okay. uh, there's, but the thing there's is, a the, scene... it's the way that the astronauts are shot is that yeah. it's like clear they're, they're being suspended yeah. in front of a bla- a background, and yeah. like that's essentially what he did. Only yeah, you know, with more technology. And there's yeah. uh, there's like a lot of scenes where they're swimming in in the ocean, like Itumama Tambien. Yeah. <sighs> that um, ocean scene is really yeah. like I know that was powerful. one that I came out of sweating and unable yeah. to breathe. Right, but yeah. but it's just uh, so it's about. It's a movie that's sort of semi-autobiographical about him coming of age in the 70s in Mexico City and his and it's kind of dedicated to like the woman who sort of helped raise him in like a tumultuous time in his life and uh, the, the the caretaker in this movie her name is I don't know what her name the is, name of the actress she was a is Elisa Aparicio and her her character's name is Cleo and she's like an indigenous woman from Mexico and she she definitely like is one of the performances of the year She's um, a nobody too. She was a preschool yeah, teacher. Yeah, yeah. She's she's a first time actress, and she she's incredible. Um, I would say like, you know, I I remember I read one of your reviews, Ryan, about it, talking about how like this main character is sort of like it's hard to get to know her. She's sort of unknowable, and and I kind of agree. But I feel like part of the interesting way is that in one of the interesting things about the movie is in the way that it unpacks that, and like if we don't know her that much, it's because she's like such a giver at her heart, like she. She prioritizes everybody first, but herself. Like she's, she, yeah, she's she stepping get a in. To she's like raising these kids while their mother is having like, you know, a, is going through serious grief over the fact that her husband is cheating on her and leaving the family. And like, but so I kind of appreciated that yeah. too. That it's like this movie could have very clearly just been like, how hard is it for this right. maid? But it actually showed like amongst all levels of you know just their privileges. Yeah. It was like. Yeah, everybody's struggling. There's, right. there's some kind of fight. And and in the culture too, like the you know, the Mexican culture is is one even though, you know, like it is for a lot of women especially, is all about, you know, tamping down your emotions and not mm. letting it show, not letting yourself appear weak. Put it into the you tacos. know, just kind of putting it in your you know, just swallowing things basically mm. and not not being vulnerable. So the fact that she has that one huge moment a vulnerability where she kind of gets a chance to sort of grieve towards the end of the movie, such a major breakthrough for her because uh, she is so used to putting everyone else. First. And I feel like, moment. and I feel like that's, that's the center of the movie for me. And it is just, it's uh so there's, there is that emotional through line in the film and, and that's powerful for sure. But, you know, I think primarily though, uh, you know, even as powerful as that, if not more powerful, it's just, I mean, this thing is a feast for the eyes, feast for the ears. Cinematography there, is every unreal. frame is just packed with unbelievable detail. It is, it is truly an astounding visual masterpiece. <clears throat> I think. Yeah, uh, <coughs> Jill said. <laughs> Jill, Jill said it best. Well, Jill said said it best where she was like, any frame of this movie you could like print out as a photograph and hang it on your wall, and it would yeah. be totally amazing. Um, for me, like I'm glad that it all worked for you. I just didn't feel that the movie was from yeah. any particular perspective other than like maybe the house, and yeah. so like I just felt a like, cold distance from everything that was happening. Uh, that's defensible. So, like, that's I'm, loud. I'm I'm thrilled that it worked for you on the level that it worked, but for me, it just didn't catch me on that level. So yeah. that's all. But that's it's all a beautiful. It's a it's a beautifully made movie, and on a technical level, it's amazing. But I just didn't connect on the emotional front the way I did with a lot of other movies this year. I feel I that. see that. So and that's on my list, but it's really good. Did not see it. So there you go. <laughs> but I, I just had to throw. I had to represent Roma. It was. I saw it on the big screen at the Philadelphia Film Center, 
during the uh, Philadelphia Film Festival, and it was I it, Ritz it was unfucking believable seeing it on that screen. The cinematography in that is really yeah. it, the thing that actually uh, enamored me most of that movie is that when it ended, I didn't feel as if I had just watched a movie. I just felt like I stepped into that life for a little yeah. bit, and as a fly on the wall, it it really worked. Yeah. What's your number three? So my number three is The Favorite by Yorgos Lanthimos. Yes. I'm uh, dying to see I fuck, this. I fucking love this movie. Um, so Duck like, races, motherfucker. What I, what I love about it is one of the things that I've learned, uh, primarily as an adult, but like I feel like I started to sort of glimpse this as like when I was in college, but it's only gotten more and more over the last few years, is that women live in a totally parallel but secret world from men. <laughs> uh, and like the rules are all different. The things that they are thinking about on a minute-to-minute yep. basis are different. And it's not like a men are like this and women are like this. No, like, it's, it's different. It's, it's parallel. Just, it's totally different. And it's, it's, it's a world I will never understand on that core fundamental level. Yeah. But this movie made me feel like I understood that it exists. Oh, I'm so happy this is, this <laughs> um, is on your list. I, I fucking love this movie. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Coleman to me, is the performance of the year. Hands uh, down. I would agree 150%. On an emotional level, on a comedic level, she is hitting every single moment. It's a physical Absolutely. performance. It's right. emotional. It's, it's so good. It's a big performance, but also a small performance. Yeah, it's like, not cartoony, even yeah. though like it could be. Right. It's, it, it's sometimes very broad. Because there are certain moments where she remembers, like, oh, yeah, I'm the fucking queen. I do what I want. <laughs> and she acts on it. And it's, it is, this movie is amazing on every level. Like, I enjoy costume dramas, but this is uh, operating on sort of another level because uh, Lanthimos purposely did not study the history. Right. Um, he did not write this movie. Yeah. And That's so he was like, I want to make a period movie, but not actually about history. Like, and right. so. You know, this infers some of the thing. Like, I don't know whether or not what happened in this movie is, you know, factually accurate, yeah. but mean, it doesn't matter because it is right. The people are real. Or I at love that the and design the, is so dense that you automatically expect it to be a comedy of manners, but nobody in the movie has any semblance of any fucking manners. <laughs> right? It's yeah. so good. <laughs> but that also makes it a comedy of manners yes. because it's yeah. playing on our expectations. It's a pretty uh, double feature with uh, Death of Stalin. Yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah. and. Um, the other thing I will say is that I love the way that this film is shot. Okay. Um, so like the dialogue is kind of modern. Yeah. Most of the time, the dancing. There's is a dance. There's a dance <laughs> sequence where they're doing modern dance in like ridiculous period outfits. Yeah. Um, but like this looks like no other period piece I've seen. Cool. So like they'll be walking down a hallway and they'll use like a wide fisheye lens. Yeah. So they're being distorted as oh, they walk by, yeah. and it's like. It feels revelatory in a yeah. way, and it feels like it's bringing. It does feel like it's bringing the sort of sort of like punk eye yeah. to a very like what is a very you know uh, stasis yeah. sort of yeah. genre. Still, yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you ever um, seen uh, Barry Lyndon? Uh, I have not, but so I bought the, the Criterion recently, right. so it'll that, it, it will be yeah, a that, when you file. see when you see Barry Lyndon. A lot of this, you'll love this. You'll love the favorite even more. See, I have also um, not yeah. seen Barry Lyndon, yeah. and I loved the favorite, but. I've only seen a handful of Lanthimos, and it was my least favorite that I've seen. But I'm also the outlier that I think Killing of a Sacred Deer is like the best he's I mean, ever done. I've so not like, seen that. that. Be, I, I love the it's lobster. A more abrasive. But for me, like I love the idea of him taking a more mainstream genre and making it his movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so for me, like that actually works on a different level because yeah. it's not like a Yorgos Lanthimos picture where like he's conceived it, whatever. He did not write this movie. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so the fact that he's approaching this genre with his unique vision, yeah. I actually think makes it stronger. Oh yeah, in my and opinion, I think that makes him a parallel to Kubrick. If you're going to bring Barry Lyndon into it, is because Kubrick often worked outside of his own scripts, right? But brought this flavor to it that could only you couldn't divorce it yeah. from him. So the performances are incredible. I laughed a lot through this movie. There's also some really horrific, fucked up things in this movie. There's a lot of empathy so for the characters. The movie. A lot yeah, of sex. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like. Uh, on every single level, like watching this movie was just a total joy. Yeah. Um, side note, Jill uh, just watched this movie as we've been recording. Oh, yes. uh, so she texted me her reaction to it, which I just want to read to you guys. Please. Well, obviously, I loved it. And I knew she would, uh, but I'm yeah. so glad that she saw it. And I hope to see it again very, very soon because. Yeah. That's one worth seeing on the big screen, uh, yeah. even and if just because of the fisheye lens. Yeah. We were talking, uh, when we were at the festival, Dan, mm. you were sitting next to me. And there's one of the fisheye lens shots. I was just like, ooh, like out loud. <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> um, and like, I don't verbally react to specific yeah. shots in a movie yeah. all that often. Yeah. Uh, but this is like the exception that sort of proves the rule. Yeah. And all the performances are great. I've been a Rachel Weisz fan uh, oh, since her. The Mummy. And she yeah. is incredible in this. Also, if... I don't normally get like emotional about the Oscars. I'm more sort of interested in them as to how, like how they play out. Yeah. But like Olivia Coleman needs to win Best Actress, and this here, movie here. needs to win Best Costumes because these yeah. costumes oh, are yeah. sexy oh, as the fuck. Design is <laughs> insane. Like they're amazing, and just like the coats and like yeah. the pants sometimes, and like what those costumes represent, what those characters are feeling in yeah, every yeah. scene is there. But it's yeah. like. It's subtle in that way where it's not it's like not drawing attention to like you're looking at it as like this costume is amazing, but it's not drawing attention to itself as design. Yeah. But if you think about it as design, it totally works. Yeah. Well, I did think you see the handmaiden? Oh, yeah. I, uh, it felt very similar. Yes, I did see the handmaiden. I like that every, movie a lot. Like inch of the screen, you're like, My God, they they really put thought into just that little inch. You know, it's yeah. dense without being showy. It's right. so good. Uh, the handmaiden is a movie I watched at home and yeah, like, yeah. wished I had seen it on the big screen. Same. And this one was, I'm glad I saw it in the big screen. I wish The Handmaiden had a fisheye lens just so I could supernaturally see more of what was going on <laughs> yeah. in, the, in Fuck the scene. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that it will get a lot of Oscar nominations, which is hilarious so. because it's a really fucking weird movie. Like, it's so good, like, it is And that's a the thing, very the Coleman much, performance that we yeah. love is very strange. It's very yeah. strange, but like, but... Hands is down, everybody in this movie. So true. Yeah. yeah. In that performance. Oh, like, for sure. You know, she's a person that, like, she had 17, like, miscarriages or stillbirths. Whoa. Which she has is all those fucking crazy. Right, because she's the queen. And yeah. she, her job as the queen, in part, is yeah. to produce a male heir. Right. And so she had to be put through all of this very physical yeah. and very emotional trauma. And all of that is, like, baked into the movie. Like, yeah. there's not, like, a huge scene about it, but it's just very much, like, within the understanding of how this world works because she is the queen. And on top of that, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, this there's movie, people like, all uh, around her trying to, like, grab at, like, whatever yeah. power they can maneuver. Nicholas Holt in this movie. He's so great. He's so I, good. I like His him. costume And he is, is fucking despicable. Yeah. 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 It's great. I love this movie. He gets, with, he gets uh, like, so a frequently, like, uh, increasing levels of just desserts, though. Yes. Anytime he tries to come, uh, also, you know, against one of the leading ladies. Speaking of come, this has an amazing <laughs> hand job scene. It does. Where, like, Emma Stone is giving... <laughs> his character a hand and she's just so all she's thinking about is her like next three like moves on this political chessboard and yeah. she's just off to the side like jerking him off yeah. in the background but she's just like you can see on her face that she's just like not 
totally checked out of this moment. Uh-huh. And she's just like, all right, hurry up because I have other things I need to do right now. Cool. But I realized that I'm supposed to do this, so like, let's get it over. I'm with. pulling up in my, in my review of the favorite. <laughs> there's a great quote that made me laugh out loud. Oh, I think I know what it and is. And it's um when when uh Abigail has a a suitor come in and he's yes, dressed as an I, English pop, and she goes, "Are you here to seduce me yes. or rape me?" And he goes, "I am a gentleman." And she goes, "So rape then?" <laughs> I, I was I was and thinking it's that's so it. funny, but, but again, it's played. Yes. It's deadpan too, yeah, so and that, I think so that's what precedes funny. the handjob scene. Yes, yeah, it which does. is so good. It, it's great. Rachel Vice has the great, great joke: "The if you don't leave, I'm going to start kicking you, and I'm not going to stop," <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, there's so much. Uh, everything, that, like every scene of this movie, is pretty much perfect at what it's trying to do. It's got it's a it's like a Trojan horse of a period piece because yeah. like yeah. I'm typically pretty allergic to like old English, like 17th, 16th century movies about like english monarchy like i'm just like i'm just like i don't know what they're talking about i don't know what they're saying i don't know how things are organized i can't relate this bores me to tears but like so this movie was like perfect for me because it just it's just it, also it just doesn't give a fuck about any of that there stuff. is a duck named horatio oh he's so cute <laughs> what is that thing that nicholas um, holt says like must we must we must we have the duck or something yeah. like that? I don't know. That's a great part. Uh, yeah, duck races, y'all. Everything in this movie is just amazing, and it's one of those like I, I saw it once at the festival, and I've literally thought about it almost every day since I've seen it. Nice. So. I'm very looking forward to seeing it. I like can't wait. Great. Uh, my number three. Uh, we already talked about Carlos Lopez Estrada's Blind Spotting, which great. I uh, just thought was incredible. That was like the big list shaker that I caught at the end yeah. of the year that I was like, oh, this fucking rules. I like love everything about this. Uh, the central performances are like really great. I yeah. think it's, uh, I don't know, one of, one of the best independent films of this year for sure. Boom. Yeah. I'm with you. Hard cut. Yeah. Might, might Boom Tomahawk. Yeah, Boom yeah. Tomahawk. What are we at? Two now? Two. Yeah. Oh, my two. We've talked it to death. It's been on every single one of our lists. Uh, there's no denying that Annihilation was a game changer. Uh, wah, yes. wah, wah, wah. Oh, I love it's that it made all of our lists. Every way. Yeah. I think it's the only one. It's such a, yeah. a broadly appealing movie that no so matter far. what you're bringing to it, I think it's going to give you something. I was at a Christmas party last night, and one of the people there was talking about how they hated it. They were like, what was that Natalie Portman movie with like the rainbow unicorn? Did you throw like, a drink in their face? Because you should have. No, no, but I explained. I, I wanted to. Okay. But he was the host. Um, I uh, Fair. Yeah, I was thinking my favorite rules. I had to keep everything, you know, Victorian. Yeah. But no, I, and I explained what my read on it was, and he said, I would really like to watch that again. And I think that that is not a testament to what I explained to him. I think it's a testament to the ambiguity and purposeful crypticness of the movie, but the the inviting nature of it that you can bring something to it that that yeah. you can get out of it, and you know that that lines up with the themes, it lines up with the literal plot of the movie. Annihilation rules. That's the best. It's smart sci-fi it's so that everyone who saw it, whether they liked it or not, felt it, and that's real cool. So that's my number two. Annihilation is. We're gonna look back on it in a decade, and that's gonna be the movie to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one that made all of our lists. Yep. Yeah, yeah I think it's the only one I so think far. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It probably will still be that. And I, you know, I think honestly, so. I think that every list that I have seen that I've read in preparation for this episode has annihilation on it. Yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember, and, and also just so many moments that are so memorable, like 
just the part when Jennifer Jason Lee just says annihilation. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, which or, if you've read the book has a different flavor to it. What annihilation does. triggers, and then the music that that gets cued in yeah. after that happens. The yes. book is fucking weird. That is a weird. Yeah. I read the whole trilogy now. I need to finish the last two parts. They're before. worth reading. It's uh, you know they're all quick and easy, but it's very much a tone thing. You're not there to find out literal plot. You're there to kind of swim around in the weird world. It's, it's all great. about the mind, the first one at least. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like the, the second and third have more plot, but their interests are more about like mining into your brain. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, my number two is yeah. Leave No Trace. Um, oh, right. Nice. Hell it yeah. was number one for a while, but it, it got bumped down to the last minute. Um hardest yeah. cut I had to make. Just just great fucking movie. Um I watched it the, on the same night, this is the first night of Spring Fest was I saw Leave No Trace and then I saw Blind Spotting. So oh, nice. it was a pretty amazing yeah. little feature. But but yeah, Leave No Trace is just I it, it made me cry, it made me shake, it it really shattered my soul in like a good way. And I wasn't expecting that at all. So I loved it. Get the director more movies. Yeah. All Give right. her the budget she wants. What's your number two, Ryan? So my number two is Paul King's Paddington 2. Oh, <laughs> I forgot no about this. Um, I actually didn't see it. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. because I know you guys haven't seen it, I'm going to monologue I've a little seen bit. It. Um, but yeah, I will explain it. it exactly why it deserves a spot on my list. So first, I need to brag a little. I was a fan of the first Paddington. I know that like David Ehrlich and some other people have been all in on Paddington 2. The first Paddington was on my top 10 list in 2015. <laughs> um I think I remember that. Yeah. So I was already on board for the sequel, but Paddington 2 not only surpasses the first film, but underlines the core, me- the core message, uh, which is about a clumsy, marmalade-obsessed Peruvian bear in a way that is so important to the times we live in. Um, so that message is, if you're kind and polite, the world will be right. Um, and nice rhymes. And it, Yo, and how good is marmalade? Have you right. had it? Ew, it's no, so good. Um, what? No. Get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. And it's not. It's not. It's, an, okay. it's not necessarily an, an obvious or simplistic message. Um, because what could be more important than treating other people with niceness and respect? Absolutely nothing. Uh, the film feels like a pointed reaction, not just to Brexit or Trump, uh, but to the national moons that spawn them. So it's important to his character that Paddington is an immigrant taken in by a posh British family, um, which is an homage to children who are forced to evacuate London during the Second World War. So, like, Paddington has a political angle. Right, was, like, that was the whole point of the Right, so it's, right? like, baked into the premise that this is actually a political movie. Right. Um, I tried to make time for them both this week, and I couldn't pull it off. They're so good. But, like, Message Alone does not make it great. Um, so the plot of this one is that Paddington is trying to find his a present for his aunt Lucy, who is now a resident of the home for retired bears. Um, <laughs> so, which, which is where we're all going one day. And um, he's he's trying to like earn money to buy this like really cool pop up book about London because she always wanted to go to London, but she got old and, because she was raising him and not able to go. Um, oh my and God, that's so fucking sweet, right? <laughs> and, and then the book is stolen by a washed-up actor named Phoenix Hugh Grant. Buchanan, oh, what Hugh a jerk! And Hugh Grant—he's basically amazing. playing himself. It's and he, so good, he's amazing. In does this he movie. stumble over his words? He like, does I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, constantly. Good? Yes, <laughs> uh, he plays a, a hot nun at one point. Oh, for <laughs> um, and so like Paddington is framed for the crime. He ends up in jail. What? And then while in prison, he meets the grouchy cook called Knuckles, played oh. by Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> he's so good. Uh, and then he turns the entire prison morale around it because he's just compassionate and he cares about them. So he he's like complaining about the food and he's like, no, but I'll help out and I'll like teach you my marmalade recipe and everything will be amazing. And then all of a sudden all the prisoners are doing like song and dance routines <laughs> and they're like helping him escape because they love him so much. Um, yeah. 
I and really then, wish like, I had time. And for Brendan this. Gleason is squeezing entire uh, huge oranges just with like one squeeze of his fist and getting the marmalade out that way. <laughs> and Hugh Grant is amazing in this movie. Like he, so he's playing an actor, and the actor like plays. He takes on different costumes, and he just is having a blast with it. And he has that incredible finale. Um, right. And then, so, uh, I so, really wish I saw this before I made my list. You're beyond, really selling me so hard. I know. Beyond I all that, I love the whole idea that being polite is a good thing, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> so it good. goes. It's um, so good. Like it provides moral guidance for both children and adults, and a stark reminder of the importance of compassion, as well as an active light against the darkness of our times. It's a feel-good movie because it doesn't ignore the issues, but it teaches us how to deal with them. Uh, yeah, like Suspiria, so, right? And like, <laughs> and on that level, like, it's not accident that like Paddington's like he like everyone on the block except one person loves him. They're all like, you know, immigrants. They're elderly. They're prisoners. They're outcasts. Like Paddington, in essentially, is Jesus in that he is preaching to the least among us, and like that feels very purposeful in this movie. So like the family that he lives with, the Browns. Um, and like every Hugh Bonneville is a great performance. Sally Field is a great performance. Um, Sally Hawkins. Sally Field. Oh, Sally Hawkins. I Sorry. Wish I Sally Field was yeah. in this. Um, <laughs> you like Sally me. Hawkins is you amazing. Really though. like me. Um, Sally Field. But uh, like you know, it's um, <laughs> so the you know Paddington's the dad of Paddington's family says Paddington. like um, you know Paddington looks for the good in all of us and somehow he finds it and like. That like what could be more important right now? Yeah, yeah, you know, true. and the fact that like it's an in- entertaining movie with like the finale is like this amazing train action sequence where they're like there's like yeah. extendable it's like ladders. The end of Mission Impossible. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's absolutely great and yeah. it's absolutely feel good, but also like it is an important message for yeah. our time and like yeah. you know that's does that's any, why it's does anyone two. here have a Paddington Bear doll? Uh, I may or may not have. We, yeah, we I may or may not have storybooks. I do. Yeah, I definitely do have Paddington uh, books. I think we do. I, I have one. I have a corduroy jacket fun. that frequently has been referred to as a Paddington Bear jacket. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. But that's all I got. Uh, I really it's a really good movie. Yeah. I really but do. But yeah, so it. like, it, you know, I'm not putting in on this list for like nostalgia reasons. Like, it, this really is a franchise that has like just hit my heart because I feel like this message is the most important message yeah. given everything that's going and on in the, the world. Uh, the director did uh, the Mighty Boosh for a while, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so so, so yeah. now so it has a lot of that like kind of weird. Does Paddington uh, have a humor. mangina? Uh, no, there's no there's no old Greg in it. Although okay. that guy now hosts the Great British Bake Off, which is pretty. Hilarious. Oh, oh that's hilarious! Uh, he hosts that. that? What's uh, Noel Fielding. Noel Fielding yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, and uh, Ben Wishaw voices Paddington. Okay, uh, I love him. Yeah. he's so it, polite. He's and he's perfect. He's perfect for all. Um, there's a lot of like ex Harry Potter Eric actors that fill yeah. in the background, like. But really, to me, it's it's the combination of being a like super entertaining movie that I think both appeals to kids and adults, yeah. and also having a message that could not be more important, just about decency yeah. and like thinking about other people and just you it's know like being nice. It's like the Pixar movie that they haven't made in a while. Yeah, like you know since like Inside Out. So yeah. there you go, so, Paddington cool. Two. Uh, my number two is Paul Schrader's First Reform. Oh, man. No lie. <laughs> this was, like, such a painful cut. Right? Because this movie rules. This movie, yeah. uh, this is the movie it's that It's in I've, my top 15. So this is 10th repeated for this now. This is actually, yeah. in my, this, <laughs> is my, this is my number 12. 
This, this is the movie that like sat with me all year. I just yeah, man. think about this movie all the time. Is that because of the Pepto and whiskey effect on you? Uh, or? Partially because I had to drink two of those to get a goddamn sweatshirt because my camera cut out. But on you my got first a attempt. goddamn sweatshirt. I did get a goddamn I sweatshirt. The juice from a vegetable chorizo substitute on my sweater, and like I haven't worn it anymore because oh, no. I can't get the stain out. Oh no, it's so heartbreaking. But it's like kind of fucking perfect. Yeah, it's whatever. A twenty four. If you'd like to sponsor this podcast, you can reach out to yes, I like please. Movie, movie. I uh, we it's do the love the numeric two movies, yeah. <laughs> uh, just like your numeric two, a twenty four. Hey, synergy. I, yeah, th- this movie is like. Uh, I I gargled. <laughs> sorry, uh, th- th- this movie is like a. It's like one of the first movies I've seen that actually like really does try to reckon with the idea of like environmental yeah. death. Uh, an environmental it's like we we have had movies about environmental apocalypse but this is like the first one that I think reckons with just the the emotional yeah exactly the emotional reality of of knowing that that's like our future or 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 at least believing that's our future Uh, I also think like it didn't occur to me I was talking with a friend of the show Madeline Kessner about this movie she really loves this movie and this didn't occur to me until she said it uh, that like this is a guy that he's a priest and one of the things that you can't do in the priesthood is kill yourself because it's a moral sin. But he clearly wants to die. Yeah, this is a man that wants to die. Well, he's but killing is, himself in a slow way. Right? Well, he's killing himself in a way that he thinks he can't be blamed for. Yeah, he's like he wants to die. Yeah. He's doing things that will lead to him dying because he wants to die. But he's doing things that he thinks don't count as suicide, basically. Do you know what I'm saying? Think it's, yeah. it's layered against that whole well, he's, environmental he's, he's, thing. He's, well, and that's in the environmental life. thing. I think what what every I mean the the big concern at the heart of all belief systems is how do we deal with entropy? The whole idea yeah. is that everything falls apart. That's just a fact. Yeah. And so we're now coming against the idea that it's like we're actually incre- like our mere existence is causing an acceleration of that. Mm-hmm. And so his addiction sort of runs parallel to that yeah. where it's like, I know that I'm going to die anyway and it's a sin to kill myself, but I can do what we naturally do and accelerate the process. Yeah. And there in comes his drink. Well, and I think the other thing is it's like one of the things that you can do in Catholicism is martyr. That's a way to die. Yeah. Yeah. That's a way to die without uh, consequence, uh, without the consequence of, of a comes, mortal sin. He comes really close. He finds a cause right. for which to be a martyr. Right. And I think oh, one of the I never things... I thought about that way. Brilliant. Yeah, I didn't Brilliant. think about this until Madeline yeah. started talking to me about it. And I was like, that's a fascinating way to look at this movie. This is a guy that has a death wish, wants to die. Although they're not Catholic, though, right? He's First reformed. Here, it's yeah, a just a weird people. fucking sex of Christian yeah, it's, shit. Uh, yeah. It's a Church weird sex of Latter Day uh, yeah, 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 Church of Latter Day yeah. Cedric it's, the Entertainer. Yeah, it's gotcha. one of the many yeah. variations gotcha. of exactly Boom. this. Go for it. Go Some for Jesus uh, Church. Yeah. But the one way he could die, he has a right. death wish, and the one way he could die is if he were a martyr. Right. And so he just gets handed a reason to martyr himself. Oh, man. Which is very interesting to think about because it's, like, one of the first movies, I think, that, like, does deal with environmental apocalypse in, like, a very real way. It, like, what are we actually doing about that and how do we feel about that and how does that affect us? Yeah. While simultaneously giving us a story about a guy that, like, almost just uses it as an excuse to do a thing he's been trying to do anyway. Mm, You know what I mean? But in the process... At least if I remember correctly. I've comes to actually twice, care about it. Comes to realize that he's more useful as a living agent yes. of serving yes. this cause yeah. as opposed to just dying in the name and, of and, it. And through, like, I, I know this is, like, a fucking really cheesy thing, but it was one of the things that, like, really rocked me about this movie when I saw it in theater is, like, 
basically just through like realizing like oh there are things that are worth being here for mm-hmm. the, like he ultimately discovers that right. like there are things worth being here for and if i'm if i think that's true and i'm going to be here i can be as opposed to being a martyr for this thing yeah i can help keep the lights i can on. be a mouth a mouthpiece for this thing mm-hmm. although yeah. it depends on how you read the ending absolutely I guess, right? you but know, i about... that actually i thought that was super weird that when that movie came out the only thing anybody wanted to talk about was like the ending is it real or is it not right, we need right. to talk about the ending i was like yeah it's almost irrelevant that did not matter yeah, to me it doesn't at really matter. all yeah. Yeah. that movie is about so many things other than its ending that well, uh, that the ending... ending is one possible path right that's yeah, all it yeah, is yeah, and and, yeah. and i and Definitely, they go into that whole last temptation of Christ thing. Yeah, uh, there, yes. you know, like like the what would have happened if Jesus had had you know just hung out you know had had uh, you know been with Mary Magdalene right, instead yeah. of martyring himself. Yes, you know that's that's what that whole ending is about. And I don't know what would have happened. That's definitely a good read on it. But but I also like you guys. You were talking about maybe burning before. Uh, like I took that ending very literally. I, feel the same I, way. I just it works better for me. It literally. didn't even occur to me that it might not be like it a real sense. thing that was well, happening. We've I, often talked about too, and this is where first reform really resonated with me is the idea of like, and, and we've we've had conversations about how oftentimes you'll see people will will really really gun for that catharsis as opposed to to doing the work to to fix the problem. Yes, and martyrdom comes at the price of the. I mean, that is that catharsis yes. where it's like I'll die in the name of the cause. Yep. Well, did you help? It doesn't matter. I'll be dead at that yeah, point. Yeah. But I did it in the name of the cause. Yeah, and yeah. it's like we watch this guy learning that that impetus is altruistic, but there's more value in finding the love and doing the work. Yeah. And and at least that's how I, I would like to read that. And yes. I think in, if we look at Paul Schrader's career and something a little more nihilistic like Taxi Driver and a little more fatalistic where that movie's just on loop. Yeah. You know, I like to think that as an older man, he has found some sort of hope. I would hope so. Well, I yeah. think what's well, interesting... If he made this movie, he must have some hope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of to make a movie, really, you yeah. have to have some hope. Well, a lot of the, a yeah, lot of people true. have paralleled those two movies, Taxi Driver and First Reformed, yeah, and, and I think rightfully so. I think there's a lot in common with their I protagonists. I think the difference is, though, is that First Reformed can't perform that loop where right where it ends, you could start the movie over again. Well, and I think with Taxi Driver, that's like a... He's like 25 years old when he writes that movie. Yeah, that's yeah. like a young man who's angry at the world, writing... And has so much coke. And like, write, so much coke. But like writing from a very angry perspective about the world and now you have an old man who is revisiting a similar protagonist and finds out that like with age actually comes very little wisdom there's not that yeah. much comfort or it's possible well, like like what this this movie asked a very to me like a scary question of like what would it be like if you started to despair about the state of the world and you couldn't stop that's what i mean you know? and, and 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 he everything like like his perspective is is the grounded is more grounded in reality than anyone around him and that's the scary thing is like you know there's this a lot of you know perspective like people who have major depression you know and who are are depressive in general have a more realistic outlook of the world Mm -hmm. and and life itself than people who are quote-unquote happy yeah but also a a, a fatalistic one too and i I think that's like a lot of it's an interesting thing to think about those two movies in parallel because i think this one is by the same older man who's like oh actually it's not that it's hopeless but it's that there it there is really no wisdom that comes with age 
And so you end up just in the situation of like, I have to make my own hope. And I, I have too, to make my own future. That's the ultimate wisdom is <laughs> yes, recognizing right. that everybody's winging well, it. Right, exactly. And that wisdom is yeah. something that you obtain through experience, and it's always going to be one step too And much. so I have yeah. to make my own future right. in yeah. order to and like... That, and that ties back into eighth grade. It's the same yeah. lesson where it's like, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Right. Everyone's making it up. Everyone's posturing. Everyone's trying to be the person that they think they need to be. Yeah. And so, like, it, it's that same thematic level where it's like it doesn't really matter in the end. And, like, that's the big thing that I've learned being an adult is that all adults are making it up as they go yeah. along. Yeah. No one has this grand right. and, plan and he, that they're executing. Like, everyone's just kind of winging it. And he has that wisdom. But, like, I like I would say he does have a lot of wisdom. But what would it be like if you just let go of all of it? You know, like, mm-hmm. there's there's this part where he said something about you know the power of prayer like like there's an emptiness that can only be filled with the power of prayer and what is the power of prayer other than an intentional like self delusion yeah. you know what i mean that is basically meant to but propel also like you a powerful willing along, like a you're powerful, willing a something. willingness or you know willingness or delusion you know something to kind of push to keep you alive something mm. to keep you going we stave off the idea of entropy yeah. We know that our fate is ultimately to fall apart, and that trickles down from the purest in that we all die, and in that anything that is built falls apart, you know, even down on an atomic level. And that is even where down religion... to like our society itself, which exactly, is, you know, and that's where about. I think religion comes from is that since that is an unanswerable question, it allows us a palette of potential answers. And I think that's what he's he's dealing with is the fact that his answers are only so good. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's re- yeah. you right. cannot actually answer the right. question. Yeah, you can come to a point where your faith can take you so far, but if you don't actually believe in that final last inch of that leap of faith, then you're just as lost as anybody else because we don't know what's yeah. across that bridge. Yeah. And if you guys have never seen Winter Light, the Ingmar Bergman film, that it's kind of like inspired by. That's another good one because it's the same plot. Like it came out in the early '60s where a man is so terrified about the threat of nuclear annihilation and the priest is like, well, buddy, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it might happen, you know, yeah. uh, three Hail Marys, yeah. 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 maybe four, yeah. maybe five, three Hail Marys and, and, and an Father. And it's the, so it's the same basic plot. That like, should do it. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do. Yeah. So two good things to wrap this up. Yeah. One, I think the form of this movie is very interesting. I don't know how much I like it, dislike it, whatever, but it's the first time I've ever seen this. It's shot as if it's a 16 millimeter film, yeah. but right. digitally. That square? Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. And I I, I, I I definitely like the experience of watching it in theaters, but it is an, uh, it's odd to see a crisp digital image in that I remember waiting for it to expand yeah. like at a certain scene that reveal opening, and the then it never did yeah. and it wow. took yeah and I think it's a great artistic choice but I also you know I, I feel like it's going to take viewings and years to figure out like really how I feel about what that actually looks like I just kind of read it as like it's supposed to be restrictive yeah oh it's yeah it's supposed to make it feel like this is a guy who has more than what his world allows him he's thinking about yeah. more than what his world allows him to explore and he wants to do that but he can only do it in the confines of the structure that is built around. Uh, it. I think he, it's he's an, boxed in. Yeah, he's boxed in. I, I think it's an excellent creative choice that works for this movie. But I like uh, what I mean is more just like as an exercise. Like, do we like movies that look like sixteen millimeter movies but are shot digitally? I I don't know. I I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that I think part of it. It's like anything it, else. I, if it's applied properly, yeah. which I think here it was, yeah. it will. But if it's applied improperly, it can definitely read as an extremely gaudy novelty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't here, and that's right. a testament yeah. to the strength yeah. of the film. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not ready to like make uh, uh know how I feel about that part of it. I just uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm interested that that was like the format that he chose. I it was a choice. Yeah, it was yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
definitely a choice. It's very that interesting. Was a choice. Uh, and I just, it was the one movie that I walked out of and had like a 25 minute conversation with a stranger about this year. Nice. Uh, which awesome. I think is like a nice indication of something that is uh, very valuable and, yo, and worthwhile. Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, he's great. Puts nice. on like a really, really like, pretty yeah. notable performance. Yeah, he's great. What's your number one, Dan? Vox Son. Lux. Vox Lux. Wow. wow. Holy shit. Vox Holy, Lux. That surprises me. I, I, it surprised wow. me too because I went into that movie knowing exactly what to expect and it threw me completely for a loop and i have i've almost gone back to see it a couple times now i haven't had the time i've been searching for even a cam screener online i've listened to the soundtrack like 20 times it's so good that tweet that i read earlier really does speak to why i like it i like that aggressive uh like classy pulpiness of paul thomas anderson and i feel that here i feel a young angry hungry filmmaker who suddenly just stumbled across all of the tools to make a film that could have gone Oscar Beatty, could have gone pulpy, and he found this middle line that is just totally my flavor. The score works. The just the I don't even know what it's trying to say yet. I, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't finished You're still, like wrestling about it. with it. Yeah, it, it's just. But I love that it's trying to say it. I love that it is digging into this idea that that we will entertain ourselves to exhaustion, and the battery that powers that is almost universally a person, a real flesh and blood person who we will suck dry just so that we can feel good for a little bit. And and even the uh, Celeste says the reason she wants to make this music is to make people feel good. And she, you know, we talked a little bit about it earlier. She almost sells her soul to the devil to do so. Does that make her good? Does that make her bad? I don't know. And I don't know what the movie's trying to say about it, but I just know that it was a movie that, that, that's another I mean, thing that within you can either take minutes. literally or not. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And like, like it, it just <laughs> ten minutes into it, I couldn't believe that. This remember when I was freaking out because I didn't know if I wanted to go to the the work holiday party. Yeah, I did this instead, and within the first ten minutes, I was immediately vindicated for doing so. And I just I haven't been able to shake it. I don't care for pop music, and I have listened to this album over and over and over again because it allows me to picture the movie. It allows me to to just think about it and what it means. And like I said, I still haven't gotten there, but it is so my flavor. It is so entertaining. It's fucked up and salacious. It's pop tardy at times. Yeah. It is cold and and just like gray civic architecture at yeah. times. But there's this propulsive score. There's narration that's meant to feel exploitative and see and TMZ style. And and it's all around these performances that are all big. Um, there's a moment where at the memoriam service for all of the people that died in this tragedy that inspires Celeste to write her song, where as she's performing it and she's this scared little girl, there's fat, disgusting, sweaty, tracksuit-wearing Jude Law sees her and is like, I'm going to build a goddess out of this. I'm going to build something huge out of this tragedy. And he builds it and, and destroys it. And it, I, like, I don't know, but the big final set piece is this incredible concert that's so yeah. entertaining. It's really I, I entertaining. don't know where it is. I, I don't know what it's trying to say, but I just it's been it's been a while since I left a theater and just haven't shaken a movie to the degree that I haven't shaken this. Vox Lux is absolutely incredible. It's a masterpiece, it's the best movie of the year. I, I mean that cool. so much. That's awesome. Vox Lux I loved. Yeah. Love, 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 loved. I'm, I'm looking forward it. to seeing it. And yeah. here's the thing: if someone if someone dislikes it, I get it. If someone hates a lot it, of I'm people gonna, do, come at, which is pretty cool. I think it's valid though because yeah. the it's it's not trying to please you. Yeah, it's, it's not, not trying to entertain you. It's trying <laughs> to just get at you. 
And this is the kind of movie that when it's trying to be abrasive, my tastes allow me to dance with the tiger rather than fight the tiger. Yeah. And I just loved it. So there was there was a funny tweet I saw that described the movie. It was like, I just got out of Vox Lux with a theater full of like old people who who were who were watching Lars von Trier's Elephant Part Two, yeah. waiting for the Star Is Born to begin. You it, know, it really is. It's all of those things, <laughs> and, and it is, it is, but it never really turns into. I mean, it is a Star Is Born, but it's the a lot of people have said like it's the anti Star Is Born, and uh, and it's a much like we said earlier, it's a much more accurate description. And of the I pop think it machine. actually compliments someone yeah. like Lady Gaga. Yeah. I think it shows how strong and and genuine of a person someone like Lady Gaga can be. Yeah. Um, despite being almost you know molded into a product as opposed to yeah. a person. I loved it. I thought it was great. Absolutely loved it. It's just the best. I I don't know what else to say. My number one is Suspiria. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Mentioned, speaking of last year, Blade Runner 2049 was my number one. I'm so glad so this is your th- one. This is my Blade Runner 2049 of this year. This is my number one. Um, Yeah, I just, I just like two and a half hours flew by. It just, it blew me away. I, I don't even really know. There's so many things that it's about. I, once again, it, it kind of goes beyond uh, words for me. But I just thought, um, I think as a Jewish person too, uh, the movie really hits home as just, you know, as, as Jewish people, we we think a lot of you know, the Holocaust is just embedded in our psyche. Um, it's just part of our like traumatic generational legacies. I read actually acquired. a study recently that talked about specifically in generational, you know, Jewish. There, there's a physical result of the trauma of the yeah. Holocaust. I mean, it, that it's becomes hard coded in the genes. It's there. I mean, my you know, I had a uh, you know, my great grandmother, you know, had a sister who stayed behind. And, you know, she just disappeared. So, like, the likelihood is her family, uh, you know, like, her and her family were probably just killed and buried in a ditch somewhere in Eastern Europe, you know. So, it's just, like, that's just part of the the Jewish legacy. Uh, the, that's part of growing up Jewish is just inheriting that tr- that generational trauma. And so, I feel like that... We got the Friars Club. <laughs> Wait, what? The Friars Club? Friars Club. I don't know what that means. But... Fair enough. Anyway, so... But I feel like any of you, maybe Ryan, you can connect with that. But it's just I, I can, you know, yeah, it's, it's I get, big. It's I get big. on that level. It's big, and and I feel like that's probably why the movie. One of the reasons why the movie impacts me in a way that is hard to describe because with trauma, you know, is not associated with words; it's associated with feelings, and and, and so yeah. So the movie really fucked me up like that. <laughs> so so I loved it. Number I'm one. So glad Suspiria. you did. I'm so glad that that's your number one. Yeah. Like... Oh, and by the way, last year Luca Guadagnino. Um. So I decided retrospectively. My favorite movie last year was Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, um, I saw your tweet and, about yeah, that, and then yeah. I went through like the first couple of years that you mentioned, and I was like, "No, my number ones are pretty much it's just yeah, the yeah. same." Oh, so right, like, yeah. I, I like I, only a few were different, and then I was like, "No, I'm good." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so Call Me By so the fact that Guadagnino has my favorite movie of the year two years in a row means that in my mind he's like, he's like this generation's new just. Can't miss no fail director. He's, oh, I'm definitely he's great. Master. I have to see he's, a bigger splash. He's a fucking master. Luke Guacamole. <laughs> I'll about, take another. What dip. about you, Ryan? So my number one. Tell me something, boy. No, fuck you. No, it's not. Aren't you trying to fill that void? No, no. It's or not. do you need more? Ain't it hard keeping so hardcore? Tom Cruise and motherfucking Mission Impossible Fallout, motherfuckers. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. He Ugh. is the most hardcore. I, I was, was like, it's not a star is born. <laughs> I was Shut ready to leave. <laughs> I was literally ready to just fucking leave. I was just cussing you out. Um, yeah. 
Good. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout is a movie I love with every molecule that lives inside my body. Uh, every Satan has I, been purged. I, it's pure. Like you said, it's so it pure. is pure. I feel pure from watching it. And Mission Impossible Fallout, in the most succinct way, is the reason I go to movies. Yeah, man. I go to yeah, be man. awed. I go to be astounded. I felt emotions while watching it. It's just it had you everything that I could ever want in a movie, show. all in one. And yeah, so that's it. That's my number one of the year. It has Dude, been since it came out. Yeah. And I love that it's your number yeah, one. That's amazing. Me too. Because you're you're actually correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I right. am correct. <laughs> you're right. This is a factual statement. <laughs> that's yeah. true. It is the most movie, therefore the best movie. It, it's so pure. It really is. Right. It just wants to make me happy to watch it. Right. And I and I'm it, here. And on top of that, it does all the other things I want from a movie. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I connect with the characters. I feel for them. I understand what they're going through. Like, it's it hits all of those notes. And on top of that, it just wants to wow me with how insane it's it is. It's insane. It is. Those and, like, it's my favorite franchise. Insane. And, like, Ghost Protocol is probably still my favorite movie in that franchise. I'm with you. It has my heart. But this is, like, just, it's, I don't know how they're going to make a sequel to this movie. Because be crazy. it is. It it feels like a natural endpoint because where do you go from here? They gotta send in the fucking space. I mean, like yeah. <laughs> that's the only like that's how Tom that's Cruise how, would go right, and that's how big and crazy and just everything that this movie is like. Watching, I watched all the other Mission Impossible missions impossible <laughs> uh, up, up to this, and like, like when, <laughs> when this came out, general. exactly. Um, and like it fulfills the promise of every single like it takes all of those directors you know it takes Ang Lee yeah. and Brian yeah. De Palma and and, Bri- and Brad Bird it, it takes yeah. them all and just synthesizes it and is the most Mission Impossible it it works on you know bringing everything back from the franchise it has action scenes that like I still don't believe that they actually did even though yeah. I know that they did them. Yeah, yeah. Those halo jumps. Those halo jumps are fucking incredible. The That's motorcycle insane. scene is you know, fucking right. It's like you lost yeah. your oxygen. Yeah. It's so good. It, and it's that's the thing. It's funny. It's, it's moving. So funny. It's it's everything and like it's meta without winking. Like it's we've gotten to a point where the IMF is aware like you know the whole like how close was it? Right. Usual. You know, like, right. It's, one it's second. Totally one second. You know, and the reason but they that did I, it. And I feel like at, at the core of me, the reason that I love Ethan Hunt, the reason that I love Spider Man is like I'm a person that I feel the weight of the world on my shoulders, even though that is ridiculous. Um, and so like I feel a connection to these characters that feel in a way that is much more legitimate than my yeah. own connection to that. Oh, yeah. But I still feel that feeling of like, hey, I'm responsible for things that happen and I need to make sure that I well, we, prevent certain yeah. things that and happen. We all hope that, you know, I, I think I wrote about this a little over the summer about like what is the through line of Tom Cruise's like career. And we all hope that there's someone like out there as citizens just living our daily lives with in this scary modern world. We all hope that there's someone out there protecting us, right? Yeah. And it's Tom Cruise. Like yep. in the movies, it's Tom Cruise. Like he's always the one, like at least in his action he'll movies. He'll entertain us. He, no, but he, and he's saving the world though. Yeah. Like whether he's, he's a preacher. Yeah. Whether he, like he's, he's the one who's out there protecting you. Yeah. I do identify though. Cause like me, like eight times out of 10, okay. Seven and a half times out of 10, I'm not going home without the briefcase, but two and a half right. times I'll just go home. He's not going home without that briefcase. Right. He's not leaving. 
mission without that briefcase accomplished. <laughs> so good. And like, and that's the it's thing. So like, crazy there that was he's a from fucking the, monster from the moment. The best. I know, but the moment, like the moment I saw this movie, it was instantly number one on my list. And there's been zero question. Nice. Since, this was my number that. one for a while, but yeah. I just this has been a, a, a very, very tumultuous week in terms of this list. And I, only I, this understand. List. <laughs> I understand. It's been great, actually. It's but, just been cookies. But like I said, but, for me, it's like it's like no question. It's like in. When I close my eyes and I think of the movies of the year, the one that I want to watch right now, the one that I always think about is Mission Impossible Fallout. And once again, I will say you're correct. That's right. That's 100% right. It is the best. I need to see it a second. Like, I feel like these movies never quite come together for me until I see them a second time. I've seen it like five or six times now. In the the first week and once since it's been out. You got it. Yeah. Got it. What about you, Garrett? So, Garrett, number Take one. I will Take literally just reiterate all the things you just said about yes. that movie for Mandy. Uh, 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 Mandy yeah, is boy. my favorite movie right here. Mandy is a movie made specifically for me and my tastes. It is it so really is pure is in so like you. all it's of so the good. things that I want out of movies. It's as if I dreamed a dream and then Panos Kasmatos was like, <laughs> Yeah, I'll make that a movie. Your dream can be a movie. I can I can turn that into a movie for you. Yeah. I'd want it tattooed on the inside of my eyelids so that I'm always watching now. it. I love this movie. It is so it is so pure for me. This is like exactly why I want to go to the movies. I, I, I yeah. feel you, man. It's I definitely want, pure in the same sense. Like yeah. this movie's mo is to make sure you go home having been rocked by it. Uh, yeah, uh, it, literally the opening there. I think is literally that like poem about being rocked to your death. Yeah, like being oh, rocked yeah, yeah. to to sleep in the your death. The whole movie's pink. Yeah, it's it's a pink movie. Oh yeah, it's it and is a pop tart. It is uh, psychedelic, which I I really enjoy. Now it, it's, it's actually it's a it's a strawberry. It's a pink starburst. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll accept. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> It's, no, but it's metal. Yeah, it's super metal. Muddy it's and just, snowy and Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It just is like pure art to me. It's like this is just like a fucking really weird movie that is full of emotion that resonates with me without actually being like sappy or anything like that. It just is fucking, I don't know, an intense synthesis of like color and camera and performance and music it's i i fucking love everything about that movie that's like the ultimate movie movie for me this year that was yeah also correct yeah yeah exactly totally that's what i mean i was like as you guys are talking mission possible i was like everyone's going to agree with me and i'm like yeah all of this but mandy yeah because same thing just different you know it's correct it's It's the best year last year you did baby driver baby driver and it's like it was like oh of course yeah yeah why wouldn't it be yeah 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 this is what I like to do. What it's are some movie, ones movie. that we? Um, yeah, let's do this quick, real quick. Here's my here's my uh, fifteen through eleven. Christ. We're uh, sorry to bother you, Hereditary. You were never really here. First reformed in Diamantino. Oh man, yeah, I was actually surprised Hereditary didn't hit your your list. Ultimately, <laughs> it came down to I was I was just trying to diversify a little bit. Yeah. And as much as Hereditary like deeply upset me and still does, and I I went and saw that in the theater twice more. I yeah. was really into it. Um, I just think everything that has to be said about that movie has been said yeah. by everybody. I yeah. mean, it's universally beloved. Yeah. It's a great flick. Um, I, I I was absolutely blown away by it, but I didn't want to talk about it tonight. I wanted to, <laughs> Fair. I, yeah. I wanted to talk about That's Box Lux. I wanted to talk well, about a lot Suspiria. Of it comes down it to like, what movies do you want to talk about the most? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think definitely. that that. If you yep. want to talk, there's no lying. About it, you know, that's, that's a good movie. Nobody, anybody who reads what we write or listens to what we put out there knows that I truly believe that Hereditary is perfect. Yeah, so right. Yeah, I don't yeah. need to put it any yeah. further. Not, than my that. Uh, my real quick in alphabetical order, ten through twenty are Cam, 
Yeah. Uh, cool. Quiddick, which I yeah. thought was a great movie. Um, you guys should watch it. I did. Um, I actually that yeah. was the first time yeah. I have ever enjoyed Ed Helms. Yeah. Ever. Ed Helms is great. Eighth grade, first man, hereditary, minding the gap, Madeline's Madeline, Mandy, sorry to bother you, and the ballad of Buster Scruggs. Fuck yeah. So awesome yeah. movies. Uh for me, I, I don't usually include uh, documentaries in my top ten. Uh but minding the gap and uh won't you be my neighbor that was on my first that, like, half of the year list I, yeah i i just felt profoundly for everything in those movies that had the paddington vibe for me like won't you be my neighbor was just such a great like hey be nice and it awoke things in me that i totally forgotten that i knew i forgot about daniel the yeah, lion right and i loved him because we had the same dog. name tiger yeah, yeah. but i loved him because <laughs> he had the same name Mm-hmm. Uh, but some other honorable mentions were uh, Black Panther, which I think is astoundingly good. Yeah. Shoplifters, which is amazing. That's that was good. very good. I saw that with you, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nonfiction, which is the new Olivia Assayas movie, was which is like ugh, it had good. French charming from It's Always Sunny in it. it, it I, could, <laughs> I love like, that. That's a bug. Of it, if I had <laughs> cut uh, Ocean's Eight, I would have put nonfiction in that spot in terms nice. of just like just. I loved everything that happened in that movie. That movie's a joy. And uh, it's very like funny. I, w- I want to move in, you know? Yeah, it's a great uh, movie in 2019. American Animals is, I think, a movie that's not getting a lot of attention this time of year, but I think is actually a really great indictment of toxic masculinity. I'm going to make you jealous. Uh, when I went to see that, they gave out the coloring book that the one dude uh, in the movie you. designed. <laughs> so I have the coloring book. That's amazing. You can get it with regal points. It's still available. It's not <laughs> oh, sold out. I have a million regal points. Dude, like, do it. They're going to they're gonna roll over. Are I, they? I, I I don't th- actually I don't think they roll over to January, so I'm just sitting on like ten free tickets that I redeem. I literally have like f- like fifty thousand regal fucking points, dude. Yeah, <laughs> um, redeem but, them. But the big one that was I ultimately cut for a technical reason uh, from my list was uh, Orson Welles, The Other Side of the Wind, because uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I was like, it is a 2018 movie, but it was definitely not filmed anywhere near 2018. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That uh, movie is fucking crazy. Uh, I saw it at the film festival. I'm so glad I saw it in the theater because I was able to sink into the world of the movie in a way that I don't yeah. think I would have at home. I might watch um, it tomorrow. That's been on my list. It, if you guys haven't seen it, and like this is my second Orson, Will- Orson Welles film as a director after um, Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if you haven't seen it before, I would maybe recommend watching the documentary They'll Love Me When I'm Dead first and mm-hmm. then watching this movie. I think ideally you'd watch like 20 minutes of The Other Side of the Wind, then watch the documentary, and then come back and finish it. Because I feel like getting a flavor for what the documentary is doing, it it feels very like, uh, or what the movie is doing, feels very found footage and everything. Um, It also has the best sex scene I have ever seen in a movie. It takes place entirely in a car, and it just uses the like emotions of the two characters reflected in the world around them. It's raining. There's like stoplights. The car is in motion, um, and the whole and full penetration shots. <laughs> uh, and and the whole th- <laughs> and the whole thing was shot in like three different locations over five years, and you would never yeah. know watching it. it it's insane it's, that the same person who did Citizen Kane made this movie. Yeah, it it this it's fucked up. It's really funny. Like it's it's a parody of both new Hollywood and like European movies that were happening at the time. Uh, and I, I absolutely, because I was able to sink into it, I found the groove that it was in and I loved it. Yeah. And so like cutting it was very much like a more of a technical reason than a like I love. I, I thought I watched it at home with like I, you know, was like I like had a whiskey and a beer. And I thought that was also a good way to watch it. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it definitely is it, a movie, it's like a that, movie that feels like it's a it's a very drugged out like 
you know, drunken hangout movie. And it's just completely fucking insane. And just the fact that it exists yeah. even in this form is amazing. Yeah. Um, it is know. totally found footage. Yeah. Absolutely right. It's really that cool. That sells me more than anything. To yeah. Really watch it's, it. it's really cool. Because they'll I jump between like 16 millimeter, 35 millimeter, like depend, like they'll have like six people with cameras in the scene and they are all actually filming and yeah. they'll jump between all their footage hmm. just based on what take they want to use and what angle and like. And, and but, John Houston is in it. Yeah. Like, oh, no way. And, and the story, so and despite all that jumble, the story 100% works. Cool. This movie is yes. very much about stuff. And I regret missing that at the festival, but I forget what I saw in lieu of it. I don't know. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, the other side of the win. Like I said, yeah. it was great. I loved it. What about you, Gare? Um, <laughs> uh, I'll just do like my 11 through 15 and then like shout a couple things out. Sorry to bother you. Mission Impossible Fallout, Bodied, Mom and Dad, and Thunder Road. Uh, Ooh, my 11 through Thunder 15. Road. Thunder Road is really cool. Road. That central performance is amazing. It's so good. It's, I love that. I've line never that seen I put anything like that. Yeah, like, yes, is it I working? Know. Do we need to call the manufacturer? Yeah, that's so good. I, you pointed out in our group chat the Fast and Furious line, which is so, so good. funny to me for like a multitude of reasons. It's he like, calls it. We could watch a Fast and the Furious. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's so, so funny. Uh, that's uh, like a real upsetting performance yes. too, because like I'm laughing with him, and then it becomes clear that like he's not laughing, so I'm right. laughing at him, but I don't want to stop because it's so funny. It's so upsetting. It's yeah, yeah. It, it's such a unique movie. I think it has a very distinctive tone that is like unto itself, which mm. is really cool to see. I want to see the the next ten movies that this y- dude makes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, just a couple of things to shout out. I thought I finally caught up with Isle of Dogs. And I thought it was wonderful. I, 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 the animation it's incredible. Dan knows I, I love stop motion animation. That's Jeff like Goldblum's got to play a dog it, forever. I, I mean, just love the gossip. voice acting. Yeah. Was, Brian Cranston's great. Yeah, yeah, I think the voice acting's incredible I, in it. And I want to. I want to revisit it. I want to. I wanted to have the reaction that you had. Yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised how dog. timely it is. Uh, I think that's what it came down to is watching that. I was like, oh, the person who made this loves dogs is the way that I love dogs mm-hmm. and. I love dogs. Uh, I wanted to shout out <laughs> Jeremy. Like Sel- I wanted to shout out Jeremy Selney's uh, "Hold the Dark" because yes. uh, I thought it was actually pretty incredible. Yeah, that yes. was you that wrote about the action scene in that, right? I did. I yeah. that did, shit yeah. was brutal, man. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's crazy. Yeah, good, good Blair Brothers score. Yeah, I know it is. It, Friends yes. of the show, the Blair shout Brothers. But it, it's one of their best, actually. It's like very yeah, good. It's, uh, I, it's I like that movie a lot. Jeffrey Wright's like kind of the real deal. Like he's, oh, he's yeah, he's one of the greats, but he's so low key. Yeah, it's also a Christmas movie. Uh, true. Uh, I thought Thoroughbreds was pretty great. Actually, yeah, it was uh, no room for it on my list, but I really like Thoroughbreds. One shout out, and really I finally caught up with the house with the clock in its walls, and I thought it was fucking lovely. I loved that movie. Dude, they're squashing that the happy. pumpkins. That oh. shit is so gross and so awesome. And yeah. Kate Blanchett and Jack Black together going toe to toe, bantering with each other. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, loved that movie. I, I want to quickly shout out uh, once I mentioned First Man. That that yeah. was on my top ten, but I kind of pushed it down a little bit. It that is, actually grew on me that movie, with distance. That movie, I agree with really you. Really brutalized. Yeah, it took me. some time. Like, yeah. or like in a good way. It really that movie left me with like a lot of feelings after mm-hmm. I saw it. We have every intention of coming yeah. home. Yeah, because yeah, I, I mean, love that just, delivery. Yeah. You know, fucking Neil Armstrong, like you know, the first man, but like he. Just the grief stuff just really just really blew yeah. me away. Yeah. yeah, when he drops the thing in the crater, I, I definitely know. felt a little something. Yeah. Or just like seeing him, you know, after going home because he's like triggered thinking about his his deceased daughter and then yeah. just and then just like looking up at the through his telescope up at the moon. Yeah. You know, thinking like I guess is like does he think that that's where his daughter is? You know, mm. it's almost like 
I don't well, think he literally thinks that he'll go to heaven and find her. But I think he's, he's just, seeking perspective. Yeah. And what a better way to get perspective than yeah. to exit everything that's terrestrial. Right. And also just like what what else don't we know? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? What yeah. else don't we know? Yeah. I've be, lost my daughter yeah. and it was tragic. But what there are so many things we don't know. And maybe he, she's there somewhere. Let's push. Maybe. Yeah. maybe she's out there somewhere. Right. Yeah. You know? No one's like been that. there. No like one that knows what's yeah. out there. Let's go there, you know? Yeah. And I think... Yeah, why shouldn't we? If we can, yeah. we should, because maybe. Yeah, yeah I, I look forward White to seeing is on the moon. Again, but I will say the score to that, that Justin Herbert score... It's is incredible. maybe my favorite score of the year in terms of just... It's the only one that very... has theremin. Right, and I do <laughs> love... real good. I fucking love theremins. Yeah. yeah, when it's done right. I've been asking Santa for a theremin for literally like <laughs> nine <is> years. <laughs> um... But uh, I, I look forward to revisiting that whole movie again. But yeah, that, yeah. that's the yeah. score this year that that stuck with me the most. Me too. Nice. Like I thought Ryan Gosling actually was really good in it too. Oh, like, me too. He was. He, yeah. He's always good. Though. Yeah, I think Just, everybody was really good in that. And you pointed oh, it out. It was oh. so weird watching all of the people we knew as teens be forty. Dude, I it, it took me. 30 minutes to recognize Patrick Fugit, but it's oh, only yes. because my brain would not accept that it was Patrick yeah. <laughs> Fugit playing a man. That's how that's Does how that I compute? feel about the yeah. uh, the kid from the Muddy Ducks being in uh, Daredevil as like an adult. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that brothers, yeah. It's fucking yeah. weird. Yeah. And and also just and that whole movie is just about, you know, he has this job where not only did his daughter die, but like a lot of his friends and colleagues yeah. have died. Yep. And that's just part of the deal. Yep. And like he he's he makes it to the moon at the end and like what was the cost right and then he comes home and that just final scene of him oh, and his wife separated by the glass yep. and that that score that theremin score that just comes yep. in like i feel like it was it was one of the more emotionally powerful movies of the year i get that's I, like, I was like lukewarm on it when i saw it but every time i think about it in hindsight i really do love it it's yeah, a phenomenal I movie and yeah. I, I think yeah. that's like something that he in particular excels at. That, yeah, that Giselle. Yeah, yeah, Giselle. That emotional gut punch of an ending, he is like mm. very, very good yeah. at. And, and it's. Very and I think Corey to... Stoll is masterful oh, casting. He's, oh, he's, he's the best Buzz awesome Aldrin you could that. you could hope for. Yeah. Like he and Giselle, and it's very much in his wheelhouse of like a movie about you know someone who deals with their issues by trying to be the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep. and, and, the, and, and through the sacrifice. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. His movies I never are, even thought about his, it that way. His three movies are all about sacrifice. Right. Yeah. Mm. And, and I'm glad that he kind of followed up like all the bad buzz of La La Land with like a movie like this. That it, To me, it just proves that he can, he can, he can, he can fucking, he can direct the phone book. Like, yeah, you, know, but, you know what's weird on the is moon. like the more distance I get from Wild Land, the more I like. I really like that movie. I do too. Yeah. It's not perfect, but like I really like what it's trying to say, and I really I like too. what it's trying to do. And like it I comes on say, HBO frequently, seen, and I never turn it off. Having seen like Mary Poppins Returns, the way that the musical numbers in La La Land are directed and shot is like a million fucking times better. Even though yeah. these people don't know how to fucking sing, yeah. like. The one Rob Marshall, I feel like like he's a great choreographer. Did but he, he do refused, Barry Poppins? He did. Oh, fuck but him. he like refuses to like. <laughs> he sucks, dude. Into right the, into the woods. Is Everything. Shit. Yeah, like, but Chicago. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the the worst part about Rob Marshall is like I feel like Into the Woods is his best directed musical. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm not that, seeing any of his other movies. That's terrible. I have. Oh my god. Like, yeah, because this one like. In all of his other movies, it, it's like an action. It's like a uh, Marvel movie action scene where it's mm. like instead of 
having the camera from a place where we can see fucking people fucking actually fucking dancing. Yeah. It's like, let's cut this up into like 35 yeah. fucking shots. So like, oh, I know that they, this took like 100 right. takes. Yeah. And that you're just using the best and parts. And at least Chazelle lets the like, camera like capture exactly. stuff. You know? Yeah, and he the does. Camera, like, what... He doesn't hide the shortcomings of yeah. the performers behind no, no, hybrid. Yeah. I introduced... Uh, some... I also think the shortcomings of the performers are kind of some of part of the point oh, of that I movie. I think Emma right. Stone not being yeah. the greatest singer is part yeah. of that. Yeah. Then again, I might just be like, trying to explain away a fault but i i think you're right i, I, I yeah. think it's part of the story of that movie and, yeah. and then like i when i introduced singing in the rain earlier this year like i man that movie I, is so good I, it's so great and i did a lot of research into like what makes a good musical and part of it is that that camera interacts with the dancers yeah in, like very long takes yeah. but it's yep. still in motion yes and like that's the best way to direct choreography mm-hmm. like is to show yeah. i want to see the dancers fucking dance yes yeah. you want to see mm. bodies in motion exactly yeah. Yeah. and when you cut like what has like there's great choreography in Mary Poppins. Uh, there's a scene where there's lamplighters doing tricks on BMX bikes, which is like actually super fun. Cool. But like he chops it to shit, and yeah. it, it looks like the fucking airport scene in Civil War. Where you're that like, really yeah, upsets yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah. and that is fake enough where like I can I yeah. can roll with it. But yeah. this is like the whole point is to see That's these clean, real people. That's clean, but it's bland. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the whole point of this is to see fucking people doing fucking dancing. Oh yeah, yeah. and yeah. you don't see fucking shit. That disappoints. <laughs> well, there's that great video online. Uh-huh. I'm sure we've all seen it yeah. where Jackie Chan goes over like yes. why his his fight scenes right. work and like there is editing there is cutting there is you know movement and editing of the camera that highlights the moves but it's not it being employed to like hide it. well and it's it's not being employed to just like hide an incomplete choreography it's the opposite it's it's highlighting good choreography right. and it's like if you got good dance choreography then you just need to you know you really just need to film it if you right. want to get gaudy with the camera just show your choreography don't cut around it that's a waste yeah Oh, I'm glad we've had this Mary Poppins discussion at the end yeah. of our oh, yeah. best of 2018. Two and a half stars on Letterboxd. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, let's... I really want to watch First Man again. Yeah, no, me too. That was a good discussion about that, actually. All right, let's let's wrap this up. 2018 was fantastic. I thought it was a really great year for movies. I saw, I think, like 65 new releases about. I saw 75 new releases. I think I saw like... 80, 90, and something I like was that. most. If you count short films, I had 201. Yeah, that's <laughs> insane. But I've seen 365 movies this year. Yeah, you win. Yeah, I think I was did. 341. Uh, I, I watched I 200 less movies than like, you, which is uh, still too many movies. Like nah. Yeah, I think that. Like that. You know, the, I'm proud that 140 movies I saw were, were new to me that weren't for I really hope that yeah, I watch your movies great. next year. Yeah. That's my goal. Yeah. The <laughs> Nintendo Switch has made it easier for me to miss movies. I guess so. I will say that. That's been good. Turn our brain off And I've tried to read more, so that's been good. But anyway, I, I thought it was a great year for movies. It was, I, looking absolutely. back on my list, it was like it was very hard to make because I had so many four and five star movies from this year. Yeah, I'm too. pretty sure I had the most five star movies this year since my time on Letterboxd. Yeah, yeah I, I had agree. a bunch of four. I had a bunch of four star movies that didn't even make my tw- top twenty five. Yeah. I I had very few five star. I, I had a decent amount of four and a half. I feel yeah. like. This is a really good for genre movies, yes. but not necessarily a good year for like the uh, Oscar fall movies. Like, maybe not yeah. as quite, but like well, I don't give a fuck about those movies. I know, so yeah, I had yeah, a great yeah, time yeah. with the movies. Yeah, yeah. Here, here, yeah, I am into that. Uh, yeah. But even like I think up. my whole top five were movies that came out before the midway point of this year. Yeah, with the yeah. I, I maybe exception of Mission Impossible. A lot of those remember. tend to, and a lot of those tend to stick with us. Yeah, I feel like with a lot of these movies you know the longer they stick with you the the more you like yes. them. like like i i loved minding the gap but i watched it on monday had i watched it like four months ago right. you know who knows maybe it would have made my top 10 you know oh but, yeah 
Just, yeah. It just depends. I think that's the one caveat that I always throw out about these lists, and I, I think probably applies to everybody, is that the lists are a snapshot in terms of... Yeah. Yeah. The tomorrow I'm going to feel differently. For the sake of the article I'm going to write for Cinema 76, I feel this yeah, way. Yeah, this exactly. is locked. But, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's going to change. And in hindsight, you know, I, I think coming at any list and being like, well, how would you rank that higher than this if you gave five stars to this and that? The stars are relevant. The words are what counts. Yep. And I, I feel good about this and list. Let, and, like, you know, let's meet back here in 25 years. I bet, yeah, we, exactly. I bet we have a very different idea yeah, right. of like, and, what And for this me, the star rating like. is always about like how good is the movie at being the movie it wants to be more yeah. than exactly. anything yeah. else. So it's like, you know, for how perfect of an experience like, How was good that? of a Spider-Man yeah. movie is that versus other Spider-Man movies? Yeah. It's not about, yeah. well, I gave that this many stars and that this The many room many gets five stars, but... You right, know, it's, yeah. the room. Yeah. it's the room. <laughs> I had a Black Klansman I gave five stars to, and I stand by it. But that was nowhere, nowhere close to my yeah. list because that's a movie that I think the experience was great, and I took something from it that that meant a lot to me. Yeah, but like I'm never gonna fucking watch that again. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's not gonna happen. I don't give a shit. That was one that kept getting pushed further and further yep. down. Like same for me. Lots of great moments. Oh, I like that movie a lot, but, but it just uh, yeah. It, I, yeah, I'm giving that to blind spotting body yeah. or sorry to bother you before first I reform. or first reform. It, it was a great man. First oh, reform. Hardest of, cut. We're kind of talking a little bit about. So no, I, we're wrapping know, it up. I, Andy is what I we're doing. However, I have my 30 through 40 that I haven't shared yet. For Jeez. the love uh, of God. Kidding. No, but I, I this year, most of the movies in my top 10 have female leads. Um, usually. You know, and and I have um, let's see, one, two, two, I think. Um, oh well, I have at least two female directors on here too on my top ten, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I only so, have one in so my yeah. top fifteen. I that's the thing. I have. A, I'm not celebrating myself. I'm just saying. No, no, I it's think a it's a good year for oh yeah, for representation for and diversity. Like, I just and just great fucking movies. Like, I didn't totally. consider yeah. it in making my list because I try not to do that. I was just going for my experience with the movies. Yeah, but I think that I had a larger pool to draw from in terms of inclusive movies and yeah. filmmakers and Agreed. whose stories are being yeah. told. I, and I think that's real awesome. And, and who they're cool. being told by. And in part, exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. that's something that the Philadelphia Film Festival did really well this year that they didn't really draw a lot of attention to mm-hmm. is that I feel like about half of their movies were female directed. Oh, cool. Um, so like, yeah, they didn't make uh, a thing of it, but it was totally they really, legit. They just executed it and they yeah. did it, and they didn't, you know, they didn't self congratulate about yeah, it. Remember great. when we were like two feet away from uh, what's her name? Oh, she's so pretty. Uh, she yes. directed the movie. Why can't I remember her name? Karen Gillan. Karen, Karen Gillan. We were like two feet away from her, and she was like so tall and pretty. I don't just know what you're doing right her movie, her movie so rules. Exciting. I like it. I could have easily put uh, the party's just beginning on my top ten list and yeah. like totally justified it. Cool. That movie was uh, that movie was great. Yeah. So hopefully it'll be out next year where people can see it. Hell yeah! All right, we're at four and a half hours. Let's wrap this. Good the job. Fuck fuck up. Guys, thanks everybody. A print <laughs> version will be available within the coming weeks. Yeah, exactly. You can yeah. find I like to movie movie at transcript. all of your podcatchers. Uh, I like to movie with the numeric two, or just right. Google the full title with yeah. the letter T O. That's what it is. You will find us. Thank you to everybody who listened to us this year. Yes, it was our best year so far, and we've Absolutely. already got stuff in the works for next year that's going to make excited. it even better. Uh, all we ask of you is please interact with us. Interact with us more. Let us know what you want to hear, yes, and please. we will do it. We are your whores. My name is Dan Scully. And you can find me on all of the stuff under Dan Scully, Letterbox, Cinema 76, Findy, Movie John, all that fun stuff. I love you guys. Thank you. <laughs> I'm on cinema76.com, farsightedblog.com. You can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. That's with an F, letterbox.com slash Philadelphia. And uh, 
I think uh, towards the end of January, I'll get the dates for you guys on our next episode, but we'll be at the Everything is Awesome uh, uh, live festival again this year. Um, I'm definitely going to be there. Dan might join me. We don't know yet. But I'm going to help write the show. Yeah. It's, it's my mom's birthday yes. weekend. Yeah. And uh, got a rep. Yeah. Mama's got it. Mama Scully, yeah, she's right. doing it, doing it to it. So I yeah. gotta, gotta be there. But it's a uh, look. Everything is awesome up because it's a uh, it's a cancer fundraiser. Well, it's not a fundraiser for cancer, but a cancer for a cancer for fundraiser. We want to support the growth yeah. of tumors. Yes, and so we want to make them as big it's and unwieldy as possible. That's right. <laughs> it's a fundraiser for uh, 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 cancer research, and uh, uh, so if you look up everything is awesome, you can already start donating now. They've got a page up for that. We did it last year. It was a blast. It was really fun. So yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do another live uh, game show thing and probably drop an episode of that on here down the road. Guys? Yeah. Uh, for me, you can find me on Cinema 76 very frequently. You can also follow me on Letterboxd and Twitter and Instagram at Silver, whatever this with a B. You can also find my show, The Shame Files Podcast. Uh, if you search Shame Files on any of your podcatcher apps, we should be there. If not, let me know, and I will make it happen. Uh, I'll probably also be playing at least some kind of part in the uh, awesome oh, nice. uh, ca- cancer thing that's coming Hell up in yes. January. Excellent. Uh, I don't have all the details yet, but uh, stay tuned. Awesome. So, And uh, you can uh, find me, Andy, on Twitter, Andrew M. Elijah, and I'm on Letterboxd at Andy Elijah. I was just thinking I should probably make those the same uh, at some point <laughs> um, just to make it easier. Baker Man. And AndyElijah at gmail.com. And, yeah, I have a band called Baker Man, and we released an album called Skeptics Observe. Thanks for the shout-out, Gary. Hell, yeah, dude. Um, so, yeah, and, uh, yeah, so, yeah, definitely hit me up. Awesome. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, my name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. My name is Ryan Silverson, and I also like to movie movie. My name is Andy Elijah. I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like to movie! 2018, motherfucker! Happy New Year, Bone Tomahawk. All right. We did it.